pandemic. So welcome to everybody that's here. Uh, with that, uh, we will, uh, Brandon, could you call the order? Good evening, Chair Luxembourg, Planning Commissioners, staff, members of the public. This evening's meeting. Recording in progress. The special meeting, as Chair Luxembourg mentioned, in the sense that it represents the first regular meeting of the Planning Commission following the governor's office's rescinding of the state of emergency for COVID-19. With that in mind, it is great to be here at Sausalito City Council Chambers and even more great to see you all in person. Uh, with that said, members of the public are still able to access this meeting and provide public comment through Zoom. And with that, I will move to call roll. Commissioner Saad. Here. Commissioner Graff. Here. Commissioner Feller. Here. Vice Chair Junius. Chair Luxembourg. Here. We have achieved quorum. All members are present. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next item on the agenda is uh, approval of the agenda. Do I get a motion for approval of the agenda? So moved. Second. Uh, Director Phipps, can you call roll? Commissioner Saad? Yes. Commissioner Graff? Yes. Commissioner Feller? Yes. Vice Chair Junius? Yes. Chair Luxembourg? Yes. Motion passes. Uh, next item on the agenda is public comments for items not on the agenda this evening. Uh, Director Phipps, can you give instructions for people that want to give comments either in person or on Zoom? Thank you. Certainly. Thank you, Chair. This is the time for Planning Commission to hear from citizens regarding matters that are not on the agenda, except in very limited situations. State law precludes the Planning Commission from taking action on or engaging in discussions concerning items of business that are not on the agenda. However, the Planning Commission may refer matters not on the agenda to staff or direct the subject to be agendized at a future meeting. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment in person, please fill out a speaker card and bring it to staff um, so that we can call on you when it is your time to speak. If you would like to make a comment virtually in the Zoom application, please raise your hand and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Thank you. Is there anybody in the in the chamber that wants to talk about items not on the agenda this evening? Seeing none, uh, let me check on the Zoom. Uh, I'm not seeing any raised hands in Zoom. Can you confirm that, Director Phipps? Seeing none, sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, item four, uh, approval of the Planning Commission minutes. I'd like to make a motion to approve minutes as as uh, printed. I'll second. Uh, Director Phipps, can you take roll, please? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Saad? Yes. Commissioner Graff? Yes. Commissioner Feller? Yes. Vice Chair Junius? Yes. Chair Luxembourg? Yes. Motion passes. Item five on the agenda, we have communications. Uh, Director Phipps, can you give uh, an update from uh, the from the planning department? Thank you. Certainly, thank you, Chair. Um, first communication item that I'll start with this evening is related to CDD staffing. I would first like to take the opportunity to introduce you all to CDD's new code enforcement officer, Mr. Paul Van Hook. Mr. Van Hook comes from city of Foster City, where he formerly held the role of temporary code enforcement officer he has experience providing both code enforcement and fire-related services to multiple jurisdictions along the peninsula, 
and we look forward to working with him in CDD to build off of the code enforcement foundations that have been strengthened by our four leaf consultants who you will be hearing from later on uh, in this meeting. So with all of that said, I will now pass the mic to Mr. Van Hook so he can introduce himself. Mr. Van Hook, the floor is yours. And if we could, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry about that guys. Um, thank you, Brandon. Um, it's nice to meet you all uh, virtually, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I've uh, basically, to give you a synopsis of my career, I've worked in uh, municipalities uh, my entire career. Um, I started as a seasonal employee for the city of Campbell um, as a, a laborer um, when I was in college at Chico State and uh, worked as a maintenance worker for the city of Mountain View. Um, I was a firefighter paramedic for Santa Clara County Fire. Um, where I did uh, life and uh, safety inspections, fire inspections. Um, I also worked for Palo Alto Utilities as well, too, um, being a field service rep, uh, responding to any and all um, utility emergencies, and then did uh, code enforcement for uh, City of Foster City as well, too. Um, I look forward to working with all of you. Um, some of my goals are to uh, just reduce the number of uh, active code enforcement cases, um, as well as cost recovery, um, you know, for the city. Um, it seems like there was a little length of time where there was quite a bit of attrition here. And, um, you know, some things kind of got put on the back burner. And uh, I'm here to uh, kind of take charge of that. Um, I've been working with uh, Four Leaf, the consultants, um, to kind of organize these things and, uh, um, uh I'm sure that uh, my numbers will uh, reflect that uh, um, you know we are moving in the right direction in the uh, code enforcement division. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, at this point, we'll have questions from from the commissioners. Uh, Commissioner Graff, any questions from court enforcement? Not at this time. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. No, I'd just like to welcome you to the team and and thank you for being here this evening. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Saad. No questions. Also, thank you and uh, welcome. Thank you. Welcome aboard, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, welcome aboard as well. Uh, uh, the only comment I would like to make uh, is um, with regard to cases, uh, as you will see tonight, we have a number of cases where there are conditions of approval. And when those conditions are somehow the applicants failing to meet those conditions, we're gonna be looking to you to do code enforcement on those issues. And those are particularly important to this commission. So I'm just making you aware of that. My name is Welcome Aboard, I met you prior. So, uh, but thank you for your presentation this evening. Uh, thank you, Commissioner. It's good to see you again. And I uh, absolutely will uh, uh, look forward to uh, um, resolving those issues. And uh, um, it was nice to, to meet all of you. We're going to we're going to go to the presentation now or no uh, chair I have a couple communication items and, and commissioners may have communication items um, as well. So if, if it's OK with you, I'll go on with my communication updates. Uh, yes, uh, that makes sense. Sorry. Okay. I was skipping ahead. I, I, I jumped on the screen here. So. Well, it's, it's good to be excited this evening uh, <laughs> back in person. I think that's a good thing. Um, so I uh, appreciate that chair. Uh, next item of communication regarding the ferry landside presentation, uh, Director McGowan and I have had the opportunity to discuss scheduling and based off a need for a formal public hearing on this item, uh, we plan to place the item on the Planning Commission agenda 
currently scheduled for March 29, 2023. Uh, so look forward to digging into that item a little bit further and getting planning commission comment and feedback and uh, recommendation. Final communication item regarding staffing. Uh, we do have a number of ongoing solicitations. We currently have open solicitations for the role of building official, permit technician, senior planner, and associate planner. I have interviews scheduled for the planning positions next week, and I look forward to providing you all with positive updates uh, as related to positive results from those interviews. That concludes my communication items for this evening. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Director Phipps. Uh, at this point, uh, uh, City Attorney Rudin, do you have any updates that you need to provide? Uh, no, no updates at this time. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and with that, we'll go to report outs from subcommittees. Uh, the first is the Objective Design and Development Standards uh, Subcommittee. Uh, that's uh, Commissioner Fuller and Vice Chair Junius. Uh, thank you, Chair Luxembourg. Uh, we do not have an update from our uh, meeting two weeks ago. We are anticipating that the odds should be prepared uh, for a presentation later this month to the Planning Commission. And after that, uh, it would go to the City Council. Uh, but uh, it's all being finalized at this time. And so there's nothing new other than a potential date this month. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if I could just ask, given the, the volume of information that we'll provide, if you could give it, extend it to the rest of the commissioners in enough time to review it prior to the uh, more than the normal period of time to, to review that, that would be helpful. Thank you, Chair. I'll work with uh, CDD Director uh, Phipps to make sure that we can get that uh, circulated with plenty of time for review. It is a, a very large document. Uh, thank you very much, Commissioner Feller. Uh, the next item is the California Housing Legislation Working Group. That's Vice Chair Junius and myself. Uh, Vice Chair Junius, if you could give an update, that would be appreciated. I appreciate that, um, Chair Luxembourg. Um, always a lot going on in uh, in Sacramento with respect to housing laws. Um, I think the probably one of the most important things that is moving its way through the system is um, an extension of SB 35. Um, SB 35 actually has a sunset date. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's a year or two out. And um, I think in light of the state's desire to increase housing production, the um, legislature is considering making that law permanent. So we will be tracking that pretty carefully. And then just um, some interesting statistics regarding the housing element process in the Bay Area. Um, it's been kind of fascinating to see as the Salcedo housing element process has finished up and is currently under review by HCD. It turns out there just aren't that many jurisdictions within the Bay Area that have actually got over the finish line. Of the 109 jurisdictions, actually only four have made it <laughs> across the full finish line. Um, uh, that um, does not include Sausalito, but Sausalito is one of the groups that's actually approved um, a, a housing element and submitted it to HCD within the deadline of January 31st. So that's good news. Um, there are about 59 or 60 jurisdictions that have submitted um, an unadopted uh, housing element, which is, I think, going to be problematic for those jurisdictions. And there are actually 12 jurisdictions in the Bay Area that I will not name who really don't seem to be participating at all in the, in the housing element process. So that's going to be interesting. Um, there have been a, a variety of lawsuits filed um, against jurisdictions that have not uh, that uh, that some uh, interest groups don't believe are in compliance. So we'll be tracking that as well, um, and it's going to be an interesting year ahead uh, for housing element compliance. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Junius. Doing the math, uh, so we're part of the group that 
subtracting out the 59 and we're, we're part oh, of the 34 group 34. there's okay. <laughs> we're, so we're in second place so, so uh, <laughs> we're not uh, doing so bad as for Sausalito give it give it all things considered I think that's a good, good group to be I in, agreed so. uh thank you very much um the next item on the agenda the ferry landslide working group is there further updates other than what uh, director Phipps just provided no, we have not met as a working group. Uh, we're waiting for that to come back to the Planning Commission, and it sounds like that will be March 29th. Uh, that's, uh, uh, that's correct. Um, the next item is Housing Element Working Group. Uh, it's Commissioner Fellow and Commissioner Saad. We've renamed that because the HEAC has finished their work. So uh, is, is there any further updates at this time? Uh, no further updates from two weeks ago. Um, just again, to recap what that update was, we're waiting for any final comments to come from uh, HCD back to uh, Sausalito uh, and pending pending whatever those comments and, and um, communications might be, we'll be poised and ready to respond accordingly. And if I, if I may, Commissioner, um, pursuant to your comments, as well as dovetailing off of Vice Chair Junius's um, communication items, just want to provide the update to the commission that we have and confirm that we have formally submitted our revised housing element to the state. Um, the state is now taking a 60-day review period to provide additional comments to City of Sausalito. We do uh, anticipate comments greater than zero from the state. Um, after receiving those comments, we will promptly address them uh, and and promptly adopt um, a compliant housing element. That's the plan. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Director Phipps. Uh, next item is uh, parklets. Uh, that's Commissioner Feller and myself. I'll, I can start with that. Where um, I understand that Director Phipps had met with the City Council and uh, they're proceeding to do some work with along with the City Attorney's Office and then they will be coming back to the working group probably sometime in the next month or so. So, um, Commissioner Feller, any additional comments on that? Uh, thank you, Chair. No, no additional comments. Uh, next item is the Master Plan Working Group, Commissioner Feller and Commissioner Saad. Uh, Commissioner Feller. So we have met as a working group. We do not have any further updates from two weeks ago. We are hoping that the City Council uh, will respond to the multiple uh, communications from the Planning Commission uh, to support our efforts uh, for, for a master plan for the city, a comprehensive master plan. Uh, that's an important uh, element and mission critical, as we've called it, uh, to the work of the Planning Commission here in Sausalito. Commissioner Saad. Um, nothing, nothing to add. Uh, we do intend to meet hopefully in the next few weeks and continue our work pending, um, of course, City Council hopefully supporting our efforts, but we will continue to move forward. Uh, thank you both. For that. yeah, that's an important effort for this, uh, for the whole commission. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, gets forward and scoped and gets funded. So uh, with that, are there any other communication items, uh, Commissioner Fellow? Uh, thank you, Chair. I just wanted uh, to uh, let everybody uh, be aware that Director McGowan has reached out to the Landslide Task Force um, uh, and uh, has requested each of us to uh, participate in some of the work that Miller Pacific is doing. Um, and I was the representative for the Planning Commission for that task force. So I uh, will be participating uh, with those efforts and I will keep the commission apprised. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, should we add that to the list for the next meeting? 
uh, Director Phipps, if you could add that to the list of report outs from subcommittees to the, for the next meeting. Uh, are there any other uh, comments from any of the commissioners? Um, yes. Uh, sorry, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. I just had one other request, and that is um, for the last several months, we've wanted to have the Sea Level Rise Task Force come and present to the Planning Commission. So much more of our work uh, intersects with uh, the great body of work they've done and their mapping skills and so on. And so I think it would be really valuable if in agenda setting yourself and Vice Chair Junius could maybe find some time on our agenda when it makes sense to invite the Sea Level Rise Task Force to present to the Planning Commission. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Fowler. We will we will try to schedule that as well. Uh, with that, any other comments from any of the commissioners? Uh, don't need to raise hands in Zoom. This is this is different. <laughs> thank you all. Uh, with that, we move on to item six, uh, new business. And now we have our code enforcement update that I was <laughs> jumping the gun on before. So with that, uh, Paul, if, if you could come back to uh, the Zoom and do your presentation about code enforcement. And, and thank you. Thank you, Chair Luxenberg. Um, item 6A is an update from our code enforcement staff. And uh, Mr. Van Hook will be in attendance for this meeting, but more as an observer. We have Orlando Givens. Um, code enforcement manager from Four Leaf present, in addition to Jordan Crawford. Uh, she is the city's contracted Four Leaf code enforcement officer who will be passing the torch to Mr. Van Hook uh, by the end of this week. So Orlando and Jordan, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, uh, Director Phipps. I appreciate this opportunity to speak to you and to the commission this evening. Uh, I have a PowerPoint presentation on my laptop which uh, I'm not sure if you good folks can, there can see, uh, but if someone can give me the ability to share my screen or if it's available to you, I would like to just uh, run through just a couple of quick slides to give you a bit of a background on exactly what it is the Code Enforcement Division does. Mr. Givens, you should be good to share. And All right, let's take a look. We do have a live stream on our end over here. So Fantastic. We'll be able to see whatever it is you share and project. Fantastic. How are we looking, folks? Uh, lo looking good. We're looking Thank great. You. Excellent. Okay. Uh, as I said, my name is Orlando Gibbons. I am a code enforcement manager uh, with Ford Leaf. Uh, we have had the honor and the privilege of assisting the city of Sausalito during its transition phase uh, in, in a number of areas, including code enforcement. Uh, Director Phipps asked uh, our team to put together just a, a few brief comments for the Planning Commission so that, uh, so that the Planning Commission has uh, a clear understanding of exactly what it is uh, the Code Enforcement Division does. So that's exactly what we have done, and that's exactly what we'll do this evening. Okay, let's see here. There we go. So what will you learn today and why? What are the most common cases that the code enforcement team handles? What are the standard operations of a code enforcement division? How are our cases managed? And how do we generally handle our most frequently received case, which is work without permit? With whom does the code enforcement team collaborate? We don't operate as an island. We have a number of partners that we work with to get our jobs done. 
we'll give you a brief update on the department metrics and an update on current and go forward initiatives. What you won't hear this evening are any specifics on any active or recently closed case. And we've got some pretty specific reasons why we won't do that in this forum. The potential for the liability to the city of Sausalito uh, is fairly great for bringing information that could be construed as private in some cases into a public recorded forum. So we really do want to protect the privacy of our constituency in the city of Sausalito. If, you, if the commission has any specific questions about a specific case or an address that you kind of drive by on your way to and fro uh, and you're wondering what's going on with that, what I would recommend is that you follow up individually uh, or even collectively with Paul um, through Zoom or email or something along those lines in a non-recorded format. So what are the most common cases code enforcement handles? As I mentioned, work without a permit is our most common case. And that can mean a number of things, but a lot of times it's where something was done by someone where they should have come to the city and gotten a permit, but they didn't. And we find out about it usually because someone notifies the city uh, and then we open a code enforcement case. And we'll walk through some of those procedures here in a moment. The next case from a volume standpoint is property maintenance. And that can be uh, overgrown vegetation, that can be uh, trash and debris on the property, that can also be uh, failing, uh, a, a failing uh, fence that has a surcharge behind it, that can be uh, peeling paint on the side of a home or uh, dilapidated conditions. The next case that in terms of the number of cases received is short-term rentals. I'm sure each one of you on the commission and Director Phipps is very aware that Sausalito has a number of short-term rentals. Uh, and we do get cases on those from time to time uh, and, and they are adjudicated through our area. Finally, in terms of the most popular cases are the zoning and planning issue cases. And I know that that's something that's near and dear to this, uh, to this commission's heart. Uh, and, and so I, I specifically wanted to mention those cases as being they are, they are definitely on our radar and definitely something that we see quite a few of. Just some examples of, uh, you know, some property maintenance there on the left. Um, and clearly work without a permit on the right, just to give you just kind of an overview. So what does a typical code enforcement uh, practice look like? What, what is, how is a department set up and what does it do? The city of Sausalito is a complaint-based code enforcement division. So that means that our team is generally not out in the vehicles looking for violations we generally wait to have a violation reported to us. Now, there are instances where we will act on a proactive basis 
And that usually is because there's some sort of an exigent circumstance. We see something that is of an imminent threat that requires our immediate attention uh, that does give us the authority to be proactive. But uh, most generally, um, uh, someone is waiting to enter the room. Should I let them in or should does someone else have control of the of the room? Someone else has control of the room. Great. Okay. I will just, I'll just let that go then. Um, uh, so generally speaking, we are complaint-based. Uh, so once we have a complaint, we will go through an investigation period to verify the, the, the validity of that complaint. And I'll go into that a bit, late, a, a bit more later on. And that leads to our response. And our response may very well include noticing uh, either to the violator, the property owner, the tenant, whomever that may be. That noticing will detail uh, a level of corrective action needed. And that corrective action will take us in two directions. One, and our preferred direction, of course, is compliance. And that's what code enforcement is all about. We're about getting properties back into compliance when they have stepped out. However, occasionally uh, we are unable to gain compliance initially, and we must um, engage in some escalated enforcement measures. And we'll go over what uh, uh, some of those look like a bit later on. Say hi to, to Jordan, who is uh, there with you in the hall, and that's her looking at a property that my guests, all of you know about. Uh, Again, we are complaint-based. So complaints generally come in by phone, in person, online, or either from an internal customer. And an internal customer might be someone like our building inspectors, maybe out in the field, and perhaps they are inspecting one area of a property and see where the, uh, the homeowner has exceeded the scope of their permit, and they may very well come back and let us know about that, and that will trigger a code enforcement case. So that complaint, as I mentioned, leads to a response. And that response, uh, first of all, starts off with our investigation period. Uh, and we're going to gather evidence long before we ever go out into the field. Uh, we're going to spend quite a bit of time going through the records of that property and making sure that we understand exactly what is there and what we may see when we go out into the field. Then we'll do an inspection. And that inspection will uh, allow us to gather additional evidence. And we will engage in some joint enforcement efforts if needed. We'll, more on that later. That will then lead to noticing. And please know that in the noticing process, one of the things that we pay very close attention to uh, and that does uh, uh, lengthen the time in some cases of getting a property into compliance is the process, is due process. We have to give property owners uh, due process of law and allow them their constitutionally guaranteed rights. Uh, and there are some very specific areas there that, uh, that, that, that we must adhere to as we go through our jobs. Hopefully that leads to, leads to some corrective action uh, where we will provide uh, violators with a reasonable time for compliance. And once again, that, that, we will, that will either lead to compliance or a form of escalated enforcement. 
And by escalating enforcement, I may mean something in the way of administrative citations. Uh, we have the code enforcement area has the uh, lawful authority to write uh, a citation. Uh, if we are unable to gain compliance through our initial efforts and we wish to escalate those efforts further, uh, and those uh, citations are essentially a, a fine on the property, much like a ticket. Uh, there are other legal avenues that are available to us, uh, including uh, recording the property, what, what uh, you perhaps have heard the term clouding the title. We have the ability to do that. And in the most severe cases, uh, the, the city has the authority to uh, temporarily take possession of the property, uh, abate the violations, and then return that abated uh, and, and now compliant property back to its owners. And that process is known as receivership. So how do we handle the most common case that we get, uh, which is work without permit, as I mentioned a moment ago? Like I said, a complaint is received. We will have an initial conversation with the complainant if they are available. And then we're gonna do some pretty thorough research in the office. We're going to search for existing code enforcement cases. Are there is this is the complaint that we've received a known complaint and has a code enforcement case already been opened, or is this a property that has had other complaints uh, recently or or in the distant past? Uh, and are are there other areas that we can look at there? We're going to determine who that property owner is. Uh, and we've got a couple of ways that we can do that. Our GIS system uh, and county records are, are two to speak of that will kind of inform us who that property owner is because our responsibility is to address the property owner or the occupant if the occupant is the violator. We can also look into Google Maps. Google Maps is a wonderful service that's completely free and available to anyone and gives us kind of an, an historical picture of the property. As you, I'm sure you guys know, the Google car drives by a given property a few times over the last uh, several years. And we could kind of see how that property has changed over time. Uh, violator says, hey, you know, I haven't, I haven't done any work here. And you drive by and you see that, that two, three years ago, there was an old uh, electrical panel on the side of the house. And last year when the Google car drive by, it's a brand new gray electrical panel on the house. How did that happen? So those are the kinds of things that we're looking for. We're also going to search through the zoning and the planning area to make sure that the property is compliant there. We're also going to research the permits to see what has been issued, expired, is in final status, or permits that are even in process. Maybe they just got a little ahead of their skis and there's a permit in process, uh, and we just simply say, hey guys, let's hold up on that until you have that permit in place, okay? Now, once we have done our initial homework in the office, it's time to go out into the field. And our initial inspection is generally from the public right of way. Uh, and if we are able to verify the complaint from the public right of way, then we can acknowledge that complaint and move forward with the uh, move forward with the case. We're going to document that initial inspection with photographs as we document every inspection with photographs. 
However, sometimes we may, we may or may not be able to document the validity of a case from the public right of way. Uh, if we have any questions in that regard, we're going to attempt what we call a knock and talk, where we literally knock on the door and ask to speak with uh, a reasonable person that is there. We're going to request consent to inspect any private property. We don't just go walking on private property. There's some fairly strict rules about that. Um, all of the code enforcement team are well-versed on uh, the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution and rights to privacy. So we know exactly what we can and cannot do in terms of the gathering of evidence. Missed one there. Hold on. There we go. Work without permit continued. Uh, we're going to prepare a notice of violation once we have confirmed that a violation exists. Then that's going to detail specific code sections at issue and the specific violations notice, noted. We're going to post that on the property. We're going to send it to the violator and or tenant, uh, both by certified and regular mail. We're going to work with the owner or the occupant to bring that property into compliance. And we're going to, once... At, when we have a work without permit case, what one of the things that may very well happen is that they'll send in plans to get that permit issued. Now, here's an interesting part of the process. At that moment, when those plans come in, the only person in the building who knows what that property looks like is the code enforcement officer. So one of the procedures we have in place is when the plans are received before they go to the uh, before they go to the plans reviewer, the code enforcement officer reviews them. Not necessarily as a plan review, but simply to verify the validity of the plans versus what we saw in the field. That new water heater that they put in without a permit is that on the plans. The kitchen that they relocated, do they show where the old kitchen was and where the new kitchen is? So those are the kinds of questions that really only the code enforcement officer can answer. And that's why this is an extremely important step. Once the permit is issued and inspections are called for, we will re-inspect the parcel to see that compliance is taking place. And once the permit is moved to final status, we are notified of that and we'll close the case. As I mentioned before, code enforcement is not an island. We work very closely with multiple departments. So some of the folks that we collaborate with on a day in and day out basis may very well be the South Marin Fire Department, Sausalito Police Department, County of Marin Environmental Health, Adult Protective Services, Children's Protective Services, Public Works, outside agencies such as Build It Together and Habitat for Humanity and those that address issues with the unhoused or underhoused. Going through some of the complaints that we have received and some of the work that we've done just since January, my understanding is that we have 21 uh, active, 21 active work without permit cases since January. We've had 31 first inspections. Now, one might ask the question, why do we have more first inspections than active cases? 
we did have a bit of a backlog before uh, Jordan joined the team in January, and she's been able to bring that down quite a bit. And I'm extremely thankful for her hard work. Jordan has done an absolute, uh, absolute excellent job, uh, in my uh, in my opinion, of uh, helping the city of Sausalito uh, uh, manage its manage its code enforcement division. Follow-up inspections, where we have had a previous inspection and now we're going back out to look at a property again. We may have been out there uh, a month or two ago, uh, and we may need to go back out and re-verify the complaint, uh, the validity of it, or see if there's been any improvement. Uh, so, uh, so we definitely want to track our follow-up inspections. On the building property maintenance side, you can see the numbers for that, short-term rentals, and then planning and zoning cases with the totals. And this gives you also just kind of a single screenshot of what I've been saying in terms of the sheer numbers of cases we get in each category. We've abated and closed five commercial cases 34 residential cases. So we've taken 39 cases off the books since January. Current code enforcement initiatives underway. Uh, one of the challenges that code enforcement was facing was that uh, complaints would come in in a fairly ambiguous nature. Uh, and so we are redesigning the complaint form to make sure that we are capturing uh, as much information as possible at the initial phase, uh, at, the, at, the, at the complaint phase, I should say. And you've already met Paul Van Hook, your new code enforcement officer. Uh, Paul, we're extremely glad to have you on the team, and uh, I know you're going to do great things for the city of Sausalito going forward. Uh, significant improvement of case detail and accuracy. Again, Jordan has been outstanding in improving the, 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 the quality of the data in the systems at the city. And uh, we're, we're deeply uh, grateful for that. Also significant improvement in case intake, case adjudication and resolution as the numbers we just went through share showed. Thank you very much to the commission, to Director Phipps, and to uh, each of you there in attendance this evening. And uh, we are happy to answer any questions that you may have. I am here, and uh, uh, Jordan and, and another one of our colleagues is there in the room with you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Gibbons. That was a very thorough presentation. We really appreciate that. We've sure. been asking for this update for a while, so we thought that was excellent. Uh, with that, I'm going to ask the commissioners if they have any specific questions of Mr. Gibbons or Mr. Van Hook or the other staff members from Four Leaf there that are on Zoom. Uh, I want to remind everyone that uh, we're not to talk about any specific addresses or problems. If you have aware of any specific cases, just uh, email or call Mr. Van Hook and also, and also uh, Director Phipps, depending the nature of what the issue is. With that, uh, I'll start with uh, Mr. Graff, uh, Commissioner Graff. Do you have any questions? Uh, thank you, uh, Commissioner Fellow. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, and thank you, Mr. Gibbons. And I'd like to thank uh, Director Phipps uh, for uh, prioritizing this as a very important issue uh, that I know this commission has been very eager for. And we really, really thank you for all your hard work. 
and prioritizing this uh, for us. Uh, so Mr. Gibbons, I did have a couple questions uh, and thank you for the presentation. I, I just wanted to understand a couple things. The first is in your uh, assessment of what's permitted or what isn't, are you coming across violations with conditional use permit or minor use permit as well? And how is that categorized in, in your uh, uh, different uh, areas there? Commissioner, that's a fantastic question. Uh, let me reiterate that we are a complaint-based organization. So our team is not out looking for those violations, but if we receive a complaint of a violation of a conditional use permit, um, I believe that there is at least one that I know of in-house currently. Uh, then the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna reach out to somebody on your team and just kind of confirm that this is indeed a violation. Uh, and we'll look at look to see exactly what the, what the CUP says uh, and attempt to do our investigation to, to, to verify whether or not a violation exists. I can tell you that that is absolutely a case that we would pursue when a complaint is received and it would be something that going forward you will see uh, the planning commission and uh, and uh, uh, code enforcement working together on very closely. Great, I, I appreciate that, thank you. I know mm -hmm. been a bit of a problem here, both uh, mainly on the commercial side yes. uh, and the retail side. So I appreciate yes. uh, you uh, having an eye out for that. Uh, we will as well. Mm -hmm. um, the other question is sort of similar, but more specific to the Historic Preservation Commission. Okay. Um, I'm just curious if any of the violations that that you are coming across cross over with HPC and and yes. how how some of the means and methods perhaps are infringing upon the historic nature of of some of these projects. Commissioner, that's a fantastic question. Um, when you have historical property issues, code enforcement has to tread very carefully. Uh, and a lot of times that may come into play where we have dilapidated conditions on a property that has been designated um, of historical significance. Uh, we're going to want to see that property brought into compliance, but we're also going to want to make sure that that compliance process is uh, historically sensitive. So as we will identify property as being uh, historically significant in through our research. And I, I mentioned the research process in office ever, long before we ever get out into the field. And that should, generally speaking, uncover that historical significance of the property. So then we're going to compare that with the violations noted. So do we have just some trash and debris on the property? Okay, that's easy. But what if we've got some dilapidated conditions? What if we've got, say, uh, a collapsing front porch? No, now we've got some issues. So how do we get that? Uh, how do we get that front porch uh, to be current code compliant and historically significant? Uh, we do that. Will take some collaboration with your team and with the historical board. Sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And sort of my last uh, comment or thought on this, and, and maybe Director Phipps, this might be directed your way as well, is it might be worthwhile for uh, code enforcement uh, just to review the draft of the of the parklet program 
to make sure that they feel comfortable that they could enforce um, what has been defined in there, because uh, that will certainly be in their uh, in their court once it's approved. Thank you, Chair. Commissioner, may I speak to that point for just a moment? Yes, please. Thank you so much. I want to make sure uh, that um, in the city of Sausalito, uh, that code enforcement, um, I, I'm not sure if code enforcement has the authority to, uh, to, 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 for enforcement actions in the public right of way. A lot of times that's public works department and a lot of parklets really exist in the public right of way, not necessarily on private property. Understood that. I think um, the request would be if you could coordinate with Director Phipps. Ah, right. Yes. To review uh, the, the draft and um, maybe make comment uh, internally uh, as well, uh, since some of those will be encroachment permits as well. So thank oh, you. Oh, yes. Okay. Now we've got something. Yes. Be happy to. Thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, Commissioner Saad, questions from uh, on the presentation? No, thank you for the presentation. Uh, no questions. Uh, well. Junius, questions? Thank you, Chair Feller, and thank you for the presentation. Um, I'm curious, it, in the rare case, I know this is probably rare in Sausalito, in the rare case that a property owner does not agree with the violation and would like to contest it in some way. I assume there is an appeal process. And there is absolutely an appeal process. Uh, and that's actually where uh, city council gets uh, uh, SEL, not CIL. Uh, city council gets involved. Uh, and uh, we will undergo uh, the a thorough appeal process. The appeals process is spelled out in the municipal code. Uh, it's also let a lot of one of the things that gets appealed the most, as you might imagine, are the administrative citations. Uh, when we when we hit the pocketbook, uh, sometimes folks are less than pleased with that. Uh, and uh, so we actually put the uh, appeals process uh, expl explanation of the appeals process right on the back of the citation. And so so that they know what to do there. Um, yes, uh, there is an appeals process. It is clearly spelled out uh, and it is something that uh, that we're very familiar with. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, with that, uh, Mr. Gibbons, I want to thank you for your presentation. Are there any other questions or comments from the commission? Uh, with that, uh, I appreciate that. At this point, Direct, uh, Director Phipps, do we need to take public comment on the uh, code enforcement new business item, I believe? I don't believe, I don't believe it's required, but I defer to City Attorney on that. Uh, uh, City Attorney Rudin, do we have to take Yes. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, with the, at this point, uh, uh, anybody that wants to have public comment on our code enforcement update item, uh, if the, if you could uh, raise your hand in the Zoom, raise your hand in the Zoom application, or uh, I guess come up to the podium if you're in the room. Um, let's see. I'm not seeing anybody in the Zoom application. Are you, Director Phipps? Seeing none, Chair. Okay, I see no one in the room. With that, we will close uh, public comment on, on this item. Um, we're going to move on to item seven, which is our public hearing. At this time, I would like to pull uh, the commission for any ex parte communications related to projects on the agenda this evening. Uh, with that, I will go to uh, Commissioner Grad. No ex parte communications. Uh, Commissioner Feller. 
Thank you, Chair. No ex parte communications. Uh, Commissioner Saad. Um, no ex parte communications. Uh, Vice Chair Junius. No ex parte communications, but I, I do need to uh, recuse myself from uh, the uh, first one we have, the 60 Woodward. 60 Woodward, as I am within the 500 by my home uh, on Fort Laurel Lane is within 500 feet of that home, so I'll be recusing myself. And then, um, unbeknownst to me, but hours before the hearing, I realized that the next item at um, on, uh, on South Dakota Boulevard, um, um, Dorman Associates is a client of my law firm, so I will also be recusing myself on that matter as well. So I'll be heading back. Okay, thank you. We will we'll come get you. You'll go into the conference room adjacent to the chamber. Uh, thank you. Uh, at this point, uh, I'm going to have uh, Director Phipps uh, uh, explain the protocol for our public hearings, if you could, Director Phipps. Thank you, Chair, and happy to. Uh, regarding regular public hearings, we will begin the item with a staff presentation. Following staff presentation, there will be questions of staff from planning commissioners. Uh, following the question period, there will be an applicant presentation, 15 minutes per team. There will be questions provided by the commission regarding um, the applicant and their presentation. Following that, there will be a public comment period of three minutes per speaker. The applicant will then have uh, a rebuttal period that they can use reserve time if applicable. Uh, finally, there will be a planning commission discussion, deliberation and decision. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. The first item on our uh, agenda this evening is 60 Woodward Avenue, which is a design review variance tree removal permit and encroachment uh, agreement. Uh, and uh, Magna Gonzalez, our contract planner, will be doing a presentation uh, and she's come up on the screen. Ms. Gonzalez, if you could do your presentation, it'd be appreciated. Hi, good evening, commissioners. Um, can you grant me access to co-host, please? Magda, you should be good to go. Thank you. As you previously mentioned, I am presenting a project for 60 Woodward. Um, the applicant is Ellie Murphy with Eastwood Development on behalf of the property owner, Helena Saladova. The project record is 2022-00155. The request is for approval of a design review permit with Hyden Review, a variance, a tree removal permit, and an encroachment agreement. Um, here's a picture of the site plan. The design review uh, proposes to convert the existing workroom into a gym, a meter room, and a bathroom. It also proposes to demolish an existing detached um, garage standing at the, <clears throat> at the property line uh, on Woodward Avenue and build a, an attached garage adjacent to the residence. It also, um, the tree removal permit is to remove a Southern Magnolia, which is currently located behind that detached garage. Um, the applicant has provided a tree, an arborist report indicating that the tree is in fair condition, um, but due to its current location, it has very little soil and um, the growth is kind of stunt because of the proximity to the to the um, 
detached garage. Therefore, the applicant is proposing to remove that to facilitate constructing the new um, attached garage and replacing it with a Japanese maple, which will be located adjacent to the upgraded driveway. Um, the encroachment agreement is to improve the driveway. The current driveway has a 12 foot width and does not meet current um, Southern Marin Fire District requirements. The new driveway would have a 17 foot um, width apron and it would have a minimum of 16 um, feet width along the whole driveway meeting um, fire department's requirements. Um, the variance is to um, increase the building coverage. Originally, the request was for 2.8%, which is um, the is to cover the additional conversion of the square the square feet and the um, attached garage and the driveway. But um, the applicant found during her calculations that in 1990 there was a um, a variance was approved to grant an increase from the 35% that's allowed by the zoning. Um, that would bring the total to 39%. Um, but on the calculations, they found that the actual square footage or building coverage on the site is actually 40.9%. So the variance would address that discrepancy in between what was approved and what is existing previously and what um, is existing now and what they are proposing. Um, this is the project summary table. There will be some modifications to the setbacks but all of them will still be um, met. There won't be any changes to the actual footprint of the house because um, the building's already there and they're only proposing to convert the workroom into the other spaces, like I mentioned, the gym, as well as um, a media room and so forth. As you can see, um, the proposed garage is actually gonna meet uh, it's going to have a bigger setback than it is now, and it's not going to be just standing in front of the property as, the current, as it currently is, and it's not very functional to the property owner either. Um, it will have a 27-foot setback from the front. Um, from the rear, it will have um, a 57-foot setback. From the right side, it will have a 31-foot setback, and from the left side, there won't be any change. As I pre um, also the new proposed garage will meet the same height requirement, the same height that is um, existing with the residents, which will be uh, 20 foot um, three inches. As I previously explained, the building coverage there was a discrepancy from what was approved before um, and what is currently existing on the site. So the applicant submitted a variance. Um, to address that discrepancy and also for initial request of 2.8% um, for the footage that they're proposing now. Um, the zoning allows for a 45% uh, floor area ratio. The project exceeds 80% of that 45% granted. Therefore, um, height and um, review is required and um, we submitted findings for that as well. The impervious surface um, is below what it's um, allowed. And um, there won't be any change to the parking because there's currently two available parking spaces in the de detached garage and they're proposing two um, parking spaces in the new um, attached garage. These are some of the materials that they are proposing. Um, they're not proposing to change the colors or anything. They're gonna be consistent with what's currently on the site. The new garage 
will also um, have the same color schemes. Um, as you can see, the door is brown and will be consistent with the existing um, cedar shades and everything will be just um, the same colors, but just upgraded. The project is exempt from CEQA um, subject to section 15301 and section 15303. Um, the project makes the findings for the design review, um, heightened review, the variance, the preservation of trees and views, um, and encroachment review and agreements. Therefore, um, staff recommends that the Planning um, Commission adopt a resolution to approve the design review permit with heightened review the variance, um, the tree removal permit, and the encroachment agreement for the proposed um, project subject to the conditions of approval. Alternatively, the Planning Commission may continue the hearing for additional information and or for project um, revisions or direct staff to prepare a resolution for denial stating the specific reasons um, any one or more of the findings cannot be made. That concludes my presentation. I'm available for questions. The uh, applicants present um, name is Ali Murphy and she has prepared a presentation as well. Uh, thank you, Ms. Gonzalez. At this point, we'll have questions of, of your report from the commission. Uh, start with uh, uh, Commissioner Graff. I'm sorry. Uh, I had a question, but uh, this new diagram answered it. Was, it was about the property lines, but um, uh, not really, not at this point. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Graff. Uh, Commissioner Feller. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, and thank you, Magna, for the presentation. Uh, so I have a couple different questions. The first is, can you go back to the drawings and walk me through exactly where the encroachment agreement is needed? Yeah, give me just a second so I can share my screen again. The encroachment agreement um, is needed. There's already an existing encroachment agreement because of the um, driveway that it's currently on the. Um, um, me, Magna, uh, it's if you're using your cursor, it's, can you move it slower? It's a little hard to see. Yes, I apologize. Um, to on the right hand side of the presentation, on the lower corner. The encroachment agreement is to expand the existing driveway. Um, as you can see at the very bottom, I'm sorry, it's hard to see my, my cursor. If you see the north um, arrow, if you follow it um, directly to the right-hand side, the approach is proposed to be 17 feet. So they're gonna make that work. They're gonna, um, perform that work within the right-of-way. The property line is all the way over here um, where you see the PL indicating the property line. So all this work expanding the driveway is within the um, public right-of-way. Yeah, okay, Th thank you for that. And I had sent you uh, an email question ahead of time regarding uh, whether or not uh, Historic Preservation Commission 
has reviewed this or if you have had dialogue or issued this to them based on the vintage of this project, uh, I'd like to understand or get some sort of reading from them or uh, certification from them. Um, no, I have not sent it to them. Um, part of the reason was because the detached garage is not older than 50 years and the project is not subject to CEQA. Um, they're not proposing to add any additional square footage to the residence, um, but I can definitely reach out to them and um, have them provide feedback or. Yeah, I think that that, that would be the appropriate step here. Um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable moving forward with this without uh, having them review that. Um, and, and they might say it's not, not worth coming to the, their commission, but I think it's it's rather important that we go through that process so we can be sure. Okay. Um, and then can you review the Arborist report a little bit? I didn't I, I didn't really find that to be an Arborist report. I, I don't even know what I would call it, but it's not really what we're used to seeing. So maybe you've had a dialogue with the Arborist or um, you, uh, can make some determination through that dialogue. Could you give us a little more background? Yes, um, he indicated that although the existing Southern Magnolia is in fair condition, um, the likelihood of it thriving in the future is not um, great due to the location. It's really close to the existing uh, detached garage. Um, one of it only has one crown and it's tilted because of the proximity to it. He also made mention that the, there's not very much soil there. Um, so it wouldn't be able to grow as um, others would if it wasn't so close to the. But but it's the, the existing garage, and which is going to be replaced. Is that correct? Yes. But in order to replace it, um, the project proposes to add the garage to the house. It would be within that same area. So it requires the removal of um, the tree. The existing garage, it's in a very awkward location. Um, it has a driveway, it's standing by itself. Then there's this lower portion where the tree is located. Um, but that would have to be removed in order to extend the driveway and um, create the the attached garage. Can you point, uh, Ms. Gonzalez, can you point out on the map on the screen where exactly the tree is? Yes. Um, so can you see my cursor um, hovering over this area where it says like 16 feet width? Yes. Yeah. The garage is around here. So the garage um, ends right here and then the tree is immediately behind it. So the tree is in the in the driveway that's being proposed. Or? Yes, that's why they're proposing to remove it. Otherwise, they wouldn't um, propose to remove it. Yeah, the tree that's be going to replace it would be where on the. Shore? It would be next to um, the driveway. Um, my cursor is to the right hand side of the driveway, um, within the public right of way. There's an N indicating that there's a new tree. That's where the new one would be, the okay. um, Japanese maple. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to stop there for now, Chair. Thank you. Um, I might have some more later, but thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, Commissioner Saad. Um, thank you, uh, Chair 
Luxembourg. Um, Magda, just to go back to the tree, uh, the report, I had asked in email and you you did follow up. Thank you for sending that over. But I want to make sure that my fellow commissioners, we all have the same thing. Because what I see in the packet is a two-page attachment for the tree for the arborist report. And I believe you sent me something that has um, three pages. Yes, the um, third page just uh, reiterates what was provided on the first and second page. It includes the value of the tree, which was included on the first page, and the condition of the tree. Okay, and then can you just confirm, is the city, is staff accepting what we have as a arborist report? Because agreeing with um, Commissioner Feller, it doesn't seem like a, a full report. It almost seems like a correspondence. Does staff accept that as an arborist report? I did because it did provide condition, um, the condition of the tree. It provided the value to remove it um, and findings for the removal as well. The findings were provided separate and those, those were, all, were also provided to you, but it's a separate attachment, um, not as part of the Arborist report. Okay. Forgive me, Commissioner Sud. I'm not sure I understood what, what she meant. That The Arborist made the findings or somebody else made the findings based on the Arborist report? No, we make them, um, we just ask them to provide that information to, to support the removal of that they're requesting. So these are your findings, not the arborist. Correct. Their conjunction with uh, what they provided, but they're um, my my findings. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you, Magda. And then um, I'll leave that one for a moment. I might have a question for the applicant there. But um, do you? Can you confirm? Um, I'm looking at attachments just so I understand what I'm looking at. Attachment nine. 10 and 11 and 12, uh, those are, you know, the design review findings, variance findings, encroachments. Are those, did that come from the applicant? Yes, um, part of the submittal for uh, a permit within the city is that they provide findings for those. Yeah. Right. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that that was from the applicant. And then do we know if Southern Marine Fire has had a chance to review the newest plans, which I think were January 23rd? Yes, they did. Okay. And do they have any additional follow-up? I think the conditions that we see in the packet are from the original plans from November 15th. I think that's what they were responding to. Do you know if they, do they have anything further to add? They do not. No, they said the approval is subject to the original um, conditions. Okay. Um, thank you. I think those are all my questions at this time. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Um, I have uh, just one question. Uh, thank you for correcting the staff report and reissuing it uh, per the comments that we had sent you in advance uh, and deleting the variances that weren't needed. Um, uh, has the geotech report, which is attached, been added as a conditional approval that the recommendations in that report would be a conditions of a condition of approval. No, it has not. Um, we typically don't ask them as part of the conditions of approval. They're provided to the Department of Public Works um, as part of their review. And any conditions that they issue are the ones we attach to the project. 
I think we have in the past, but uh, other commissioners correct me if I'm wrong, if there are issues regarding geotech uh, and soils and structure, we do add conditions to the approval to make sure that they're implemented, I believe. Uh, I okay, if you would like me to modify the conditions to add the, the recommendations, we can do that. Okay, thank you. At, at, at this point, if there's any other questions of commissioners, uh, we will get those. Commissioner Fellow. Um, thank you, Chair. Uh, Magda, we had, um, at, at least at the time that I printed my material, we had two public comments that had been written in. Can you confirm that we only have two or were there more comments that, that came in after I happened to print today? No, as far as I know, that's all we've received, yes. Okay. Um, Okay, and then, um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the other questions maybe to the applicant. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Fowler. Uh, if there's no other questions from the commission of the staff, uh, if the applicant could come up and do their presentation, you have 15 minutes to present. There'll be a timer that will show up on the Zoom screen, I believe. Uh, if you can give your name and address for the record, uh, and you have 15 minutes if you want to reserve some of that time after we open up for public comment, you might want to do that. And that way you can rebut anything that if there's any public that responds. So uh, at this point, um, the, the floor is yours. Okay. Um, good evening, commissioners. My name is uh, Lucas Eastwood. Um, I'm here um, to discuss the application for um, a variance on 60 Woodward Avenue application number 641948. <clears throat> um, so as I mentioned, uh, I'm the builder, I'm the project sponsor. Uh, my clients purchased this home with the intention of moving into the residence um, and occupying the home. Um, so I have um, my presentation sort of divided into five points. Um, the first point is demolition. Um, we're proposing to demolish um, can you put up slide number four, please, or photo number four? Oh, sorry, slide one. Listen to her. <clears throat> We're proposing to demolish an, an existing detached street-level garage, which was constructed in 1990, and extend the driveway to a newly attached two-car garage. The demolition of the existing detached garage will significantly increase pedestrian and vehicular visibility on Woodward Avenue. <clears throat> the garage, <clears throat> um, that would be the next two slides, please. Um, the newly proposed garage will maintain two off-street parking spaces, bicycle storage, and recycling. The roof line of the garage is consistent with the existing roof line of the home. The appearance of the garage will diminish the overall visual impact from the street as compared to the current elevated garage at street level. Um, we have placed the proposed threshold of the garage flush with the main living level of the existing home to facilitate vehicular and rescue vehicle access. The driveway and attached garage will facilitate accessibility for the home to the home for generations to come, regardless of health condition. Furthermore, we're committed to maintaining the overall aesthetic of the existing home and have designed the garage in a visually consistent manner. <clears throat> the driveway. 
um, I go to the next, please. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Uh, we're proposing to reincorporate the driveway that was constructed in 1956 as part of the original home construction, which included a two-car garage, a two-car attached garage. However, it was later abandoned in 1990 when the detached street-level garage was constructed. This is likely due to the driveway pitch, which, is over, which was over 25% in grade. We believe that the property will greatly benefit with a code-complying driveway at 20% in grade extending to the new garage. Um, due to the significant natural grade of the site, a portion of the driveway will be greater than 24 inches above natural grade, thus adding to a modest increase in building coverage from a technical standpoint. So sort of the essence of the variance is the portion of the driveway that's going to be over 24 inches, which is why we're asking for the additional lot coverage percentage. <clears throat> um, do the significant natural grade of the site, a portion of the driveway. Oh, I already said that. Um, and, and lastly, the new driveway will utilize the existing 17-foot curb cut. <clears throat> um, trees. We're proposing to replace one southern magnolia tree with a Japanese maple. The magnolia is located directly behind the existing street-level garage in the defunct driveway. There are three existing Japanese maples on site, adding the fourth um, uh, will be an attempt to offset the loss of the magnolia. So the variance is to increase the building lot coverage from 40.9 to 43.7%, an increase of 2.8%. In 1990, a variance was granted to relocate the garage from beneath the house to the street level. We are now proposing to demolish that street level garage, extend the driveway to a new attached garage. Um, a portion of that driveway is greater than 24 inches above natural grade, thus adding to the building coverage increase. Um, in conclusion, access to one's home is paramount. It allows a family to gather and age in place. We believe this is a sound project that adheres with local design standards. This project will greatly decrease the street present and presence and increase the function of an otherwise excellent home. We hope you'll find this project an easy one to approve. I am my team and am available for any questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Uh, this will have questions from the commissioners. Uh, Commissioner Saad. Thank you. Um, thank you for the presentation. And um, let me ask you, from what I'm seeing from the Southern Marin fire um, conditions, they mention that... They mentioned that some of the shrubbery needs to be removed. Could you clarify, because I believe in the staff report, at least it says that there is no other landscaping outside of the tree. Do you know what the intention is there around some of the other um, dense bush? And You know, I, I don't know if we have any comment on that. The only two comments that I am aware of that they wanted us to make to ensure that the driveway had a 16 foot width. Originally, we proposed a narrower width. Um, and second, they wanted to ensure that there was a, a turning radius. So we incorporated both of those comments into essentially the driveway section. I, I can look back at my team to see if there was more comments regarding the, the shrubbery in the area. 
Yeah, come up to the podium to Curtis Holland. Thank you, the architect. So for the drawings to progress to this point, it was really the the making sure that the driveway didn't uh, uh, become a switchback. So they wanted the 27 foot minimum turning radius and then the wider driveway, which it, it was for their access. So even though the original house didn't have access to for the fire, once you created the driveway, then it had to be completely code compliant. But for the shrubbery, it seemed like more of that was a comment for when we submit our drawings for building permit, but there wasn't actually any specific thing about trimming the shrubbery. So we we had produced a vegetation management plan. We called out all the plant types, but there was no specifics on any any piece of shrubbery to re, be removed at this time. Uh, but we certainly uh, we would anything they felt was a fire hazard, uh, we would we would address as they saw today. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, and then. In terms of your tree removal, did who who might have reached out for that report? Um, I'm just curious and a bit stuck on it because it doesn't seem very comprehensive. Sure. Can you comment on that? Ellie, uh, join. So I'm Allie Murphy, uh, part of the applicant team. Yeah, I, I had a positive experience working with this uh, arborist on a project nearby in Mill Valley, and they made the report um, and ident identified just the single tree as being significant, the 11-inch magnolia. But and I think from what I'm gathering, it just seems like there's you guys don't have enough data on that, and you're used to a more thorough arborist report, right? So And that's that feedback we're getting right now. Had that been, I guess... When we submitted it, we could have asked the arborist to go and get more information. So that's something we can do. But it sounded like it checked the the boxes and requirements of an arborist report when it was submitted and accepted. Okay, I appreciate the clarification also. Uh, nice to meet the whole team. And then, um, you know, I'll pass it to my colleagues. I think that's all I have for the moment. Thank you, Chair Luxemburg. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Saad. Uh, Commissioner Graff? Uh, Commissioner Feller. Uh, thank you, Chair. And thank you for the whole team uh, and Mr. Eastwood for uh, presenting and walking us through some of that. So thank you. Um, but maybe just to clo close the loop regarding the Arborist report. Yes, we, we are accustomed to um, a, a comprehensive Arborist report uh, that enables us to make the findings for, for the removal. Um, if, if there are further questions after this hearing about what that might look like, I know that the Community Development Department has many examples of really solid uh, and comprehensive uh, re reports, uh, and, and those could be used as a benchmark perhaps uh, in your communications with, with the arborist. Um, I also wanted to just un understand, because there were some revisions to the agenda, uh, because this project... Um, actually uh, is a heightened design review. And so there are additional findings that the commission needs to make uh, uh, under a heightened design review situation. And I wanna make sure that you are aware of what those were and those have been reviewed with you. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it did. We did trigger that heightened review because we're we're past the eighty percent threshold of the forty five percent, and um, yeah, we 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 went through the checklist ad nauseum, um, uh, sent our findings to planning, and you know it was a dialogue sort of back and forth. Um, but yeah, we're aware that it triggered that, okay. um, and you know have have paid close attention to that. Can I say one thing about the tree? Of course, of course. Yeah. So the, 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 you know, the, 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 the health of the tree um, is, I don't want to cast it aside, but I do want to just kind of make the point that the, the topography of the site, you know, it, it has this, this elevated garage and the back of it's built on piers, probably 10, 12 feet. It's got these posts and the tree is right against the back of this garage. Mm-hmm. And, if the tree was alive and 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 flourishing, um, you know, it would still be an obstacle for this project um, because it does it does sort of impede that vehicular access down the hill. That said, we will get the we will get further findings on the health of the tree, um, and and try to present that in the best way we can, whatever the best method of communication is. Um, and, it, and it just so happened that the tree, because it was planted so close to the garage, um, and it's really, it's almost like touching the back of the garage. I'm not sure if there's a photo that articulates that. Um, you know, that was something the arborist pointed out as, you know, in terms of its long-term viability, um, it, it it didn't have much long-term viability because of its proximity to that structure. Um, there is a potential that if the structure came down and we were able to get rid of all the concrete in the driveway that was just kind of abandoned, mm-hmm. that could potentially revitalize that tree. Um, but again, it would still be in that vehicular yeah. right of way. So okay. it's 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 a it's a it's sort of a cumbersome <clears throat> tree. Sure. No, I understand and appreciate the comments to that. And just just to double back with you, I'm glad that uh, that you have gone through the checklist of the heightened design review because there's quite a lot of additional findings that the commission has to make. And I just wanted to make sure that that you have had the opportunity uh, because the change to us was made very late. So I want to make sure you've had the opportunity to be fully familiar and aware with it. Aware of what all those findings are. Sure. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and then um, be, because of uh, what you're proposing on this site and sort of the nature of that neighborhood, could you just remind us or, or point out to the commission exactly where some of this exterior lighting is? And is it is it only a downcast uh, exterior lighting like around the garage or is it landscape lighting? I wasn't completely sure where it was, and I just want to make sure that ambient lighting is is lowered, of course, because it's it's a lovely neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, there's there's really yeah, it it is down lighting. It's there is a there is quite a um, uh, complicated footpath that's made of these sort of four by four. Uh, posts that are just kind of laying on top of one another. And we were planning to sort of keep that. It follows the natural grade. It's almost like a landscaped stair. And so certainly some lighting will need to be provided to just ensure safety. But it is it is possible to do that um, with just that downward trajectory, just like just a little bit of, you know, ambient lighting um, and, you know, possibly 
uh, along the driveway as well. But really just that that footpath mm-hmm. um, is really the only place where I see that it's just for, for, for your pure safety concern, there's going to have to be, you know, pretty consistent lighting down that path. But it can be done with a, you know, a minimally invasive, um, you know, light temperature and direction. Okay. Good. I, I think that would be preferable since that would look lovely. And you you mentioned that you are the builder and project sponsor. Correct. So can you just shed a little bit of light uh, for the commission here about some of the sequencing? Are you envisioning that you would it, d- demolish uh, everything you need to first or are you, fa- are you proposing to phase this or uh, will the will your client be living in in the home as you're doing the work. I want to get a better understanding of that. Yeah, I can, I can speak to that. So it's, you know, it's all in the project is probably a, a, a 12 to 15 month project. Um, you know, it would start with demolition of the garage, you know, would immediately go into, you know, excavation, um, of the driveway. And then there's a little bit of excavation within the home itself. So it is a full, it is a full renovation. Um, you know, really i would say down to the studs but the sort of the key walls none of them are moving and from the exterior um it's 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 a pretty none of it will change substantially outside of this garage um but really the idea is to go in standard sort of construction phasing you know um demolition excavation concrete framing um, but kind of in one fell swoop and, and no, it, it's, it's a little bit too invasive of a project, I think for anybody to live there. And that would only probably extend the duration of the project, um, in the grand scheme of things. <clears throat> okay. I appreciate, um, that description that that's, uh, definitely helpful. Um, the only other thing that I would ask, since it sounds like you have to go back to your arborist anyway, is through all that demolition and new work, if there are other uh, vegetation trees in particular that need to be protected as you are uh, demolishing or uh, building new, uh, typically we ask for arborists to weigh in on that as well. And tree protection plans are very common yep. uh, and standard practice, frankly, for any projects like what you're proposing here. Uh, and and uh, so that's going to be a very important piece um, to understand uh, on this development. Yeah, I mean, we understand working in this type of topography and and really that it has to be surgical. You know, we've yeah. we've done projects on, you know, half acre lots where we have, you know, 30 trees that fall under the tree protection plan. You know, we so we so we are we are we are used to that, you know. Um and um yeah, we'll find the right consultant, you know, get them on get them onboarded. Um certainly not trying to come in here and 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 scrape the lot, really trying to um, try to keep it a, a minimal project, which is why, in fact, even the the staircase that we're talking about, which has kind of become part of the topography, like, you know, we're going to leave that rather than, you know, cutting it, putting in a new concrete stair with, with rails, mm-hmm. really, it's, it's, it's kind of like, we're trying to take this house away from the street and, you know, um, congregate it down in the actual house site. Um, obviously, that does come with a, a, a decent sized driveway, which is sort of unavoidable. Um, but yeah, I do understand that that procedure. <clears throat> okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, Chair, I think those are my questions for the time being. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, I just have a couple questions myself. 
Uh, the curve in the driveway, is that due to reducing the slope or is that an aesthetic uh, idea? Yeah, how did... It, it was both at the same time, so it's a courtesy architect. So it was really, it, it brought down like a, not a full percent, but it just tiny, tiny points. And then also with a 16 foot driveway, didn't want a, a runway going down from the street to the garage. So we thought a little bit of shape uh, was a positive and it wasn't a, a hindrance for the fire department because it was over a 27 foot radius. Okay, I mean, I, I thought it looked like there, I mean, obviously the slope before because you went to one story lower was, uh, was that's why the slope was as steep as it was. So this reduced the slope, but then, I mean, for a fire truck, curves aren't the best things, but no, but, but I, I thought the, I it was going to be too steep. Yeah, it would still be considered like virtually a straight, it's not a switchback. That's, that was their concern. They just wanted to make sure it, it didn't, wasn't didn't fine switch back. Switchback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Commissioner Fowler, do you have a further comment on the curve? Or? I, I do not. Okay. Thank you. Uh, second thing is the, the garage doors on the lower level. You know, once you put up this structure in front of it and above it, are you, are you going to side that and eliminate those doors? Or are those doors going to still be there? Oh, the, the garage doors that you see in the existing go to the media room or whatever in the existing home. Yeah. So no, that that'll become a permanent structural wall and the new garage will, will be in front of it. So really those those garage doors that you see, that that entire building facade actually the garage kind of abuts that. So right. that wall now becomes an internal just frame framed wall essentially. Right. I just it, obviously those doors probably weren't weather tight or whatever and need to be something so you're gonna it'll become a permanent structure yeah and it's actually we're, we're gonna end up replacing the foundation in that section as well um because i think the ceiling height down there is like probably a little bit less than eight feet okay um so that'll actually get excavated and that'll basically be i don't want to say new construction because it's not but you know new means and methods to close that existing opening for sure good good um, and then uh, lastly, the uh, this is going to have a fire sprinkler system, obviously, because it's over 50% of uh, you're doing more, bringing it down to the studs. So a fire sprinkler system is required. Right, right. Okay. You're aware of that. Okay. Yep. Um, with that, uh, are there any other questions from the commission before we open it up for public comment? No. Um, and I, 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 well, I was going to make a similar comment about the um the the need for the arborist report in my view you're taking a tree out that's it's got a it's in the way of what you're doing so that that i understand but the tree protection plan part of that i think is is very important so agree uh, so that we have that and that'll be codified as part of the community development department's review so um with that uh we will open this up for public comment both in the chamber and on zoom in zoom if you want to raise your hand uh, in the chamber, uh, are there speaker cards? Uh, do we go with speaker cards, uh, Director Phipps? We, we we have made them available um, at the entry to the chamber chair. Okay, um, but I have not received any. You haven't received any, so I will take. I will. No, I, I'll take hands. You can. We, we can. We can go with hands. Uh, if if you want to speak in the audience, just raise your hand. Okay. Uh, why don't you come up and uh, give your name and address for the record? Uh, thank you and good evening. My name's Andrew Draper and with my wife, 
here, Francis Gulland. We own a house, 73 Marie Street, and that house shares uh, a common uh, property line with uh, 60 Woodward. The property line is on the west uh, of the plans that you have reviewed. And I have just three concerns that I'd like to raise uh, relating to uh, noise, uh, privacy, and light. Um, noise is an obvious issue, and I would just like to ask whether the construction will be uh, confined to normal working hours, that's five days a week with no work on Saturday, and no work uh, prior to 8 a.m. in the morning or after 5 p.m. I think that would be reasonable. Um, the so property. So repeat the times and we'll bear. We'll, we'll... Uh, five days a week? Yes. After 8 a.m. in the morning? Okay. And no work after 5 p.m.? We have standard hours, but we'll check yeah. what those are. Okay. Thank you. Um, the, the second issue is light. Um, our house has a dining room uh, with a lot of uh, windows that face the west facade of the of 60 Woodward. And essentially, we look straight at their property. Um, outside of the dining room, it's a small patio area, um, with which is a little dark, as is. And uh, I asked whether the architect could do an evaluation of the impact of the proposed construction on the the light on the into the dining room and the the patio area, and, and then the the third point is uh, privacy. I, I believe that the plan show two additional windows on that uh, west face. Those windows will overlook the patio area and potentially look into the the dining area. So I asked whether those windows could be made opaque. I, I don't know what view you see from there, whether you would just look straight into our building or you would look over the roof, but um, if that could be a consideration. Okay. So that's so, Any other comments? No. Okay. Uh, thank thank you. you for your comments this evening. Thank you. Um, additional comments from those in the chamber? Uh, Comments from anybody on the Zoom application? Uh, Director Phipps, I'm not seeing anybody. Seeing, yeah, I agree, Chair, seeing them on Zoom. Uh, with that, I'm going to close public comment. It, oh, I'm sorry, I missed your hand. Could you come on up and uh, give your name and address for the record? Thank you for coming this evening. Hi, I'm Michelle Yellen. Uh, I'm a long-term neighbor. Uh, I see the house from my house. I'm at 61 Marie. Could you speak into the microphone? Because this is being recorded and people are on Zoom as well. Thank you. Sure. Sorry about that. Not used to speaking in public. Um, and uh, I really, I've, I'm a friend of the past owners. So I've known this house for a really long time. Uh, I really respect the fact that they're saving the walkway because it's just a charming way to enter the house. The, um, the, exist, the former uh, owners, I can tell you, uh, they stopped using the garage. They had four kids and they had a station wagon and they couldn't get down the driveway. And that's why they built the other garage. But it's very uh, uh, obtrusive 
It's right on the street. It's not a very nice looking building. And I just think it's gonna be a really nice addition to the neighborhood, the way they're going. Okay. Thank you for your comments this evening. Anybody else in the chamber uh, that would like to speak on this project? Yes, uh, come, please come up. You can give your name and address for the record and also speak into the microphone, please. My name is Helena Zaludova. I am the owner of 60 Woodward and I just wanted to let you know that we actually really like the house um, for for what it is and today um, is just not very practical for um, for us. My husband has um, had a couple of back surgeries. So so having an access from, you know, avoiding steep stairs in the future and having access from the garage to the house is just something that we really need and value, but we actually really like it the way it is um, and don't plan to, um, you know, make any big changes other than that garage and what's happening on the inside. So thank you for considering it. Thank you very much. Uh, at this point, I'm going to close the public hearing and I'm going to turn it back over to um, uh, the applicant to have response to anything they heard in the public uh, session and also, the owner can also join in on that because you're part. You're part. They're they're part of your team, but basically, uh, and if Zoom team can put up back the uh, whatever time we had left. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, first of all, thank you for that feedback. Um, you know, just just as a um, high level comment, you know, um, those hours are pretty close to our standard working hours. Um, in terms of the privacy, um, I, I do understand that concern. Um, I, I don't know how big of a deal it'll be considering we're we're five feet off the property line and you guys are 16 according to the plan. So there's a good there's a good 20 feet of separation. Um, and there is pretty much just one bedroom window that will be facing that direction. And then um, if I'm not mistaken, um, the the new light that would be, the new light would be, I guess, from that, for, it would be, come from one bedroom window. Um, so none of the living space is facing that direction. Would that, would that, I guess the question was, would that be an opaque glass or would that be clear glass? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I think we, we'd probably keep it clear glass. I, I, I think the privacy concern of the occupant of the bedroom is probably just as much relevant as the privacy concern of the, of the, of the dining room. And I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't want somebody 20 feet away to tint their glass for me. I would just close my blind. So I think um, I'm 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 hopeful with common sense. I think people would be closing the blinds and not just leaving the light on and and blasting it, nor hanging out in the bedroom looking, you know, in into the dining room. But I I I do understand it, and I think in terms of just working in a you know spending my entire career working in relatively you know high density environments, you know we we are used to creating relationships with neighbors, making concessions, community outreach. So. Um, I'm, I'm open to a, to an offline conversation about how to mitigate these, 
um, things if there is any mitigation factors. Um, and then certainly we'd adhere to whatever the the published working hours are. I don't actually know what they are here, um, but eight to five sounds pretty reasonable, um, Monday through Friday. <clears throat> Okay. Uh, any further further comments? Uh, um, any further comments at this point? No. No, Commissioner. Uh, yeah, the owner has a comment. Yes. I actually thank you for giving me. Thank you. I actually met with the immediate neighbor on Woodward to the west in person before, uh, when we first drew up the plans. And um, they're, uh, they face, they um, raised some concerns about privacy. And once they understood what the plan was, they were delighted because their privacy had improved. Because currently the bedroom windows that face the existing garage facing back towards Woodward and that um, there's a, basically a courtyard and they didn't have any privacy because of that. So they are excited and in support um, of this project because this solves that for them. And also the existing garage that's up at the street level actually towers over them and cuts all of their light. So, you know, I didn't solicit a letter, but we, I had an in-person meeting and they were delighted. There, his name is John. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right. Any further comments from the, the applicant team? Okay. No, Commissioner. All right. Thank you. Uh, at this point, we'll bring it back up to the dais. Um, and uh, what I would like to do, can I bring a, a attorney, uh, a city attorney Rudin online here? Uh, uh, Mr. Rudin, I want to understand what we can and can't do uh, with regard to this historic issue. Can we, uh, if we wanted to approve it this evening, I'm not saying that's where we're going, but if we did, you, uh, if the historic commission were to determine this wasn't a historic resource, then that would not change anything. Can we condition a, an approval on that or do we need the, that historic commission approval first? Because before we get into a conversation, that's sort of a key point. Um. Yeah, no, that is that is a key point. Um, and what is what is the basis for the historic commission to find that this is a historic resource? Have staff looked at that? Commissioner Saad, who's formerly on the historic commission, give give that explanation. So, any property um, that is over fifty years of age would have to have a historical resource determination, and given that this was i think built in 1956 was mentioned from the driveway and the garage may be newer but the overall property is over 50 years so the first step should be a historic resource determination by hpc which i believe is usually advisory to us but that is the the first phase but this property is not listed on any local state national historic register um so the historic resource determination would so it's not listed correct but that historic resource determination would come from the hpc as a as a final determination before moving forward 
if, if I may, Commissioner, um, so I, I think that we talked about a historic resource inventory. We mentioned that. That is one of the steps that staff uses to assess um, historic resources as a first step. The second step that you mentioned, Commissioner, I think is correct. Question is, is the property over 50 years old? If yes, um, there is need for a historic resource determination to be made. But my understanding is that that historic resource determination does not need to be made by the HPC. It can be made by staff. So has staff made that? I mean, <laughs> I, I, that, that may be correct. And that's fine. I think with the commission, if I may speak for us, but do we have any information on that? Has staff made that? Because we don't see that in any in the packet anywhere, I think is the issue. So I, 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 Director Phipps. Yeah, thank you, Chair. I, I appreciate uh, that it may not have been explicitly called out in the staff report. And if that is information that commissioners feel that they need to make a determination, um, you know, we're happy to dig into it a little bit further. I think that by default, if we have brought the item to the Planning Commission, um, that determination is self-evident. Uh, Commissioner Feller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, res respectfully, this was a question that I emailed to Magda before this um, before this hearing tonight, and uh, did not get a sufficient response. So I'm I'm not comfortable with it um, at at the stage that it is right now. And um, you know, I am not a member of the Historic Preservation Commission, nor nor do I pretend to be. So either staff needs to clearly make that determination or HPC has to clearly make that determination. Um, I'm not, I'm not comfortable um, uh, at, at the state that we're in right now making that determination myself. I guess uh, uh, City Attorney Rudin, uh, do you concur that uh, CDD can make that determination? Yeah, I don't see anything in the city municipal code that says that they can't. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, well, uh, let's have a conversation. Putting aside the historic issue for the moment, let's have a conversation about uh, the rest of the project so we can we can figure out how we can move forward. So, uh, who would like to start, Commissioner um, Fall? Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, uh, yes, putting aside historic um, findings, uh, we've talked a little bit about the Arbor's report and some of the information that I think uh, is still a little bit thin there uh, that we, we would expect to have a more comprehensive uh, plan uh, and report on that. And, and again, um, should there be, I mean, I'm familiar with this property and I, I drive by it all the time, I hike by it all the time, but I truthfully have not looked at it or poked around certainly on the site since it's a private property, if there are any other trees or any other vegetation that need that protection. So we would look for the expertise of an arborist um, to recommend uh, a tree protection plan uh, for the work that needs to be done here. Uh, as it relates to, um, uh, you know, windows or punched openings uh, near neighbors, I, I very much appreciate the comments. It's something that we are very sensitive to um, but in this particular case, 
I, I would not suggest opaque windows in a bedroom. Uh, I do not think that that is reasonable uh, for your enjoyment of your property. Um, however, uh, if there is some sort of uh, window covering you can use and or any type of vegetation or fencing in between the two properties where that makes sense, um, I'm, I've looked at the topography plan. I mean, there's a little bit of difference in terms of uh, the topography, um, so that should help as well. Uh, and I, I would like to um, uh, be sensitive to that, but I, I also think the setbacks are such that uh, there's plenty of opportunities for, for privacy between the two. So to me, that's something that can be handled. That is not a reason uh, to deny this project uh, th this evening or, or any other evening. Um, otherwise, I really don't have a problem with this project, and I think you've been very thoughtful about um, uh, how you're going to go about uh, the demolition and renovation here. Um, I would like Magda to review or put up on the screen all of the findings, just uh, for the avoidance of any doubt, either on this commission or in the public or with the applicant, exactly all those findings we have to make for the height and design review, for the encroachment, for the variance and the tree removal permit. There are quite a number of them. So if you could do that, Magda, I think uh, that would help us in our deliberations here to make sure that we are being uh, comprehensive in our review and very clear with this applicant in terms of any additional information we may require. Uh, Commissioner Pollard, do you want to go through these now or do you want to get other commissioners' comments? I you... think we should get other commissioners' comments, but I, I want to be clear that th this is our roadmap for approving or denying or continuing. So there are quite a number of them here. I just want to make sure everyone's aware of the, the body of findings we have to make. So uh, thank you, uh, Chair. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Fowler. Uh, Commissioner Graff? Thank you, Chair Lunkenberg. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, aside from a couple of technicalities uh, regarding the uh, tree and the <clears throat> arborist report and a possible uh, tree protection plan, uh, which seemed to be such that we may have to continue this, uh, aside from that, uh, what I would like to do is to uh, compliment the team on a, a really nicely done design. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the way it's handled uh, architecturally and the details and materials, I think, are all right on target. Um, if, if it weren't for a couple of these... Uh, uh, other issues, uh, I would be uh, <clears throat> ready to approve this project. Uh, far as removing the tree goes, to me, that's a no-brainer. It's right in the way, it has to go, and it's being replaced. And that's pretty straightforward. And um, so, um, yes, I think it would be good to have a tree protection plan. I think it would be good to have a lighting plan uh, that is missing. So I think um, uh, oh, and the other question I had is uh, it, it said the magnolia tree would be replaced with, with the, uh, the maple, right? But uh, 
It says a five gallon. I don't know how big of a tree. It's not maybe very big. I don't know that we can specify or require anything a little more mature than that. If so, uh, I, I would like to see that. <clears throat> Otherwise, uh, again, my compliments. I think it's a great project. And and if we can't uh, get through the details tonight, then I hope it would uh, get approved at another date. Thank you. No. Uh, Commissioner, uh, thank you, Commissioner Graff, Commissioner Saad. Um, thank you. Um, thank you to the applicant as well and to the um, homeowner. I, I love your narrative um, and it makes, of course, a lot of sense. And it's a great thing. Commissioner Feller and I are coming from the housing element and we did a lot of work there. And it's um, just interesting to see people wanting to age in place. And of course, we support that. And so that's a that's a wonderful thing. Um, not to belabor too much. I, I think you guys understand the um, the tree removal, the robustness that we're looking for. Um, I will also just call out from the historic um, preservation commission process for that determination packet. Um, staff can definitely make that um, that finding, but we we will look for that, and it is a requirement. So not to add too much more to your plate, but it should be um, it should be a requirement to have that historic resource determination. Um, and if that proves that there is no no historic resource, then then staff can definitely forward that on to HPC and to us as well. Um, so I believe we will be looking for that. I personally didn't see a landscape plan, um, and if I missed that, uh, yeah, I think I think. If it's just that tree, I think. Sorry. Here's the main. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um, so, in terms of just having um, with that updated uh, tree removal for any tree protection, but I think I'm also coming from what I'm seeing from Southern Marin Fire. So, their recommendation in terms of removing some of the um, denseness, I, I think we want to make sure that we end up asking for some type of landscape plan that includes that. Um, and then I believe that's pretty much it. Also, just for the record, you know, the, the hours of operation are listed in section 12 of the code. So I think that's all straightforward as well. I would be ready to support that once we get, I think, this information and get another chance to review. I think it's a great project and um, probably make a motion to continue at some point. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Saad. Uh, I, um, I also concur with uh, Commissioner Graff. I think this is an excellent project. I think they've done, the team has done a good job. I am comfortable with CDD's conclusion that it's not a historical resource, but it would be helpful in the future that we get a document that says that uh, as part of the packet, uh, even if it's not going historic, and then you can file that with historic for their information. Uh, I think the, the I agree with Commissioner Graff, the tree that's coming out is in the way of, of what's being built. And, the, and I agree that the, the tree that's probably be putting in is probably a little too small and we can require a slightly larger tree, but um, the rest of it is not, I don't think the landscape plan is significantly changing. I do think you need to, the team needs to look at what is being required by fire, fire department because I think some of the landscape will actually come out because it might be too close to the house. So I think a, and then I think there are probably some trees uh, that may, may or may not need to be protected. So 
Uh, part of the arborist, I, the, for me, the more important arborist report was what needs to be protected, not so much that this one tree, whether it's in good shape or not, it's clearly in the way. So uh, uh, that we we get that tree protection plan. I, I would be comfortable, which is probably not the majority of the board, but moving ahead tonight with a uh, understanding that we get the documentation from CDD that the um, uh, that the it's not a historic resource, uh, and uh, and that we require a tree protection plan that gets submitted because there will be a lot of time between now and when the building permit moves ahead, and lots of time to prepare that plan and and can submit it to us for information. But I might not be in the majority on that. Um, with that, do you want do you want to go through the findings part that we maybe should do? the findings issues so to see if there's any other issues. Yeah, if Magda can just um, summarize all the the number of findings for each of these um, permits and requirements, that would be great. This is for the record only. Um, I'm sorry, do you want me to read just a few of the findings throughout the different sections, the design review, the height and review variants? Magda, if you could summarize the number of findings for the height and design review, then summarize it for the variance, summarize it for the encroachment, summarize it for the tree. Okay, um, we were able to make the findings for design review um, number one through... No, Magda, how many findings do we have to make for the height and design? Oh, I apologize. For the design review, it is 13. For the height and review, it is seven. Uh, for the variance, seven. Uh, for the tree removal, there's three different sections that need to be made. Okay. And the encroachment agreement, um, six. Okay, so we have about 36 different findings. Okay. Um, I would be comfortable making a motion to continue this to a date certain if we uh, can make a date certain uh, director. Um, uh, pending the additional information uh, that we've discussed here on the dais, which includes arborist information, tree protection plans, uh, historic, um, some formalized historic certification of whatever kind is needed or paperwork. Uh, and I believe that that's, that's a- do I, have a- do I have a second? I'll second. Okay, before we go further, uh, uh, Couple of questions, Director Phipps. Uh, how quickly do you think you're going to have a store? Could you have an historic? Let me ask it differently. Can you have an historic thing completed in time for uh, our next meeting, which is the 15th? Which means you have like three days because it has to be posted and stuff. Thank you for the question, Chair. And let me just clarify from commissioners: What exactly would you like to see from staff as related to this determination? It isn't the requirement that the applicant has to prepare and provide a historic, a, I'm forgetting all my words now, a historical resource determination information packet to staff, and then they do have the remit to make that determination based on what's provided by the applicant, and then often forward their own recommendation to HPC that then concurs or does not, and then that comes to us. Thank you for clarifying, Commissioner. Uh, my understanding is that that level of information in connection with 
potential historic resources is only triggered when an item is heard before the Historic Preservation Commission. In this case, there was no Historic Preservation Commission trigger, so we would not be required to put together that document. Um, if commissioners would like to require that, uh, I'd, I'd like to defer to city attorney um, as to the feasibility or the appropriateness of such a request. I don't see any basis for requiring it for this project. What I'm very willing to do is follow up with our Historic Preservation Commission Chair, Vicki Nichols, and have a discussion with her and follow up with commissioners as related to uh, the results of that discussion. And, and that conversation and, and documentation of that could occur prior to in the next, uh, you know, next few days to make them March 15th, or are we talking March? I'm trying to work on a date. Is it March 15th or March 20, 29th? Uh, so assuming commissioners are, are willing to accept evidence of that discussion with Historic Preservation Chair, um, it should not take a lot of time to, to come to that conclusion and to be able to provide that information. Okay, thank you. So the second question, and I would like to ask the applicant is, you need to get an arborist report done. How quickly can that occur with a tree preservation plan? Commissioners, if we're talking about um, potential dates, I think giving us a little bit of a longer runway for producing that is 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 probably better. You know, we're not trying to get a shovel in the ground tomorrow. I think we have relative certainty around what's happening here, so we'd rather get our ducks in a row, get that produced and come back and just be able to kind of sail through. Uh, so uh, from whatever date you were able to get that to us, I believe uh, Director Phipps, you need about 13 days roughly from that date to a meeting. So uh, how, what day, how quickly do you think you can get that? And we, we can be talking about a date in April and if that's okay with you, that's fine with us. But I mean, we're we're sensitive to the fact that you want to get going and you want to get this done. So so we're but we're you know we don't want to give you not enough time to get the work done and then we're not getting anywhere. So sure, yeah. Unless there's going to be sweeping changes in the commission in the next like six weeks, I think that's probably an appropriate time. And that gives us a full month, and then that gives staff two weeks. Okay. Um. Commissioner, the Director Phipps, what are the uh, what are our dates in? Do you know our dates in uh, April? I, I think I do. Thank you, Chair. I am just pulling it up, and what I am seeing is April twelfth and April twenty sixth. Do you concur? Uh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. And, and I am referencing the calendar brought to um, the commission. Um, that's, that's correct. April 12th. Fantastic. So April 26th. Fantastic. So uh, I would I would be willing to accept a continuance to April 12th or April 26th, depending preference of commission and applicant. So we'll ask the applicant, do you have a preference on those two dates? Realizing you you need something two weeks before that date. We'll we'll take the later date in April if that's available. Okay. okay thank you very much. Thank you. April twenty so, sixth. So I'll, I'll look, look for amendment to the motion to a date certain of April twenty sixth. April twenty sixth, and I'll and second. We'll second that. Okay. Um, and you, is there any further discussion at this point on uh, a, a 
think we're clear. Uh, let me just clarify for the record. What we have in our terms of condition are that work can only occur between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. weekdays and between 9 o'clock and 5 p.m. on Saturdays. And I'm hearing from the developer, the contractor is not planning to work on Saturdays, but that's what the, the requirements would be. Uh, that's, a, that's I think those are by our ordinance. But um, obviously, you know, if you want to work out with the neighborhood, something other than that, that's what the requirements are. I understood. Okay. Um, and not, nothing on Sunday and nothing on, uh, on city hall, nothing on Sunday and nothing on city holidays. So, uh, okay. Uh, with that, are any other questions, comments? Uh, okay. Uh, I'll look for a roll call vote on this. Thank you, chair. Commissioner Saad. Yes. Commissioner Graff. Yes. Commissioner Feller. Yes. Chair Luxembourg. Yes. Motion passes. And, and if I may, uh, chair, Yes. Just, just want to thank um, Commissioner Saad and and yourself for and, and actually all, all commissioners present for their sensitivity to historic resource determinations. You know, historic resources in the city of Sausalito are extremely important assets, and and it's important for us to be sensitive um, to any project that may impact them. So I just want to thank commissioners for for their um, attention to detail and sensitivity to potentially very valuable community resources. Uh, thank you, Director Phipps. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to item 7B, 626 Sausalito Boulevard is a design review permit, variance, tree removal permit, an encroachment, an encroachment agreement. And uh, this one is also my, uh, that's Gonzalez. And uh, at that point, I will turn it over to you to do your presentation. Thank you. The second item that I'm presenting um, tonight is a project proposal at 626 Sausalito Boulevard. The applicant is Andrea Motolano with um, Dorman Associates. On behalf of the project owner, property owners, um, Shema and David Cup. The project record I'm is- terribly 20- sorry. I don't hear very well. You Can you try your microphone just a little closer? Yes. Can you hear me now? Much better. Thank you. Okay. Oh, would you like me to repeat and start over again? Yes, please. Okay. Um, the second project that I am presenting today is a proposal for 626 Sausalito Boulevard. The applicant is Andrea Motolano with Dorman Associates. She submitted the application on the behalf of the property owners, um, Shema and David um, Cup. The project record is 2022-00051. The request is for a sign to sign review permit with Hyden Review, a variance, a tree removal permit, and an encroachment agreement. Um, right here you have the site plan. The proposal is to convert, well, the design review permit with Hyden Review is to convert um, existing crawl space into habitable space. It's a total of 154 square feet and also to square off three um, square feet of walls. Um, it would also, they will also be adding new siding and a new roof. Um, the variance request is to exceed the existing building coverage um, and the floor, a, 
floor area ratio, the conversion of the um, 155-foot square feet um, from crawl space to habitable space um, triggers this conversion, um, sorry, this variance, as well as um, squaring off the walls. So the um, proposed uh, floor area ratio is for an increase of 5% from what is currently existing, which is 2,111 square feet, and it will bring it up to 2,269 square feet. They are also proposing two decks um, on the rear side of the property, and that will increase the, um, the coverage, building coverage by 2%. Um, There's an, a discrepancy on what um, was approved before or what's allowed on the um, parcel and what it's currently existing on there. Um, so the variance um, addresses that um, discrepancy on there as well. The tree removal permit is actually just to trim um, or to prune a coast um, live oak identified as number 62. The applicants have provided um, an arborist report detailing um, the condition of all the trees, of all the protected trees on the property, as well as um, presenting preliminary um, preservation guidelines and um, establishing tree protection zones and requiring coordination with the construction crew when it comes to pruning the tree and um, conducting any construction on site to minimize any impact to that tree or the other trees on um, the property. Um, the encroachment agreement is to expand the existing drive, sorry, the existing um, parking space. There's currently only one parking space on the street um, and the applicants proposing two. Although they are not your standard required um, parking spaces, they would be able to accommodate a compact car, car and it would be more of a benefit to the, um, to the, street and the neighbors because um, that street is pretty narrow and it's uh, difficult to maneuver. Um, they are also proposing to add a roof to the existing porch and part of the encroachment agreement aside from uh, expanding it and um, expanding it towards the house um, not towards the street is to replace um, to add a trellis and replace an arbor that's existing on there they will also be repairing two existing um, retaining walls that have that potential for failure. Um, they provided a geotechnical report supporting this, informa um, this information. And they are also proposing a um, new retaining wall. Other than that, they're not proposing any um, other modifications or to expand any more of the um, footprint with any more habitable space. This is a um, project summary table, as I previously mentioned. Um, there are some changes to these setbacks, but they're very minimal and they will still meet the required um, guidelines for the zoning. There aren't any changes when it comes to the um, building height and the building coverage um, overall is a 3% um, increase. You take into consideration the discrepancy from what's allowed um, on the, on this zoning and what's currently existing, um, as well as the floor, floor error ratio, which triggers um, heightened review approval. 
And with the parking, the change would it be from one um, on-street parking, which is currently available to two parking spaces. These are the materials that they are proposing. Um, they are proposing uh, white siding, um, white retaining walls, a white um, arbor. These are the exterior lights, aluminum um, fiberglass or fiberglass clad windows, as well as a door um, composition shingles. The project is exempt from the California um, Environmental Quality Act, uh, subject to sections 15301 and section 15303. The project makes the findings for the design review, the height and review, the variance, um, preservation of trees and views, and the encroachment um, review and agreement. Staff recommends that the Planning Commission adopt a resolution to approve the design review permit with height and review the variance, the tree removal permit, and the encroachment agreement for the project as proposed, subject to the conditions of approval. Alternatively, um, the Planning Commission may continue the hearing for additional information and or project revisions, or direct staff to prepare a resolution for denial, stating the specific reasons any one or more of the findings cannot be made. I also wanna um, indicate that I just received uh, a couple late comment I forwarded to the Planning Commission as well as the Director and City Council. Uh, thank you, Ms. Gonzalez. You also, you had a question I know from Commissioner Feller and you sent a couple extra drawings uh, earlier today, I believe. And can you put those up on the screen, please? Yes, give me just a second. I will um, move to the two pages that I added at the. Uh, go to the, please go to the first of the two pages. Um, that that's the one. So uh, my question, just for everybody's edification, this was sent today. The the red are red circles are piles, I believe. Uh, and uh, my question is, it only goes to the one parking space uh, to the west. So doesn't it need structure to support the parking space to the east? Yes, I haven't finalized the drawing. Um, they're waiting to obviously obtain approval to finalize the, the review and they will base it on the approved plans. If this project is approved today, they will update it based on that. This was just a preliminary um, draft. I see. Um, and also, uh, the area between the new trellis and the front steps, there, there's no section or something that shows what the, the, that's. There's a big drop, and I was curious of what the riser locations are. Do you have you seen a plan that shows the risers on that? That might be a question for the applicant. I have not seen those plans. No. I see. Okay. With with, with that, and you know, why don't you leave that drawing up on the screen? Uh, we can have. Uh, questions from the commission, uh, Commissioner Saad. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Magda. 
Can you please pull up um, any part of the plan that would show the tree that is being proposed for pruning? Yes, give me just a second. It would be this one um, on the lower portion on the map. Okay. And just for the record, is that tree 62? Is that yes. one? Yes. Okay. Um, in the Arborist report, um, I was, in terms of the recommendations, actually, let me ask this, for the, um, for the permit, for the pruning, are those recommendations also from you? Is that from staff similar to the last project? No, that's based on um, from the arborist. The arborist presented and staff support that recommendation. Okay. Um, and then did, did staff, did you have any follow-up to anything else that was mentioned in that arborist report? Because there were some call-outs for some other trees. Um, did you have any discussion with the applicant around anything more? This was a this was a more robust report, so there's some more information in there. Yeah, there was discussion regarding um, this specific tree because the arborist recommended either pruning or removal of the tree. The applicant indicated that they do not intend to remove any of the trees. They actually want to preserve them, so they just want to prune this one. Yeah. Okay. Commissioner, so can I ask a follow-on question? Uh, next to the deck there, uh, that other tree is hitting the story poles. So are they going to trim that one also? There um, isn't any proposal for it. Um, but, I mean, it, it would make sense, yes. Okay. Uh, well, clarity, well, maybe the applicant give clarity on that one as well. I'm sorry, Commissioner, so I'll continue. No, that's okay. Thank you. I, I had a similar comment. Um and then in terms of the plan, can was I looking correctly? Are there are they changing for the, I think it was the first floor level? Are there going to be two bathrooms on the first floor level? Is that correct? I was having a little yeah, bit they're of gonna question. they're gonna add a bathroom um as part of the crawl space conversion. It, okay. There's a powder room and a bathroom on the proposed first floor. I think that's what Commissioner Scott yes, is asking. That is, and it is larger drawing might be easier on the eyes. It's on A2. A2, yeah. A3. So that, yeah, I think A3 for the lower floor plan. So there's... Bath three. So let me just make sure I'm following this. So from plan A3, right. So that crawl space that's in the top left, I suppose, for your cursor's sake. So that is what on the right-hand side, upper right, that's what's turning into that bathroom. Is that correct? I'm sorry, I'm muted. Yes, correct. Okay. Because that, um, and that, 
powder room is also existing. I'm seeing what looks to be two bathrooms. I just want to make sure I'm following the plans. Seeing that shaded gray at the upper right, and I could ask this for the applicant as well, but I just want to make sure. The shaded area is all crawl space. So yeah, it's going to be a powder room and um, a bathroom. Okay. Um, okay, thank you. And I think those are all my questions at the moment. Um, uh, thank you, Commissioner Saad. Commissioner Graff? Um, the only question I had was relative to the uh, parking. And um, <clears throat> what I was wondering was, uh, is there any intent to have that be exclusive or is that uh, for the public? Uh, what's the intent? And maybe that should be answered by the applicant. Um, I would like to add a comment to that. Um, the Department of Public Works has um, included that it cannot be exclusive to the property owner. It does have to be for the public because oh. it's in within the right of way. Um, May I ask a follow-on question to sure. that? Sorry, Commissioner Graff. Go ahead. Um, I think I read though that the size of the cars would not be for like full vehicles, it would have to be a more compact vehicle. Would, is there a requirement then, if it is for the public, to note that so an you know, inappropriate sized vehicle doesn't attempt to, to use that space? Um, I mean, we could um, require them to add a sign indicating that. But yeah, the applicant is aware that they don't meet um, standard um, vehicle dimensions for a parking space. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, Commissioner Kraft. Um, well, that's it for for this part of the. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Commissioner Graff, Commissioner Fellow. Thank you, Chair. Um, first and foremost, I'm delighted to see some movement on this property. It, it's such a it's it's a great property that I think needs some TLC, and it looks like through these plans, it might might be getting some. So I'm really delighted about that. Um, I do have a couple questions and comments and and um, Magda, you'll see a bit of a theme here, uh, but I actually think that this project probably has an older vintage to the one we just heard. So I'm going to ask again about any historic uh, reviewer consideration. I'm not going to beat that uh, like uh, like a dead horse. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, otherwise, I'm assuming that this is still being proposed, even though it looks like there's a separate apartment-like area on the lower floor, that this is still a single-family home. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, also, to address your comment regarding um, historic consideration, um, it was taken to the Historic Preservation Commission January 19th of this year, um, and they determined that this site is not of historical um, significance. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, I think, okay, I did see that in there. Uh, thank you for that. Um, and then this, you know, I walk I walk by this property almost every day or every day I can extract myself from the office to actually go for a walk. And, um, you know, the, the, the elevation at street level versus the elevation of the front door, there, there's quite a, a, a drop. 
And so I'm a little unclear. I, I've seen the, if, if you could even call it a storyboard for this entryway um, at the front door, this covered area at the front door. But I'm not really clear about this, this trellis uh, because there's not a lot of space to actually, and maybe this is what Chair Luxembourg was referring to, to get from the street down to the front door. So how are you not going to kind of, you know, as you're going down little stairs, not hit your head on the covered area over the door? Like it's it's a very small area and very steep. So have you really looked at those elevations? Because the trellis piece is not really story pulled. It's just the front covered area. So I'm a little unclear about that. Um, but I also have to... Have you visited this property? So you know that this intersection, even though you're up in the hills, it's actually a very, very busy area. And it's um, very easy to almost get hit by a car there because uh, there are a lot of blind spots. So I really want to understand these parking areas and, and why... Um, you know, if, if this is not for this property, why why this encroachment permit? Because I, I'm not really comfortable with with this here. Well, it technically cannot be um, designated for a specific property because it is within the um, right of way. It should be for everybody according to the comments that I received from um, the Department of Public Works. But the, with the proposal, um, how they are proposing to bring it, bring the encroachment um, back towards the house, it would align more to the, um, what the neighboring property has, a 79 um, Sunshine, I believe it is, and it allows a little bit more, a little bit more of a wiggle room for them to park. Although it doesn't meet standard parking requirements for a standard vehicle, um, it would it would be um, able to create a more easier parking um, space. Um, and I I understand your concern with the steps as well, the trellis. Um, but it makes sense. I visited the site and I walked down um, and the porch and the era, the area itself is pretty small, but it's functional. Okay. Um, and, you know, what is the, per I mean, I, I, I know the applicant will speak here, but what is the really the purpose of the trellis? Is it just to announce where the front door is so you don't park in front of it? Or what, why is it really there? I believe it's just aesthetics and um, yes, to guide, to direct towards the entrance of the property. Um, okay. You know, I noticed in the package there was some um, comparison to another property on Sausalito Boulevard, further, further down Sausalito Boulevard, um, that has sort of this, I'll call it like a paved parking area in front of the house. And, and Respectfully, I'm not sure that that's a really good comparison because that the property I've just referenced is nowhere near an intersection and a busy one because everyone's trying to get to Spencer and the highway at this right at where this house is, where this property is. But the there's also a couple driveways that are it's all converging in one place. It's actually really for for a small little town, it's actually quite a busy little area, and it's easy uh, to almost get hit. So I'm just not really fully on board yet with that. I'm not fully understanding um, why that needs to be part of this project if it's not designated to this 
this property. So uh, otherwise, I'm I'm like I said, delighted to see um, some TLC coming coming the way of this this property. So I'm happy about that. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, actually, I, I have some following questions related to that as well. Can you go to uh, drawing A5? Uh, keep keep going so you can see the trellis. It's in, it's in that drawing. Um, the one below materials palette. Yeah, right there. So my concern is when you say that it's not a standard parking space, my issue is it's seven and a half feet wide. So usually compact spaces are shorter. So you have shorter cars. Most of the cars are generally the same width in, in a lot of respects. And um, I also walk by this uh, house a lot, but the one day it was pouring rain. And I went and I actually drove and I parked where the, where that current area is. And um, obviously it's, it, 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 it hasn't been expanded by the 18 inches, but the cars kept coming by and they could barely clear where I was and where the car on the other side, there's parking on the other side. So my one question is, was there any discussion about putting it back another six inches on the wall so that you could, I'll give you the three questions, moving it back six more inches and maybe this is for the applicant, so you could get a normal eight-foot width. The second is uh, there's no section on the tr from that trellis down to that front door uh, is a is a significant drop. What are the risers on the stairs for that? And then the third is with the trellis there at this intersection, you're trying to park, and and so you got two spaces they have to both deal with the fact you're in an intersection and you have this trellis. Without the trellis, you could just have something that marks the thing so that, you know, they when they when they back in the parallel park, they they don't have to worry about hitting the structure, but then don't park where the where the entrance is. But, you know, it makes it harder to park in this space that's already too small when you have this trellis there that separates the two spaces. So. Did they talk about why the why any of the reason why the trellis was there? I mean, this will probably be a question for the applicant. No, that discussion wasn't had. Um, not the discussion about expanding it further to into the house or um, removing the trellis for easier um, parking. Okay, so I'll ask that of the applicant, um, and then um, uh, and then the, then there's a question of so the space on the left does not have soldier piles and doesn't have anything to support it and it has the same drop as to the right of the trellis and so it, you're not sure why they you said it was a preliminary draft but why wouldn't have they put a structure in for all of it yeah um they and for me they hadn't finalized the um the drawing they would um finalize it once um, they obtain approval from the planning commission. Um, well, I, I, it's a chicken and the egg problem. If we, if, if we don't have a proper structure, I mean, there's certain things that get, get taken care of in a building permit, but if, if the, if they don't have an adequate structure, it can't get approved by the planning commission. So it ends up, we continue something and we're trying to get to a point where we're not continuing items and you get all that stuff in advance. Understood. Okay. Um, 
With that, are there any other questions before we go to the applicant? Yes, Commissioner Phillips. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, Magda, you mentioned that you got some late mail regarding this. Um, of course, we're sitting up here on the dais, so we're not in front of our emails. Can you just let us briefly tell us what the public comment is since uh, we're going to be hearing public comment here after the applicant presents anyway? Um, yes, I'm sorry. I really haven't read it through it um, because I was presenting the previous project. Um, if I if I may, Magda and... Uh... Commissioner Feller, my understanding is that the individual who provided that public comment is also in attendance um, at this meeting. And given the opportunity, uh, once we get to public comment, uh, they have indicated that in the absence of having it vetted prior to this meeting, they could just make that same comment during public comment. Excellent. Thank you, Director Phipps. Thank you. Any other commissioner comments before we go to the applicant? just wanted to say that I, I have the same uh, questions about access. I mean, after really looking at this and thinking about it, I think I understand what the intent here is, is that there's a stairway that inc would encroach into that parking pad. Oh, I see. It, it, into it. And it starts almost out at the street. Uh, there's no section, but I, I'm imagining a section through here, and it's got a steep stairway. So they bring the access is, is really right out in front. So I believe this structure is to protect somebody coming in and out of that. And, and the, the trellis is uh, not even designed yet. It's to be determined. It's just a decorative thing, I think, you know, but... But, but now I think I understand the circulation and, and I think I understand the, the, um, <clears throat> the need for sort of a protection. So, so there's, no there's no platform under that trellis before you oh, got to the stairs. Stairway. It's just immediately going to the stairs. Okay. If, if we saw a section, I think we'd see that, but yeah. I, I looked everywhere, there isn't one. Yeah, that was, that was what I was asking for. No, that makes, now that you say that makes yeah. sense. Okay. You can sort of, sort of see a step there. Yeah. If you look carefully. Not very clear. It's slightly recessed. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. Uh, with with that, I think we'll, yeah, one more question. Uh, <laughs> for, forgive me, uh, Chair. Um, you know, Magda, uh, again on A5, um, the proposed remodel at the rear, there are a bunch of stairs uh, leading from what looks like the, the street all the way down beyond the home. Um, are, are these new stairs? Is this part of a landscape plan of some kind? Um, those are existing. That grants access to the property below it. When it was subdivided, it was part of the easement that um, the property below has access um, through those stairs. And, so and, that's existing. Okay. And and with, does anything about this project trigger any upgrade or remodel of the stairs that's required by this applicant? No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. With that, uh, we're looking for the applicant to, is the applicant in the audience? Yes, I'm here. In, uh, on Zoom, okay. Uh, uh, you have 15 minutes to do a presentation. You can reserve some of your time for 
after public comment if you if you prefer so if you want to uh, with that i will uh, turn it over to you do, do you need to have access to share your screen yeah i think i can it's am i able to share no i need uh access can, can we um, give provide access to the applicant Still says it's disabled. Okay. All right. Well, good evening. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to uh, talk tonight and present this project. I just want to go over a couple things. First, I want to talk about the tree permit. Hey, before, before you, can you give your name and address for the record, please? Sorry. My name is Andrea Maltabano. I work for Dorman Associates. Uh, we're the architect. And um, so for the tree permit, we actually, I went back and forth with Magda and we actually don't think we'll need any pruning, but because some of the trees are close, we thought it would be better to uh, put the permit in just in case we do need to prune the trees. So actually this is the actual permit and the text on it says minimal pruning as required to reside the existing house, install a new roof and rear balconies, there are a few locations where branches are within a couple of feet from the walls and roof and could possibly get damaged if not pruned. So because we don't know when this is starting, uh, we know that, um, I just want to make sure, are you seeing, you are seeing my screen with this form, correct? We, we are seeing the form. Okay, great. All right, so that's that's the tree. And the tree inventory report, of course, uh, talks about the health of the trees and to take how to take care of the trees. The, um, the next thing I want to talk about is the actual... We can stop the clock for a second. Uh, on the, uh, some of those trees are over the top of those decks. Are you saying that they don't care that they, they go over the tops of the deck? Uh, if they don't interfere with the installation of the deck, um, then we would leave the trees. Um, you know, trees grow, they change. By the time construction happens, if branches are in the way, we would then prune those branches according to the according to the arborist's recommendations and having an arborist on site at the time to monitor the pruning at that would be required. Okay. All right. Continue the clock. Thank you. Okay. So um, so here I just want to show that how kind of extraordinary this site is. So back in 1899 or so, these two lots were created. And so it's if you look around at the size of these other lots, it's pretty unique. Um, there's some smaller lots over here. Uh, there's this one kind of half lot over here. But in general, this is a pretty unique situation, especially since this project is very old. Um, now, this is the front of the property. This is the the image, the 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 parking area that we're all talking about. And so right now there is this one parking space um, that does not meet the requirements for a parking space. This trellis and stair does exist. It starts here. And then there's just a retaining wall with nothing. So basically the idea was to create, to, to push this wall in by 18 inches and then bring that basically all the way across but to keep the stair down. So we wanted to align it with the front door. That's actually the front door right there. So we 
if we align the stairs directly with the front door, we get kind of a compact space over here, a normal size space over here. They still don't meet maybe the full width of the eight feet, but they are better than it is now. And uh, one thing I just want to show here is the um, photograph I have of the existing wall. And you can see why it is so important for us to, uh, to uh, do this. The wall is in, the wall is, this is the wall. So it's made up of brick, stone, it's been it, soil. It's the, really the geotech said, I don't know how it's standing up. It's, it's very scary. <laughs> so we need to absolutely replace it. Um, it's, a, it's dangerous. And uh, so we just want to expand it a little bit. I'm going to move on to these drawings. So this is the cover page. Um, this is our subject property. This is the house below. And that is what this easement for these stairs are. This easement, it's a legal easement. It's recorded on the deed. Um, it is also one of the reasons why we moved this, the entry over to align with the front door so that it's, it gives these people a little more privacy. Um, this is also, you can see the uh, comparison of the existing parking versus what's proposed. And this is the, uh, you know, the existing stairs. They basically start at the street and begin to step down. They actually, we're actually starting them in further. Now, I don't, we don't have a section going down these stairs, but we had to create the stairs to work. <laughs> That's kind of how we decided where they go. Um, so they do work. They do meet code. And um, uh, the commissioner who spoke last, he was correct. The idea of the trellis is not only to mark the entrance, but it's to keep people from driving over a curb and driving into the stair. So when you see something that's eight feet tall, you're not going to, you know, because these parking spaces are a little tight, you're going to avoid that. Um, so that was the idea there. Now, uh, I want to go over the, um, the area that we're adding, which is, again, this is that it's a crawl space area. It's, we're not digging out. It's just very raw, unfinished space. And we're just kind of finishing the space. So it's going from crawl space to finished space. And then at the uh, upper level, the only area we're adding is right here. So it's just right now that originally it was just a kind of a, a bay window or something. It doesn't really have a window, but it was just a, it was, the corner was cut off as you can see here. And so we're just squaring it off. And so the building was always pretty large. Um, and then the only th other thing we're adding, of course, is a, this, this uh, deck exists. We're just putting a roof on it and then the deck in the back. And I just want to show you um, one image that we have of from the neighbor of these views. Um, this is the best photo here. Okay, so now we're, this is a, a photograph from the adjacent neighbor, the neighbor on the west from their deck, looking at the existing building. This is that corner that's cut off. And we pushed the deck further away so that it wouldn't it would be less in their view. And then the neighbor next door, uh, on the other side, this wall is actually six feet tall. So that's where like would be right next to our decks. 
so they wouldn't really be competing for views and wouldn't really be interfering. So this is why we pushed this deck to this side, kept it tight, not only because there's a tree here, but because this neighbor over here kind of has a diagonal view. But I think you could see from that photo that it was pretty well um, preserved. And then we're, you know, kind of keeping the spirit of the building. We're using very um, traditional windows. We're keeping the shingles, redoing the shingles, but then painting them. Um, we're keeping a very, this is, this railing is kind of, it's a non-climbable railing. I mean, they have small children, the cups, and they don't want their children climbing anything. So, which is one of the reasons we have these vertical bars. And also it allows for some transparency. Um, and if we used, you know, the only other thing that's pretty transparent is glass, and that would pretty much clash with this uh, style of building. So, um, you know, we have our materials palette. We want to, the existing retaining wall up there is, is brick. You know, it's got these brick piers. And so we kind of like that. So we're going to clad the, clad the retaining wall in a brick and paint it white. And then we want to do a more, kind of a more solid railing. Um, you know, the, the actual final design is to be determined. But, um, you know, it's something a little more of the period, a little more Victorian. This is a turn of the century building. And uh, we did a very thorough analysis with the, for the historic uh, committee, and they agreed that it did not have any historic significance. So that is my presentation. And I would love to take your questions. Thank you for your presentations. You've got six minutes, 47 seconds to respond after we get public comment. And with that, I'll open it up to the commission, uh, Commissioner Graff. Excuse me. Um, uh, I don't have any questions. My question was about the parking and I understand that. And I had questions about the access and the and the section through and, and that whole arrangement there. And now I get it. So <clears throat> uh, no questions. Uh, thank you, Commissioner. Kind of the answers already. Thank you. Thank you for uh, Commissioner Graff. Uh, I mean, uh, just a follow on to his original question. You, you've done the risers on in a section to get out to, so is there any platform under the trellis or it immediately goes to a first step? It immediately goes to a first step, yes. And one of the ways that we achieved um, the, uh, the drop is right now you drop down further and then you step up two steps to the front door. So we raised that so you lose two risers. We, we need two less, two fewer risers to get from the street down now. So we could take two off. I see. Yeah, obviously, because you've moved the entry, moved it to a shorter distance from the stairs to the front door. So the longer distance allowed the risers to do what it did. But correct. You know. Okay, uh, Commissioner Graff. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, just looking at this again, since we're on the subject, <clears throat> uh, I'm assuming that the front of this little gazebo structure is a gate. Correct. It could be a gate. Yeah, I think it might be. Nice to keep, you know, just to warn people. I mean, it is steps where, you know, maybe if the lights aren't on 24 hours a day, then, you know, it would be nice to kind of warn people there are steps there. Yeah. 
Got it. Um, uh, normally, in a in a stairwell, you're going to have handrails on one or both sides. Correct. Yeah. Ordinarily, most of the uh, more current codes and everything demand uh, require that the handrails come up and extend beyond the first step so that as somebody's approaching or coming up the stairs or down, they have something to hold on to. And right now, it, it might not be up to code. Um, so with the gate and no handrails showing, I'm wondering if that whole thing is really quite cooked. So actually, um, for single family residential, the handrails only have to stop at the uh, at the nosing. It's a great idea and for ADA access for extensions. Um, the posts, you know, it is possible that, you know, we want these people to be aging in place and they want their, you know, their parents and grandparents to come visit. So we probably will do our best to when we get into the, the deep details to have those handrail extensions, which are just make it easier for everybody. And that actually brings up one more thing I would like to talk about, which is the um, retaining walls at the front. We did that, uh, the geotechnical, um, the, the wall design that the civil engineer did was preliminary. And we definitely wanted to get your approval on this design before we spent the multiple thousands of dollars it would take him to do the wall for the building permit. I, it, because if you say no, then we've wasted that money and it's a lot of money. So we just want to, you know, the building code, the building department, public works, they are going, especially public works because it's in the public right of way. They're going to check all those calculations. They're going to check the geotechnical report. So there's no way that that is not going to be up to code. And as I said, as it is now, it has to be redone. It's, it's very, it's like a dangerous wall right now. <laughs> so we want to get going on that. Just to follow on question to that. So the, uh, to the, I guess it's to the east, to the left of the trellis, when you're looking at the house, uh, there will be piles to support that parking space also? Yes, yes, absolutely. And on the one on the right, the one on the left is compact, but the one on the right only has seven and a half feet wide. Can you move the wall back another six inches to get that wider? Um, we could. Uh, however, you know, it's it's wider than it is now. And we just, we wanted, we were trying to also think about what it's like viewing from the house. So we would certainly take that, you know, upon, you know, into consideration if you insisted on that. We just, we don't want there to be, to be looming against the house. So we kind of, you know, we split the difference and we said 18 inches if it was, you know, two feet and we could get that full, full return of a, of a full car. I mean, as, as we know, you know, eight feet of width is typically for, um, you know, a, a parking space where you pull in and you have to open your doors to the side and there might be something there. So you, parallel parking usually sometimes is only, you know, six and a half and seven feet wide and not necessarily the eight feet wide. So we went a little narrower, but it is definitely a, a busy street. <laughs> yeah, let me clarify that last comment. You have a, you have a wall next to this space so if somebody's in the passenger seat they have to get out before 
they get in the, I mean, before they're going to have to back the car out. Somebody's going to get in the car in the right of way uh, of the travel right away in order to get in the passenger seat. Am I missing something on that? No, it is correct. And that's why we decided to widen it. But like I said, we kind of, we we didn't want to bring it too close to the house that it would make it uncomfortable the house to the house. So we we chose this distance as the the distance we felt was appropriate. Yeah, but I, no, it's not a magical number. We could widen it by six inches, certainly. If you put a car there, given the car across the street and given the traffic on this street, it is tight. So any, any additional space is probably useful. And I know you, as you said, you were looking for some additional input this evening. Um, I have other questions, but let me go to Commissioner Feller. Thank you, Chair. And thank you for the presentation and some of this uh, discussion has helped clarify a couple things for me. So thank you for that. Um, I, I love the project and, and I'm delighted to see a project happening uh, at this property. Um, I wanted to understand specific to the parking, if, if the solution that you've come up with here with the trellis and two, well, sort of two parking spots um, is, is absolutely mandatory for, for your project because I, I really am not very much in favor of of those two spots in front of the house and, and what you'd have to do to maybe move move the wall. I think, you know, certainly you need to probably have one there, but with that road being that crowded and people pulling out right at this intersection, I wouldn't really, I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I just wanna know if it's, critical to your project uh, that that you handle it this way or if you can get by with 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 one understanding fully of course that um, the current retaining wall um, isn't being held up by much and would have to be replaced anyway yeah so we we do have to replace the wall and as you've said it is it is narrow and so we decided well if we have to rebuild the wall we should make it wider and then the question is, you know, are we going to keep it exactly the way it is, uh, which is just one space, or should we make it 1.5 or 1.75? I mean, the length of 16 foot eight width and the width really to the, the return on one side is eight foot four. Um, you know, that's a, a compact space is 17 by eight. So um, we felt it was better to provide a second parking space. I mean, I, I don't see the harm, but yeah. My, my concern is that it, you, you're going to have, you know, it's sort of like the same situation when you go to a parking lot now and, you know, some ginormous truck tries to park in a compact spot. They're yeah. hanging out, they're blocking traffic, they're getting in the way, they're banging into people's doors, whatever. It, it's not a really good recipe. And so I, I want to set this up for success and not failure and consternation. So um, I, I don't have any problems with this project, um, except I would really advocate for, for one bona fide spot and, and call it a day. Um, the other thing I'm not really wild about is, is the trellis. I mean, you've gone to such great lengths to to really create such a wonderful um, revival of, of maybe the original architectural intent, you know, your windows, the siding. I mean, I really think it's lovely. 
but the trellis just looks like a an afterthought. It doesn't look incorporated into the design. And 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 maybe that's just me, but um, you know, I'm I'm curious if you've looked at at other at other uh, treatments uh, trellises. Well, well, I could say that if you look on the materials, I mean, it re really was a placeholder. Um, again, to to design it to the nth degree when we don't know if it's going to be approved is we felt you know kind of unreasonable. But if you, but on the last page of the materials is kind of that's more, that's a better picture um, of the trellis that kind of the thing that the the owners had in mind, um, which is a little lighter. It's a little more whimsical. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's probably more to the kind of the idea of what you're saying of like a little more here it is. I'm sharing my screen again. Um, so it's just more like a little garden trellis where the one in the, in the model that we made is a little, it's a little heavy handed. I agree, but it is, you know, a computer model and it's preliminary. But that was kind of the idea was was we, you know, we we warn cars that, you know, you don't want to drive over this curb uh, by by having the trellis. Um, but what that trellis is, is probably a little more lighter in spirit that we would like to, you know, finalize and develop. Well, that that makes a, a lot more sense. And I, I appreciate you explaining that. Um and I mean, just so you know, I know there sometimes is a chicken and egg scenario, but you know, you come to the planning commission to approve your design and, and your drawing. So, you know, um, there needs to be a little bit more than just sort of a, a placeholder, um, completely understanding we're not looking for final construction documents here either. Um, but from a design aesthetic or design, we, we the, the photo is preferable in my in my opinion, and I am only one one commissioner here, um, because the trellis that you have, it just looks out of place. So, I'm again summarize the issue with the trellis, and I would advocate for one real parking spot and not pretend that you have two, because then you're going to get that SUV or construction worker trying to park there, and they're going to create an accident in that intersection. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I didn't consider that. I mean, the owner has a mini, so I guess, you know, she was hoping that she'd have the mini in that spot. But yeah, it's right. It's not reserved for them. So there is that possibility of someone trying to cram a giant truck into a compact space, which you see all the time. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, Commissioner Saad. Thank you, Chair. Um, I think all of my colleagues have hit the parking and trellis points that I also wanted to make. So I actually just want to go back quickly to the um, your your tree uh, arborist report. Um, and I ask only because it was much more comprehensive than the last one. I think you probably heard some of our comments. And so it's calling out some of the um, your the other trees on the site. And I know there's a tree protection plan, but it's even going so far to say that, you know, a, a tree might, um, not make make it. Um, I believe it's tree 64 on, I'm looking at page six. So I was just wondering, um, we don't have to get into all those details, but are you, are you looking at any other potential um, now that you have a comprehensive look at what's happening on that site? Um, you know, not really, because we're really not 
you know, uh, there is one tree that is basically growing out of the foundation of the house. And I think that one is probably the most likely to be, you know, in danger. But um, we are, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, they love the trees. We love the trees. And we're just going to try to do our best to protect them and take care of them. And um, I think when the, when the arborist report was done, the trees were in, they appear to me, they were in worse shape. They have, you know, it's been more than a year and they have kind of recovered. They've leafed out. They look a lot better than they used to. So we are hopeful that if we take care of them and are cautious during construction, that they'll stay because they are kind of the most charming thing on the property, especially the ones below. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Um, I don't think, I think you guys answered Asked my other question, so I think I'm okay for right now. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Um, before we go to uh, public comment, can I bring uh, Attorney Rudin up uh, for a quest technical question? Uh, yep. I don't know where, I, this is a new idea that I'm not sure where I am on on the idea, So, but I just want a legal opinion. Uh, this this project is 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 uh, going you know substantially renovating the house, uh, probably more than fifty percent or whatever whatever, and uh, it requires two parking spaces. Would they need a non-conforming permit in order to reduce it to one? Because two is required. That's if it was a new building. If it was a new building, it requires two parking spaces. Is it pre-existing non-conforming? Does it need a non-conforming permit? What, what we? I'm not saying we. I don't even know if there's support for one space. But I, before we even entertain the idea, I wanted to know what we need on the permit side. Yeah, can I get back to you on that one? Sure. Uh, at this point, uh, I'd like to take public comment. Uh, if for people in the room, if you've if you filled out a card or if you raise your hand, we can have you come up to the podium. For people in Zoom, if you'll raise your hand, uh, we can call you from the Zoom application. Uh, I'll start with people in the audience. Anybody want to uh, make public comment on this project? I see none. Uh, let me look for the Zoom application. I'm not seeing any. Uh, Director Phipps, are you seeing any? Seeing none, sure, but I'd like us to be sensitive to the late public comment that we received. Um, Ms. Gonzalez, are you in a position to potentially read that public comment into the record? Um, yes, give me a second. I believe um, that gentleman is also on the Zoom call. Um, yes, uh, Mr. Van. Uh, I see somebody in the video. Yes. Um, I'm not seeing a raised hand and I'm not seeing just, just to clarify, the raised hand is not a physical raised hand. It is a raised hand on the Zoom application. But I, I believe we may have identified the correct individual. Okay. So the raised hand is in the reactions thing at the bottom <laughs> of your screen. But, uh, but you could raise your physical hand uh, just for simplicity right now. Okay, good. Yes. Uh, thank you. Okay, yes, can we, uh, Zoom team, can we unmute uh, Mr. Heineke and uh, uh, allow him to speak? He is unmuted. I mean, you can unmute yourself. And um, can you hear me? You have three minute, minutes to make uh, any comments that you would like. Welcome. Okay, thank, thank you very much. My name is Van Himke. I live at 
I own 71 Sunshine Avenue. Um, for the letter, I can read it briefly and then elaborate a little bit on it. So our home at 71 Sunshine Avenue is located downhill to the southeast of 626 Sausalito Boulevard. Um, I included a couple of photos that show the view of the project from a couple of our west facing windows. We are mostly supportive of the project as proposed and very much appreciate that the project won't require pruning or removal of any of the coast live oaks on the south side of the property, as those trees help provide hillside stability, enhance the beauty of the natural environment, and serve as a partial privacy screen between our homes. While the preliminary staff report indicates the proposed decks will not impact the privacy of neighboring properties, we do anticipate that there could be a bit of an impact to the privacy with respect to the rooms on the west side of our home. And we wonder if the impact could be mitigated through the use of solid panels or some other form of privacy panels instead of the more open railing design proposed for the deck. We also have some concerns about potential reflection and glare at certain times of the day if the siding is painted a bright white and perhaps a less reflective color that blends in better with the natural environment could be considered. Um, that's the content of the letter. Um, the first uh, paragraph of the letter where I speak to the trees, um, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding on my part because the uh, Arborist Report lists tree number 62 as a tree on the east side of the property along the stairs rather than on the back side of the property uh, where it was identified um, during this meeting. So um, that said, I, I understand that the intent is to minimize the pruning of the trees to do it in a professional way. And we're, we're very supportive of anything that can be done to preserve those trees and the privacy screen between um, the two homes. Um, and as for the other items, I'm not sure what is you know, open for discussion, but uh, we do appreciate the way the current house kind of blends into the natural surroundings, you know, as opposed to something like uh, be a bright light, uh, bright white that's very different than you know, the greens and browns and grays that you see with the trees along the hillside. Um, so your video uh, I don't on. know if any of those things can be covered, but I can stop here. And uh, if you have any questions, please let me know. Uh, thank you for your comments this evening. Uh, are there, is there anybody else that wants to uh, that wants to, uh, wants to comment uh, on Zoom? Uh, I don't see it. With that, I'll close the public hearing and bring it back up to the dais. And um, any thoughts from anybody? And uh, Chair, I can answer your question on the uh, changes to non-conforming structures. So to the extent that the fact that it doesn't have the um, what would be otherwise required under the zoning code for the number of parking spots, uh, 1062 and 50 of the city municipal code still says that you can still make structural additions and remodels to non-conforming structures as long as they do not increase or exacerbate the specific non-conformity. So, you know, given that this relates to a parking structure, or given given that the, the non-conformity that we're discussing would be a parking spot, um, I, I think that the, you know, what staff are proposing was likely fine. Uh, additionally, I'm looking at the project description and it looks like, um, you know, the exterior changes are, you know, remodeling of exterior siding, installation of new windows, doors, and composite shingle roof. Um, and then the addition of the two new decks. I, I don't see anything here that really 
would absolutely require a nonconformity permit. So even though they're adding square footage and in bathroom, uh, which might increase the number of people in the house and therefore require more parking, theoretically, that you don't think it requires a nonconformity permit? I, I think based on the text of the code, one can argue that it does not. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so uh, that issue is on, uh, can be on the table. Uh, with this, uh, yes, uh, uh, I, we can go back to the applicant who has, I think, six minutes. What, what did we, uh, Zoom team, I don't remember the number. Yeah, that's what I thought, six, six something, 6.30. Okay, uh, you have additional six minutes and 30 seconds if you want to respond to anything you heard from uh, the uh, public comment period or any other comments you would like to make. All right, thank you. Um, so I would like to first respond to the neighbor. So the neighbor's concerns were that, um, and I should show you where exactly this house is. It's 71. And if I share my screen. So this neighbor lives here. Um, and this is the house, the subject house. So it's not, you know, it's it's one property away. And uh, I just want to point out that when we look at the next door neighbor, their house is very light colored. And the house on the other side is also very light in color. And so we feel that the light color of the house that we are going for kind of does blend in with the neighborhood very well. Um, as for the railing in the back, um, the, the view is really what this house kind of is all about and looking straight out is really fantastic. It really would be a shame. And I think it kind of a, you know, I mean, you can just see there's the city right there. <laughs> and so with the city being in that view, um, to put the solid panels on their deck is kind of takes away from, I think, a lot of the property value. Um, however, uh, you know, if if the Planning Commission felt really strongly that it was an invasion of privacy, we would certainly consider it. But I just want them to realize that, you know, this this house is... It's it's a small house. It doesn't have much outdoor space, but it has a big view, and it would really be a shame, I think, for the owners to to lose any of that. Um, and one other thing, I just want to say about the parking space issue is, uh, it was brought up about about uh, trash bins, and so if that small space, um, that compact space, maybe had storage space for their bins, it maybe, you know, the kind of thing that just makes it small enough that maybe only when the owner comes, she can move the bins out of the way and she can park her mini there. But basically, if the bins are stored there, maybe it would deter, you know, cars that are too large from trying to get in. Um, but they do need some bin storage space. And right now, this is, it doesn't really work because this, this angled zone here allows the car to get out but it doesn't really allow for a lot of storage space. So those are my responses. Uh, thank you very much. Can I just ask a question on that? Where, where in the plans now, as you've currently designed it, do you plan to put the bins? Well, there because of those two parking spaces, we were planning on putting them 
down below, so down the stairs. So they would have to bring them up the stairs every time that they, you know, the trash is being collected. But at least that way it's it's off the street. You're not seeing them visibly. Um, but I'm just thinking on my feet here that if people feel that it was would be, you know, that second smaller space is kind of to a disadvantage that we might be able to work in a trash enclosure there that they could be maybe permanently stored, but that would kind of solve two problems at once. It would it would make it less less palatable for larger cars to want to park, but still allow for that parking space for a very small car. Okay, thank you. I'm currently they're stored down below. If my, Correct. Yes. All right. With, with that, uh, we'll bring it back up to the dais to figure out where we go from here. Um, hands raised. Who wants to start? Oh, I can start. Okay. Um, Commissioner Pella. I'm I'm a huge proponent for the project. Um, I support uh, only one parking spot. If you've planned for the bins below, then obviously that works, and you've determined that that works. Um, I I do not want. Uh, I, I, I'm really not in favor. I think you're creating a dangerous situation potentially by trying to make a second parking spot there that is only only works for it for the owner's mini um, because it's not going to be used for that. And so I, I think we need to really focus on only only one uh, parking spot. So I I would be supportive of this project uh, it, with those with that condition as well as. A, uh, a rethought of this trellis, we can either assign a working group or allow staff to uh, work with this uh, applicant on that. Uh, I appreciate the owner's comments at 71 Sunshine. I don't want to disregard those, um, but I, I, I also wanna point out that 71 Sunshine is at a much different elevation than this house. So I, I see no reason that I can justify um, for the reasonable enjoyment for this applicant to change any design on on that on the railing or the balcony, um, or the color of of the home, uh, actually. So, with the minor modifications that I I've mentioned about one parking spot and the trellis slash arbor, whatever that ends up being, I I could make these findings. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Fellow. Commissioner Saad. Thank you, Chair. Um, I completely concur with Commissioner Feller. Um, I would not be able to make the findings with with two parking spaces. Um, I was going to have trouble um, with that encroachment, but with the one parking space, I would definitely support. Um, I would be able to make the findings. So um, that's where I am. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Commissioner Graff. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, well, I, I was uh, at first really pleased to see uh, an attempt to create <clears throat> two parking spaces where there was only one. And um, I, I'm understanding now <clears throat> the potential problems with that. <clears throat> and also in hashing this out, I also see some real potential problems with the gazebo, um, so to speak, protruding out like that, it will get destroyed. <laughs> um, unless it's got huge concrete bollards in front of it. So um, 
I'm 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 leaning towards uh, creating one really good parking space, maybe offsetting the this little entry uh, feature, using the remaining space for um, storage or whatever or landscape. Um, so, but in its present form, I, I can't make the findings. Um, uh, I kind of wish that this had been a study session because we really, there's a, so many issues involved here that that uh, seem to be <clears throat> uh, coming up. But um, architecturally, uh, this is not my cup of tea. I, I was looking at the site today and it is a kind of a wonderful place with these old brick walls and the little gazebo and the plants and everything. It had a richness and a charm that was be completely gone with this remodel. Not that this won't be a handsome uh, structure once it's done. It's just that um, it's kind of a shame to lose some of that, uh, some of that rustic, uh, uh, another gone, uh, bygone age. But anyway, um, uh, <clears throat> other than that, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't have any problem with uh, roofing over the porch entry. Um, and uh, I understand the, the desire for symmetry in this design, but um, seems to me that, um, you know, there could be a, also a very, um, uh, an interesting solution here that's off center and that maybe that allows uh, maybe for an easier transition from this level down. Anyway, um, uh, that's about it. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Graff. Um, you know, I, I was uh, I was liking the two parking spaces because I thought it it allowed uh, parking in a neighborhood that doesn't have enough parking spaces. So I thought that was good. Having said that, I'm hearing what the other commissioners are saying, and the parking spaces don't quite fit. I mean, physically, the problem I'm now having is I concur with Commissioner Graff. You don't really need to protrude the stairway into the parking area if you don't make it centered. If it's off center, it right and now right now it works and there's enough room to do that. So uh, as you've said, this was a uh, something that hadn't really been fully thought through. And, and we're at a point where we're trying to approve something that's not fully thought through, which is frustrating because it, I think with a little bit of study, uh, a design could come up with. But if we go to one parking space, I concur with Com Commissioner Graff, it should be off center. And therefore, you can get the stairs out of the parking space, create a little bit of uh, storage bin so they don't have to lift the trash cans up, maybe with some fencing around it. But the question is, do we do that by approving this project and then creating a little working group which we've done before, but we only do that because it wasn't worked out before it got to us, or do we, or or do we continue it? I mean, those are the two choices. So, anybody's thoughts thoughts on that, Commissioner Feller? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I think we could handle it either way. I think we should ask the applicant if there's a preference to actually 
architecturally design this rather than um, and just continue this with those changes? I mean, again, I, I, I'm not hearing any issues with the rest of the project. Um, that that would probably be something we should ask the applicant because we, we can do it either way. Uh, other before we ask the applicant that any other commissioner's thoughts, Commissioner Graff? I, I would like to see it continued because I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done to resolve this whole front end here. The house, not a problem. Um, the other little variances and so on, I don't think are problems. Uh, but I think this whole front end really needs to be thought out and brought back. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Seth? I agree with Commissioner Graff. I think it would it would be in the best interest of the project and for have it to come back to us with some more thorough um, understanding. Okay, uh, let me go to the applicant. If we were to continue this, uh, how quickly uh, would we do? We can, we, if we were to continue something, we could do it to a date certain or a date uncertain. Uh, it would depend on how long you thought it would take to resolve this sort of, you know, this temporary uh, placeholder you put there with an actual design for it. Well, I don't, I don't think it would really take more than a couple of days. I mean, we can get right on that. And um, I just want to point out that the stairs, right, they would, they are as planned. They do occur in the exact same place as now. So we, we weren't bringing them in, but I do appreciate, you know, making it a single parking space and creating maybe an L-shaped set of stairs that brings you to the entry. I just don't think that that would take very long. So the sooner we can get through this, the better. I think we've been in plan, you know, in this process for more than a year now. The, through the Historic Planning Commission, it took us two times to get there, and we had, you know, several rounds of comments. So we are very eager to get this moving. So. I'm, I just want to clarify, and Commissioner Feller also has a question. Uh, I don't understand the comment about the, the stairs are in the same place. The stairs, you're proposing re relocating the stairs from where they are now to where you have them on the drawings. Is that not correct? Yes, but they do not protrude into the street anymore. They, they, they begin at the same place, close to the street, as they do now. It was just we were, they look like they're, deeper because we push the parking space deeper but the actual location of that top step is the same location if we if you do change this can you relocate the stairs to get it out of the in other words bring it farther to the east i guess to the left yes we could bring it further east and we could probably if we do an l-shaped set of steps we could bring that top step closer to you know further from the center line of the road and I think we could we could turn it around in a week, I think. Yeah, I think that's what we're looking to get it out of. So a car doesn't have to worry about hitting the trellis or hitting whatever, get the trellis stepping back if there's a trellis. There is a trellis now, but uh, there's an existing trellis, right? It's not, it's not, yes, there is a trellis. Yes, there is. So whether you have a trellis, you don't have a trellis, that's, a, that's part of that design effort for the week. Uh, if you if it's going to take you a week, it would. Uh, if you wanted a date certain, it would likely be March 29th. 29th. Is that is that a date that uh, yeah you we need something 14 days before that date for you to get it. So we need it by about the 14th or so, roughly 12, 13th, 14th. Maybe. Yeah, little. that would definitely work. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to confirm with Director Fitz before I commit to that. Yeah, I appreciate that, Chair. Uh, we would want to notice for the meeting on the 29th around March 16th. Um, so to the extent that applicant could get us information by then, we would be uh, supportive of a uh, continuance. Wait, what, was the, what was the date again? March 16th. March 16th. The, on the notice provision, I think if we, if we continue this to a date certain, you don't have to notice it again. Oh, you're you're correct. Yeah. Thank you, but we we would still want to get the you're still, you're, you're we still would still want to get the information the that week. Yes, March 29th. Uh, uh, Commissioner Fowler, did you have an additional question of the applicant? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, we we want we want you to get through this process as quickly as possible, too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> to see to see this project uh, come to fruition. But the question I have for you is, I just want to make sure. Uh, that you understand what our comments are and are comp have completely clear direction. So the next time you're here, it's smooth smooth sailing with with these these last pieces and parts. Yeah, so, I think I think I have a good idea of of what you guys are looking for. I do. Okay, um, I can make a, a motion uh, to continue this to a date certain of March 29th. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the uh, modifications we're looking for for the one parking spot, uh, reworking that front uh, with the arbor or trellis as you as you wish, um, and not just as a placeholder, but an actual design. Second. Uh, and let me ask: Was there any question about the arborist, or was it there additional information on the arborist information? No, no. it's clarified. Okay. Uh, so, uh, are there further questions or uh, from the rest of the commission? No. No. Uh, Director Fitz, can we take a roll call vote, please? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Saad? Yes. Commissioner Graff? Yes. Commissioner Feller? Yes. Chair Luxembourg? Yes. Motion passes. Uh, thank you. Uh, we will now move on to the next item on the agenda. Can you do me a favor and, yeah. Uh, get Andrew Delphine. You want to take a little break or anything? Uh, no, we're nope. just getting Andrew. Andrew had to recuse himself for uh, those two items, so he's now going to come back in. So just have to wait to. Um, yes. I, I could have asked. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, we can now move on to item 7C. 7C is 170 Gate 5 Road. It's a design review permit, a nonconformity permit. Uh, and Neil Toff, principal planner, will be doing a presentation on behalf of the staff. Uh, Neil, the uh, floor is yours. Thank you, Chair. Um, if you can give me a second, I had printed my final comments, but 
that's right fine. Now. Uh, go go get them. Thanks, Neil. For anybody listening in on Zoom or at home, uh, we're just waiting for the principal planner and we have full size drawings here that the applicant is sharing with us. We'll start in just a moment. Okay, thank you chair and members of the planning commission. My name is Neil Toft. I'm a principal planner now with the city of Sausalito. Um, the project before you tonight is application design review permit and nonconformity permit 2018-00405 for 170 Gate 5 Road. Uh, the applicant and property owner, Dan Morgan, is requesting planning commission approval of a design review permit and nonconformity permit to replace an existing 3,240 square foot industrial building with a new industrial building of the same size and footprint as the previous building. The project site is a 21,750 square foot parcel located in the Marineship Industrial District. As such, the site is governed, governed under the policies and programs of the Industrial Land Use Designation of the General Plan and the Marineship Specific Plan. The site is currently developed with two industrial structures and a two-story office building with 19 parking spaces located entirely on the site. The current structure is located near the rear of the site behind and adjacent to a more recently improved industrial structure of similar footprint and size. While the property has a driveway at the north corner to access Gate 5 Road, the site also utilizes a shared driveway easement on the adjacent parcel. And this is where the um, they really get access to the two industrial structures. Now the existing building is a simple corrugated metal structure with a large slider door for access, but virtually no windows. The new building would be constructed on a two foot concrete cap to raise the finished floor above flood levels. The structure is proposed to be taller than the existing structure, nearly meeting the 30 foot height limit above existing grade that surrounds the building. In raising the building level, a new ramp and landing area would be installed at the front entry, including a removable railing in order to access the loading at the roll-up door. The structure would be, would present a more contemporary industrial aesthetic. It would be composed of gray metal siding and bronze roofing with an assortment of vertical windows around the building. The front facade facing Southeast is composed primarily of glass and metal framing. 
The applicant is also proposing new landscaping planners at the front entry and landscaping improvements around the west and north perimeter of the building. And the project includes an on-site trash enclosure in the northwest corner of the parking lot. In the staff report, staff identified several policies and programs of the general plan, as well as a membership plan that apply to the project. One of the primary themes of these documents is to maintain the area as a working waterfront for general industrial uses, as well as marine and the arts, marine uses and the arts. Retaining the industrial use on the site is consistent with the intent of both the general plan and marine ship plan to maintain the area as a working waterfront, as opposed to primarily office use. While the building may stand out somewhat as a new structure, the project presents both architectural quality and innovative solutions to perpetuate the industrial uses on the site. In regard to the industrial marine ship district, the applicant is not proposing to affect any general zoning regulation changes except for the uh, change in height to the building. Uh, however, as we discussed in the staff report, the existing site slightly exceeds the 40% uh, site coverage limit and exceeds the 0 0.40 FAR limit at uh, 0.56 FAR. Further, the site does not provide adequate on-site parking of 32 spaces for the existing combination of uses, industrial and office uses. As such, the replacement of the building, a primary component of the developed site is subject to the requirements of section 10.62 governing non-conforming uses and structures. And I'll discuss that in a minute. Um, further, the project is subject to a design review permit Considering the findings for design reviews, staff notes that the area is characterized by a combination of one and two-story industrial buildings, with many of the one-story buildings being tall with high ceilings and large interior spaces to, to accommodate industrial uses and activities. The proposed structure will be tucked into the rear of the portion of the property surrounded by similar structures. While the peak of the proposed building will nearly maximize the permitted height limit, the gable roof reduces the perception of bulk and complements the scale of the adjacent structure. The project remains generally consistent with the scale of structures and buildings in the surrounding neighborhood. In our report, staff concluded that the project does not impact views, light, or air enjoyed by surrounding neighbors or the general public. Now, I will note that since the staff report was issued, staff was made aware of concerns from the neighbor at 90 Gate 5 Road. Uh, there was a letter that was provided as late mail. It's it's on the agenda. Um, and in viewing that site today, it is noted that the adjacent site contains an expansive one-story industrial structure that runs along much of the north property line. Uh, however, the site does contain an open yard space at the west corner, uh, kind of adjacent to the rear of the existing industrial building. That's the subject of the project of the project. This yard area has a great elevation about one to two feet below that of the project site and is largely used for uh, vehicle and equipment storage. The rear of the existing building, uh, the project site building is very apparent from this vantage point. And the increase in height would increase the obstruction of light and air from that current current building. So while staff has provided findings for design review approval, 
A planning commission should determine whether the increase in height to the structure constitutes, constitutes a significant impact to an industrial storage yard area and whether modifications to the project are warranted in order to better comply with the design review findings. I note that it appears that the two property owners in my discussions with each of them have had discussions on this issue, uh, including potential mitigation measures, but they have not reached any conclusions on those. In regard to the nonconformity permit, replacement of the industrial building will serve to maintain the industrial use as a major component of the site. And while the project does not necessarily replicate the prior building, it retains the footprint, addresses the matters of flooding and sea level rise, and does not create additional impacts from the use. Retention of the industrial building and landscaped areas preclude the possibility of additional parking in that on the site as well. So the continuance of the non parking nonconformity may be justified as the limited parking may incentivize keeping a, a, a less intensive parking use uh, in the industrial building. Staff concludes the requisite findings can be made to approve a nonconformity permit to maintain the nonconforming coverage and floor area condition and to waive further parking requirements. However, uh, while the height increase in height does not exacerbate any of the specific nonconformities, the approval of the nonconformity permit is contingent upon approval of a design review permit. So a couple other items in regard to CEQA, the Historic Preservation Committee reviewed the historic resource determination information on July 21st of last year. At the time, the commission determined the subject property does not satisfy the qualifying criteria for consideration as a historical resource. As such, we recommend it's categorically exempt from CEQA uh, under the category that replacement of a commercial structure with a new structure of substantially the same size, purpose, and capacity. Um, I'd like to apologize. I, the staff report did fail to mention that the applicant did engage with the sea level rise task force who assessed the project relative to potential impacts of sea level rise. And on January 15th of uh, this year, the task force issued a sea level rise project assessment, finding it is consistent with the task force task force's recommendations on state planning guidance. And those materials, however, um, those memos and materials were attached in the staff report. And this is also referenced in the resolution that we've provided. So in conclusion, given the new information provided by the direct, by the neighbor, a staff recommends the commission determine whether a design review permit and a nonconformity permit can be approved for the project as proposed. Uh, we have provided an attached draft resolution, uh, which provides findings and conditions of approval. So in conclusion, the Planning Commission may approve the project as proposed or subject to very specific uh, modifications. Uh, continue the hearing for additional information and or project revisions or direct staff to prepare a resolution of denial uh, stating the specific reasons any one or more of the findings cannot be made. So do you have any questions? Uh, 
Uh, Neil, thank you very much for your report. And yes, we'll, we're going to go to questions. Before we do that, if I could just get two clarifications. One, I'm I'm very confused on this height part. Is uh, the height limit is 32 feet, but they're proposing 43.7, and I realize the finished floor is 12.4. But can you run me through the calculation that says that that meets the height requirement? I mean, I understand it's an averaging. Uh, run me through the math of how 41. 43.7 would be within the 32 foot height limit. I'm not sure where where are you getting 32 40 40 is, is on the on the little drawing and is that the is that the elevation that, that's an elevation number not okay, not so the, the height of the feet the elevation above sea level that's not the height limit Correct. So is the peak 32 feet from 3111 From the ground outside of where the where the cars would be, that's what they're showing. Okay. That that's so that's, that's the conceptually that's about the height of it. Okay. Yes. All right. That was first question. The second question, uh, just to clarify, there is a, there is a planting plan in the set of drawings that was online. It is not in the paper set, and I couldn't make heads or tails of of how it worked or what it was. But is it is that was that a mistake or is that it's not in. I don't see it in this in the print drawings at all. Um, well, I did ask to. I'm not sure if they provided. Maybe they did not provide the planting plan in the drawings. We can certainly put it up on the screen. Yeah, if you could put that up. Can you just orient me uh, to where's the parking lot side as opposed to the other side? The parking lot side's to the right, correct? In that drawing. That's the irrigation plan. The, 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 no, I know, but that's the irrigation plan. The planning plan is the one I'm asking is on the right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what I thought. So can you just point out where the roll up doors are? There's some sort of planning. Oh, there's a small But if you look at the if you look at this this drawing here, that would be where this door is. The planting would be where this door is, and then the roll up doors. I don't. There's no. Here, here, here is no. Okay, so the planting that goes in front, it doesn't look like there's room for planting in in the front. Yes, okay. So, all right. So I, I was going crazy trying to, maybe this is backwards or whatever. No, okay. 
So we'll, we'll get some more questions on that, but I'll, I'll hold my questions still after the other commissioners at this point. I just wanted a clarification on the height and that planting area. Uh, with that, uh, I'll start with Commissioner Saad, uh, questions of, of staff. Thank you, Chair. Um, and thank you for clarifying for the landscaping. I, I too was having a similar question. Um, can you, these drawings are very helpful that we have in front of us now on paper. Um, can you explain the existing grade just for the record so we're all aligned on on what the grade is currently? Well, I think the the way to explain the the grading plan um, to me was is is not very explicit or clear about grading itself. It's more of an improvement plan. but the the basic premise is that the footprint of the building, will have a concrete is basically being raised and the grade around it is not being raised and except for like the front patio area um, that front um, landing and um, rampway and potentially a rear um, sort of landing as well i think if that's shown in the in the grading plan but you may ask you the applicants know exactly what they want to do, or they should have a pretty good idea. I'll, I'll wait for them on that then. Thank you. But I, I do I do say the if a grading plan I would prefer to have, and this is because this is a plan that actually had been a, sort of approved as a final, was set for hearing uh, late last year, and then went, that was held off. It went through the sea level rise task force. So this has been a project kind of in the process since 2018, early 2019. It's been through several iterations. Um, the, but uh, ideally a grading plan would at one point include a very simple graphic of just dirt kind of showing graphically what areas are being cut, what's being filled and what the differential is. And that you can't quite read that out of this plan. So, and then with the elevations, it's at such a scale that it's hard to tell. There's there's not a what I would call a really great section through each of the each of the buildings. But I believe that the main intent is to really just create a cap and then have the finished floor raised up about two feet from that from the existing grade. Okay, thank you. And I'll I'll save that for the applicant. I appreciate that. That's the struggle I was having um, in terms of trying to read that. Um, and then let me ask you, from what I was reading in the sea level rise task force, um, could you repeat what you said? Is, 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 are they, is staff and the sea level rise task force aligned? Because the way that I was reading this report was that there were some concerns around carbon emissions and the concrete and that they, you know, there's samples from other properties. Can you just clarify that a little bit? Well, I think um, I'm not sure I'd say we're aligned. This, the sea level rise task force is reviewing the reviews, the project for, I guess, consistency with what they're viewing as the, the, the best model practice model for applying sea level rise, potential sea level rise in these areas. Um, not None of this is really codified. Um, so it's a process that that's really the applicants are engaging with them. They're looking at the engineering, they're looking at the modeling numbers, 
and comparing that. I'm not a hydrologist, so the the basis that the sea level rise task force did conclude that it complied with their model and some of their um, concerns they raised, there was an addendum that the applicants actually provided and they could probably describe that a little better, just you know how they're kind of addressing those concerns. Okay, thank you. Because I think one of the concerns had to do with uh, um, you know further sinking. Uh, exactly, that's and, what was called out. Yeah, the weight, the weight of the cap, and the p potential sinking, and and then the use of concrete. Yes, thank you. Okay, I will to say that for the applicant. Um, those were all my questions, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Uh, Commissioner Graff. No questions at this time. Thank you, Commissioner Graff. Commissioner Feller. Uh, thank you, Chair. And Neil, thank you for the presentation. I'm, for the moment, looking at the renderings and the drawings that, that you just provided us before your presentation. Can you just walk me through those a little bit? Um, should should we assume that there's a... a, a um, um, that this is a light industrial project with office space to support that light industrial work and that this is a roll top door at the front of the project sort of at the at the main entrance is that that was referenced before so can you confirm that confirm that it's a I, I'm I'm not sure you're asking to that this is an industrial project or do we you said it was office and light industrial and i believe oh. down here it's the office space can only support light industrial it can't be an office space well there's a there's existing office space on the site the, there's the two-story building at the front of the property right off gate five road do you want to show me what you're referring okay. to can you bring up the site plan uh, maybe to help Neil clarify, I think what he's saying, there's three buildings on the site. Yeah. And, and, and that's, it's not, they're not proposing that for this particular building. Right. That's why I'm trying to, we, we, we went through these calculations it was, and uh, spent a lot of time on them with the general plan and through planning commission. So I want to make sure we get this right. Yes. Yeah, I want to talk about this this project only that is in front of us, though. Okay. And so I, I understand that. I understand that. So can you point out on these renderings, it, 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 if this is in an, a light industrial building, um, do we have an idea what the use in there might be specific to it? Or because uh, I'm trying to figure out if you if, if you're raising this building on a plinth, how are you getting any kind of equipment in and out that one may or may not find in light industrial use? Well, they've, they're proposing and they probably have a better idea of what their um, you know, target 
sort of tenant occupancy is, but they are proposing a roll-up door. But just basic function. I'm not talking about the tenant, basic function, because you've got a permanent railing in front of this door that you're talking about. Well, they, they have a note on it saying a removable, like like an operable railing. But then you're you're up, you're, it's on a plinth. So what can you explain? Well, kind of like a, like a loading bay, I guess, would be the concept. So is it ramped not just down what I'll call to the right, but also towards us? Is it? All it's not ramped towards us. It's, yeah. it's, it would so, be it would be like a it would be sort of like maybe this high or so or a little lower. So I'm just trying to figure out how it functions. So I, I know you've spent a lot of time going through the project and working with the applicant. So and you're recommending an approval. So I want to make sure we're we are clear with how this functions. So can you explain it? I could only explain that you have a large roll-up door. As I said, all they have is a detail set of the notes saying that the removable Okay. And they have no tenant proposed. They've got very little interior detail. It's 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 a vanilla shell sort of approach to the to the use yeah and other than that they're design you know indicating it's for industrial use i'll i'll ask the applicant when when it's when it's time for that it just seems a little odd that you have such a huge roll-up door um there and nothing that large could get in or out of it based on the the width of that ramp or having permanent railing so i'm just curious about the function of it um, but I'll, let me move on with some of the other questions I, I had. Um, so, you know, there, there are power lines that run um, alongside, I'll call it the, the west side of the, the, the building. And in fact, the story poles were sort of down uh, today when I went by again, but we've had some terrible weather, so it's not totally surprising. But those power lines are really, really close. And so is there is there any discussion with PG E to help underground part of that? Or is there an easement on this applicant's property by PG E uh, where those power lines are? Because I mean they're really, really close to this. Yeah, I think the applicant had, and I saw in the record, and this had been reconciled some time back, that the applicant had worked with Public Works on the question of doing undergrounding, and whether um, the the project qualified for one that would have to underground would be required to underground, and I believe their conclusion, and it's reflected in the conditions, was not not after some back and forth on it was that it would not be required underground. They would meet an exception. But I can find out more because I don't remember the detail on that. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think that this is a really interesting project. I mean, uh, I'm just, though the, the height of this building just kind of coincides with exactly where those power lines are. So what I don't want to have happen, because there also seem to be very loose power lines, like saggy. When I say loose, they're very saggy. I don't want them ending up on this building. Um, so I just want to be mindful of that. And that's not necessarily the 
applicant's fault that it's that way, clearly. I mean, they're not their power lines, but um, I just want to be mindful of the conditions that we're dealing with here and, and ensuring that we're setting this up for some success. Um, can, can you go back to the parking again? Um, you say there, there are 19 existing spots. Um, am I repeating that correctly? That's what I counted on the site plan. Okay. And that doesn't include any anything designated for loading dock or loading area or anything like that. It's pure parking. Yeah, those were parking, okay. including ADA spaces. Yeah. And and that but this the the project as a whole would require 32. Am I remembering that number correctly? That's a calculation I arrived at after multiplying the um the office space as office demand and the two industrial buildings as industrial demand. Okay. And then I just, I, I wasn't sure I completely understood a comment that you made. So I wrote it down and, and maybe I heard it wrong. So correct me, but you were talking about the neighbors and there have been discussions about some mitigative measures. Was that regarding height or am I remembering what you mentioned correctly? I think it was discussions on impact, but I wasn't party. I'm, I heard some from one and some from another and not necessarily a, so I was, I was kind of, the point I was getting at in the presentation is I do understand they've, they've had conversation. I think they both indicated they've had conversations oh. on it okay. and they're aware of the, the, the project and the potential various issues and whether there were some solutions or mitigations, but I've, I've had to advise, of course, what the city enforces is what the city approves and plan. Okay. Um, okay. I think those, the, those are my questions for now. I, I, I appreciate it, Neil. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, chair. Thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, Commissioner, uh, Vice Chair Juniors. Thank you, uh, Chair Luxembourg. Um, Neil, thank you for the uh, the report. Uh, it's clear enough to me. Um, I do I do want to talk a little bit and ask you some questions about the nonconformity permit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's pretty clear that the footprint's not changing, right? And so I think that's probably the main uh, thrust here in terms of the nonconformity. Um, you know, I'm familiar with the concept. I'm not that familiar with this, the the local rule here in Sausalito. There's, so there's no issue at all with the nonconformity of increasing the height. That's that's completely within the discretion of the city to approve that. It's, there's no limitation on the height. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not going to be exceeding the height. And it's not the height that's the nonconformity particularly itself. Um, the language that's applied, you know, the language of the nonconformity permit section is um, it's challenging because it's using a lot of different parameters right. to kind of draw a conclusion of what your process is. Um, but the there seems to be suggestion in there that you can substantially renovate within a site like this and not necessarily replicate. Um, and that by the, you know, the design review process provides the, you know, the, the backdrop or default of whether or not those those types of renovations or changes are are really acceptable, um, so I I, th I think it's within the purview uh, to do it. I would note the 
you know, certainly there's a need to raise the building just to begin with in order to deal with sea level rise. There's a number of other policies and things that could end up driving that better than just doing it through a nonconformity permit, uh, changing height limits or something. Um, but the fact that it's nonconforming because of the site coverage and the floor area and the parking are not are are not necessarily, you know, driving the the issue of the height. Yep. Yep. Thank you for that. I I I completely agree, and I think. I think it is interesting that that we are not suggesting here that the the it's the footprint that can't increase, and it's probably I would also probably say and confirming here this is still even though it's a tall building, it's still a one story building. It's a big volume, right? That's yeah. From what I can tell from our code, is it's the stories are really defined by the floors that are installed within the buildings. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable. It's a it's an unusual situation, but I, I do think it fits squarely within the nonconformity parameters. So I appreciate that. Thanks, Neil. Can I ask a, a follow-on question, Vice Chair? Is part of the nonconformity though the issue with the parking, not just the footprint? Yes. Okay. Well, and I I certainly I applied it that way because the site is nonconforming in terms of parking. Um but the the nonconforming permit has some particular language about waiving parking standards. So it it sort of treats parking a little differently. Like it has a very specific stand, uh, standard or finding for waiving parking. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Oh, uh, I just have a couple of questions. Uh, some of which probably for the applicant. So going back to this issue of use, uh, it's some type of industrial use, uh, I will ask the applicant. It, it would be helpful to understand the use to sit, figure out if it needs the 31 feet, 11 inches, because if it's one kind of industrial use, maybe it does, maybe a couple of feet could come off of that, might solve some of the, mitigate some of the issue. So I'll, I'll hold that question. The other question is the role of, from the latest drawings, which uh, are new today, it looks like the roll-up door is like like uh, opaque glass, and uh, are, are the rest of this open glass? Do you know if this is? I mean, the, 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 this looks like it's a, a sort of opaque roll-up. Uh, that the, this whole pane thing is a roll-up door. You you believe from what you understand? Yeah, it wasn't detailed very well, so I'm okay. I'm kind of nodding like I, uh, i'll ask you know. up into that and then you think that this railing is physically easily to remove and you could back up a truck that has a high level and just take stuff right off the truck like a loading dock well i would have liked to have seen more of, again it's not very detailed so and i don't know how these things may or may not work i think it could like it's certainly possible that it's functional and could work and obviously you know, at the back of supermarkets, et cetera, you do have loading bays for, you know, product and things. Um, but I think the the point made by Chair Feller is, is that different from an industrial building where you really need to something kind of at greater ramp to be out, to be getting in there, you know. Yeah. And then the, the landscape, there, there appears to be no landscaping in front even though the landscape- Not in the drawings, yeah. Yeah, on that drawing, but the, so that's a question. I'll, I'll ask that of the applicant. The, um, let me see what I've got here. 
Um, yeah, those are the questions I have. So th at this point, uh, there are other questions from the commission. Uh, thank you, Chair. I would just ask Neil, I mean, these are very, very helpful, what we keep putting up here, you know, showing like this. If you can just make sure that they're also posted to the agenda for everybody watching on Zoom or at home or in the future for reference, they're, they're really very helpful. So okay. thank you. We'll get them attached in the record. Yeah. And, yeah. and the other uh, the other thing I would certainly offer regarding use is, you know, you're approving a design and a structure. Um, and there can be an intent to accommodate a specific use. And that might be, you know, a important point that, you know, sways decisions or so on. But remember, uses come and go. And what you're really approving is an a building for industrial use. And it'll ultimately be up the city to review for the occupancy, you know, occupancy permits and enforcement of, you know, use types and things like that. So. Yeah, thank you. I understand that. It's just uh, it affects our, our sort of thought process on the height, which is I got really you. what we got for us today. So uh, with that, um, uh, we'll look for the applicant to make a presentation. The applicant has 15 minutes. Uh, if you want to reserve some time, so if there's any public comment, you'll have time to respond to that as well. With your name and address for the record, that'd be appreciated. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Dan Morgan. My address is my office at 150 Gate 5 Road, the office building. Um, I, I want to give you a little bit of history about how this came about. I have worked on several buildings in that area, and I love the Marin ship because I don't get the opportunity to come visit you for design review projects. So, and that's the case with 160 Gate 5 Road, which is the smaller of these two buildings. Um, but the foundation on 170 Gate 5 Road is so bad, it's cracked, it's failed, and it's got a grease pit like for working underneath cars. And the high point, I agree that the, the elevations are a little bit wonky because one of the reasons is the floor from one corner to the high point to the low point is 18 inches out. So when the city said, you got to get an elevation certificate, I said, well, which end of the building should I get that from? It's part of it's in the floodplain, part of it's not. So anyway, it, the, the determination was made to remove this building and replace it. That doesn't make any sense to put a new foundation under an old building. And to do that, I, my desire was, well, gee, if I'm going to replace this building, I, I want the most utility I can get out of this property. I don't have a specific use in mind. Um, I, I want to build it and hope they'll come, but uh, there's nothing like it. There will be nothing like it. And the height limit, the height is important. Um, I can go a couple of feet, but I want the most utility I can get out of this building. And the roll up door is big. And the, the, I'm going to design the structure. My permit for this will be just a metal building. When I get a tenant, I will come back for a with, with a tenant improvement package and it'll be suited for that tenant. But the building's going to be designed to uh, be able to have a crane if need be um, for an industrial use. And I, I have no idea. The only the a year or two ago, um, talked to the the wine, the whiskey brewery and they were thinking of a distillery there. I don't know if that's that's a possibility, but that would be a nice use. 
Um, that's the history. I'm going to let Adam, the arc, my architect who designed it, answer all the hard questions that you have because I've been with this so long and it's changed so many times. It's it's been hard, a little hard to follow. So Adam Gardner with WHA is the designer, and with that, I'll let him take over. Thank you, Dan. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, Adam Gardner with WHA Architects. We're based in San Ramon. I grew up in Marin, done a lot of work over here. And I've done several projects for Dan in Marinship. As he mentioned, some of them are facade remodels and things like that. Um, so this is kind of a fun project. The, the 160 Gate 5, the building immediately adjacent, was remodeled a few years ago. Dan did that. Um, so we kind of use that as a cue um, to come up with a similar material palette, but different colors and different um, aesthetic. As Dan mentioned, the, the use, I'll kind of, I took some notes as... Uh, you made some comments, and I'll see if I can hit most of those or all of them. Um, Dan touched on the height. Again, 32 feet is allowed. It's measured from existing grade. There's a, a formula where you take points around the building and create an average grade. So what we did, we just did the math to come up with 32 feet. So it says 32.11, you know, or an inch below, but we're at 32 feet. Um, staff report mentions 30 feet. It's 30 feet above the finished floor of the building. So there's a two-foot differential between the ground and the floor, and that has to do with the over slab that's going to be built to essentially cover the existing slab that, as Dan mentioned, is sloping. So it's about a six inch th thick slab in one corner, and then it'll be about two feet or a foot and a half in the other corner. So once that slab's built, then we're building a 30 foot tall structure on top of that. And the 30 feet's to the peak. So the roof slopes down at four and 12. It's about a five foot differential from the peak to the wall. So the wall is about 25 feet high uh, above the existing above the new slab, 27 feet above the ground. The existing building adjacent, um, it's noted on one of our plans in a little tiny type, it's 21 feet tall to the peak. So this new building will actually be 11 feet taller than the existing building. So in terms of scale. So it's not twice as tall, it's about a third or 50% taller, if you want to think of it that way. Um, Can I just ask a quick question? Yes, sure. uh, you, there was supposedly an 18 inch differential. Mm -hmm. So what uh, in your calculations, where did you, it, when it, since the, the ground slopes or something? Or? The, the, the interior slab of the existing building slopes about 18 inches from one corner to the other. Okay. So imagine that one corner is essentially a grade. Okay. And the other side, well, actually it's below grade. The other corner is sticking up a little bit. So when we pour the new slab on top of the existing slab, it'll be level and it'll be about a two foot differential from the new slab to the low point of the existing slab, which is essentially grade. Okay, all right, thank you. And, and that, that leads to um, several issues about, or questions about this ramp and this, call it a loading dock. Um, we have to raise the slab. We can't raise the grade all around the building. There's an existing parking lot on one side and there's an existing building on the other side. And then we have a distance to the property line. We didn't want to raise the grade all the way around the building because that affects the adjacent property owners. So we took advantage of the fact that we're creating extra height relative to the parking lot by essentially creating a loading dock. So as was discussed, you know, in certain types of buildings, when you bring a truck perhaps or a trailer, they often have uh, ramps that go up and down. So that ramp could back up, the truck with a ramp could back up to this loading dock, remove the railing, and then that ramp from the truck could easily 
be positioned so that it's level with the interior slab. We also have a pedestrian handicap ramp on the right side of the building to get in and out of this building. It's a commercial use, so it needs handicapped access. So that has two ways of getting into the building. One is through this loading dock, removable railing, and the other is through a pedestrian ramp on the right-hand side. And I apologize that the landscape plan is one iteration prior. It, it's when we did the math and got the final grading, we figured out that the ramp had to be a little longer. So we actually put the pedestrian entrance on the far left side of the building. It used to be in the middle. And then at one time it was at the right. So it moved around a little bit. So you're correct. There's no landscaping in front. It's a very industrial building. It's it's hard to the to the paving. Um, is the is the in front of the rolling door is that flat? Yes. Okay, yes. The ramp good. starts to the right of right. the rolling door. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. So use industrial and again Dan clearly stated we don't know exactly, but I mean imagine building a sailboat in this building. It'd be amazing because you could have the door is 15 feet tall. You could have a superstructure on top of the deck of the boat. You could have a keel. You could bring it in and out. You could perhaps even set up a part of the mast, or you could build the mast or sails, things like that. So that height is really amazing for a building like this, single story. And it gives a lot of possibilities for the use. Um, working with Sea Level Rise Group, another feature or benefit of how we've designed this building is we have 10-foot tall um, entry door system. So it's an eight foot swinging door, and then there's a two foot transom. Then there's a horizontal bar, and then there's glass up. So we can, in theory, raise the building an additional two feet in the next 90 years, whenever the sea level rises, and not have to rebuild the whole building. We can pour another slab if we have to on top of this. And in terms of the concrete, I think the disconnect there is concrete, as we know, is not the greatest for the environment because of the carbon in it. But it's a solution that works well with this type of building. It's a solution that solves um, the sea level rise of raising the slab. So um, I think we just have to figure out the best type of concrete if that ever happens or when that happens. Uh, I talked about single story, existing grade, the 3D renderings we did create for this presentation. So. Uh, we brought them tonight. Um, I think I may have gotten most of your comments. Have you had any other questions? Uh, thank you, Will. You've got five minutes, okay. 49 seconds left. We can reserve So that. if uh, there are other public comments or whatever, you'll have a chance for rebuttal. Okay. Uh, at this point, we'll stay up there. We'll ask questions from uh, from the commission. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, um, what? I had a quick question. Yeah. In the addendum to the sea level rise task force uh, comments, you had mentioned using gravel or rock as a fill to lighten, potentially yes, lighten. Is that correct? Yeah, as we know, concrete slabs are heavy. If it's solid concrete, depending on what elevation the slab would need to be raised to and at what point in time we would raise it, um, let's say we had to raise it a foot, a slab might only need to be six inches. So, so the gravel. that comment was applying to when you raised yes. the slab. Yes. I just because uh, currently, was... and again, the current structural design hasn't been prepared. But the new slab that covers this existing concrete sloping slab will be a combination of gravel and structural concrete. So there will be some gravel below the new slab as currently designed before we raise it up for sea level rise. 
Okay. Um, with that, uh, questions, uh, Commissioner Graff. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, you're showing a little awning over the windows on the rear elevation. Mm -hmm. I just happened to notice that and was kind of wondering about it. Uh, it doesn't seem to have much to do with anything else in the building. Um, um, <clears throat> the other thing that I find uh, missing from the information that we've got is like a site, uh, like a section through the proposed building uh, to the adjacent site, showing the difference in height mm -hmm. of 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 your uh, proposed project and the and the uh, next door neighbor, um, <clears throat> and also uh, I'd point out that the rendering that you did does not even remotely indicate that there's anything behind the building and there's a lot going on behind the building. So I'm just <clears throat> pointing that out. Um, uh, let's see. Most of these are um, for discussion. What is, what is the advantage of actually joining the two buildings? Is that a structural uh, consideration. Um, it, it's in other words, they're you know, li literally. It's uh, it's an existing sharing walls. Well, they're not sharing walls. It'll actually be well, two separate walls. Yeah, but I mean, the, the the reality is that's how it is now. Yeah, and so we're using the same footprint exactly. Uh -huh. So we're just building on top of what's there now, rather than creating a gap that um, would serve no purpose. Okay. Um. And I guess uh, I'm wondering why so much glass on the front of the building? Uh, it's partly an aesthetic concern. It, it's facing kind of um, southeast, so it's not getting the harsh afternoon sun. Um, I think it would be pretty spectacular space in there. You know, there's distance views all over Marinship to various parts of Sausalito, the hills. So if you're in this space, it's just going to be a pretty spectacular space to be able to look out that glass wall. And also for people traveling within the, the, the complex or even on Coloma Street, um, you can look into this use and see what's going on. It's, it's not like a house or something that we're, we're trying to hide. As Dan mentioned, if it was a whiskey brewery, it'd be pretty amazing to look inside and see those giant tanks and see what's going on inside this building and really kind of share that with the community. You can almost think of it as an art <laughs> exhibit. I mean, it's 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 a use. It's an industrial use, maybe a maritime use, mm -hmm. that the community could participate in by seeing inside this building. So, kind of see it as a glass lantern in that sense. Commissioner Graff, can I just ask a follow-on uh, with regard to the glass? Uh, sure, is it pretty done for now? No, no, no I, mean, I wanted to understand if there's yeah. clear glass or opaque. That's glass. a good question. This is a SketchUp model that uh, we didn't render the interior. So, if you make the glass perfectly clear in the rendering you see all the way through it and you see all the unfinished interior it's intended to be clear glass so all the glass is clear yes There's no opaque glass correct okay. thank you yeah um commissioner Rath, any other follow-on questions not right now thank you 
Commissioner Feller. Uh, thank you, Chair, uh, and thank you for answering some of those questions sure. in your presentation. Um, are, where are the restrooms and um, facilities yeah. in the building? It's a good question. One of the drawings kind of hints at that the landscape plan actually shows um, a mirror image of a bathroom that's in the adjacent building. It would be a tenant improvement type of um, situation where the tenant would say, this is what we what we envision inside and we'd have to come back with a tenant improvement plan that would show a bathroom. So again, as Dan mentioned, it's a shell building until a use is defined and a tenant is identified. Dan would come back with another set of plans that we prepared as working drawings that would show the required bathroom and any interior walls if there were to be any. That being said, yeah. we plumbed it yes, okay. to show, we plumbed it, we stubbed it in the plumbing in the middle of the building on the non-window wall in about that location. So when I do a tenant improvement plan, I'm gonna really strongly encourage that's where the bathrooms are gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, um, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I, um, you know, the idea of having some maritime use or building a boat in here, I think would be really, really super cool. I actually like the glass, but I, I really do want you to walk me through a couple scenarios of using this roll-up door. Okay. I understand what you mean by a truck backing up. We've all seen that before, and you can move the, the, um, um, you know, railings out of the way. But this is also your primary access to a pedestrian, handicapped or not, getting into your building. Right. It it appears to be at least. So. Oh, yeah. okay. So if if you're using it as a loading dock, how does everyone else get in, in and out of the building? Yeah. Well, we have, again, we have two entrances. We have the pedestrian entrance, which is past the loading dock, and then we have the loading dock. Right. So again, whoever's occupying this building knows that. They work around that, and they accommodate access during loading or not loading zones. Um, you know, a scenario would be maybe it's a paint shop inside or something that that has that, and they open the door. They get all this ventilation coming yeah. in. Um you know, just just pick a, an idea of a, a use inside, and that door just provides so many more possibilities. The fact that we had to raise it up to meet the repair of the slab puts us two and a half feet or so, two feet above the grade, which requires that ramp. Yeah. So originally we didn't have this removable railing concept, and we kind of struggled with that too. It's like, well, what's the use of the big door? It's just looks cool. And it's neat to be able to open it and get that ventilation. So then we thought, well, let's remove the railing. So it's it's a temporary railing. It's you know it's just set in okay. bollards. So that gets set aside during the occasional or maybe often loading operations, depending on the use. Yeah. You know, there may be three people working in here, maybe ten. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out to the sea level rise task force. Um, that that was very smart move and it's most appreciated uh, by by the commission so thank you for that um, and I I liked your comment about you know the thoughts on how to handle future mitigative measures uh, should should you be uh, in a managed retreat situation like everybody else yeah. around you you might not be in this building which is good but that doesn't quite work for your roll-up door uh, the roll-up door is actually a sectional roll-up door okay. made up of two-foot sections, and you okay. can actually remove a section from a roll-up door. So it's you quite can. modular in that sense. Yeah. So that's what you're planning on here yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. 
because your typical garage door in a house that rolls up four sections, they actually install the tracks. They put the bottom section yeah. in first, stack the second one, third one, fourth one. Yeah. So you can imagine you could just take that top section out, cut sure. the tracks and remove it. Um, and do you have any comments or thoughts about these PG&E power lines that I was asking Neil about yeah. um, and where you are yeah. uh, regarding that? I mean, I, I know you can't control, I mean, and certainly if you did, that would be awesome, uh, PG&E. I mean, no one seems to be, but but they're, they are very close to this, to the top of the building here, or at least where the, the eave is, and there's concern there. Understood. The that's um, it's in the back corner. The PG&E trunk line is in the back corner, and currently it sags. What the what the plan is is it's going to enter the building through a mast, a steel mm -hmm. mast, mm -hmm. that goes up from the low point, and then it goes away from the property. So it's never to the pole, which is 15 feet away. Um, it's, it's never going to get near the peak of the building. It's going to come from the top of the pole down to the corner, a mast that's going to be at the corner of the building. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're comfortable with it? Well, PG, my PG&E designer said that's how it has to be. Okay. And from their perspective, his perspective. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Um, and have you explored um, any other options either on this property or any other property that you own in the area where additional parking could be deeded to those other parcels to accommodate this project? You know, we don't have a parking problem on Coloma Street on the other properties. And primarily that's because one of the buildings is Sausalito Mini Storage. And we just don't, that doesn't have a high parking requirement. So we don't, I have, 50, 50, 50 tenants plus or minus, and we never have ha, never have had an issue with parking, even even when we're one hundred percent full. So I can accommodate the parking um, if it becomes an issue, but it's really not even been an issue with uh, sure one fifty and one sixty. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I know certainly this commission has seen a lot of other projects on parcels that you might not own. So there's a lot of development down in this area. So even though it might, you know, today might not be a problem, uh, your your building might not be a problem. The area is certainly getting more built up and and will theoretically therefore get more congested. So I I, I want to know if you've looked into those options and thought about that um, for you know and how to how to bring your project into conformity because it won't be in conformity regarding the parking. It hasn't been in conformity since the last that. 50 years. And, know uh, you know, we're hoping to, it, it depends on what, what the use is going to be. Now, the, 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 the whiskey distillery was a great use because they would have two or three people in there during the daytime and they could provide tours and on in the evenings and off hours on the weekends. That's, that's a, that, to that extent, I've thought about it that with that particular tenant. If we uh, if we have an issue, like we park somewhere else on on the adjacent properties. Yeah, do you have other parcels that you can right, send people to? Right, that I, aren't being used? I do, and that's if you look at the staging. That, that's the question: is you know, could those be deeded to this property to ensure that in you know in the future, and 
that it would be conforming uh, and there'd be enough parking. So I think you've answered the question. The answer is you don't think that there's a, a problem now. So I just want to know if you'd explored it. Um, I would be willing to deed deed restrict or assign or um, I guess think it's a joint parking easement with the number of spaces that it would take to bring it up to conforming. Okay. Appreciate that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Feller. Uh, Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Chair. Um, I was just wondering if either of you are in the position to maybe discuss a little bit, I think from um, what was mentioned earlier about the neighboring property, that there were some discussions around possible mitigations. Can anyone expand on that? Yes, I had a conversation with my neighbor and his his property is, well, he's Ted, my the property line, my building is set back 10 feet from the property line. His buildings are right on the property line and he's got a little area that's carved out that he, he uses for uh, light and relaxation. Um, we we had some conversations and I, I quite honestly don't remember what they were. We, we had some common ground and I, I don't want to put words in his mouth and I don't, I can't put them in here. So um, I'm willing to, willing to work with them. And I, I, what I can't do is I can't move the footprint and I can't really, the way the building's designed, it, it would be difficult to lower a portion of it. But, but what I can say to that, if I, if I may, is it, it is a single story building. So the activity is at ground level. Granted, we might be a foot or two or so higher than them, but there's a fence. That fence could be more solid, perhaps. We could potentially plant a row of trees or cypress or something along that to create a little more of a taller visual buffer. Because again, if we're gonna be a few feet above that property and walking around inside our building to look over a fence, as is the case in any of these um, areas. And as Neil mentioned, it's, it's an industrial use next door. So it's technically not like a house or someone's backyard. So however someone chooses to use it, it's up to them, but it is an industrial zone. And bearing that in mind, we're not actually creating a two-story building that looks into it anyway. So, um, you know, those, those are some comments. Sure. And I wasn't clear on what the potential issues that the neighbor was raising outside of what we've seen from, you know, public comments. So I don't, I don't know if it's so much a privacy concern, but that's, that's interesting to hear. Um, I think in terms of what I did read that came through um, potential shadows, uh, and I'm not saying this is a requirement I'm discussing with my colleagues, but would you be open to a shadow study if required just from, from the height of the building becoming so increased to what it is currently? I mean, if that's what makes it work, but we've done shadow studies for a lot of projects. The, the, the building faces kind of southwest. So if, if we can pull up the site plan, possibly, um, you can, without doing an actual shadow study, I can kind of just explain that the general idea is that if there's going to be shade blocking, it's going to be um, in the morning hours, mostly in the early morning hours, because that's where the sun rises on the east. So on... Is this the preferred page? Happy to take direction. Yeah. So, so I, oh, 
this direction, correct? <laughs> okay. I would say it's down, but Commissioner Sai, can I ask a follow on Absolutely. to that if you don't mind? Absolutely. I, I'm assuming that uh, your other neighbors don't have solar panels on their roofs and you would not be creating, uh, you know, any kind of shadow on those solar panels. Is that correct? I don't I haven't looked. I, I don't know that I would know. No, the, the, that particular property at 90 gate five does not have any solar panels. Okay. There's a row of trees along a portion of that. Yeah, I just didn't know if it would block solar. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. My only last question, absolutely, that's a great question. My only last question, and forgive me, it's late. So can we just clarify on that landscaping plan? Is that just, is that out? Are we saying we would? It's out in the sense that there's no landscaping in front because of the ramp. Ramp, right. Loading dock. What remaining space we have to landscape, the landscape plan somewhat addresses that. I mean, it's, it's not an extensive landscape plan. The idea is that we have an ex, a side door that the occupant of this building can use to come out and then they have a little yard there, whether it's an industrial yard with paving and you know hardscape for whatever activities they want to do outside, or whether it's some sort of softer landscape. Um, the landscape plan kind of hints at that in the previous layout. Okay, thank you. The, the rear door is out also. Yes, we eliminated the rear door. That's a fixed door. So there would not be activity coming in and out of the back of the building, which is another point about perhaps intrusion or privacy. The, the exit door, the second required exit door is on the side of the building. That's a good point. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Fellow. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Saad. Uh, Vice Chair Junius. Thank you, Chair Luxembourg. Um, just a couple of uh, follow-up questions here. Uh, Mr. Morgan, is the, the building I assume is vacant right now? The existing building is vacant? There's a tenant in the existing building on a month-to-month -month lease. And, and who is that tenant or what do they do? That is... Uh, Gentleman's name is Brad Stevens, and he he uh, has one of the uh, <laughs> duck boats from Seattle, oh, and he stores it in there. He uh, came to me, and he had it parked on the street in Belvedere. Oh, very cool! And uh, <laughs> okay. he had nowhere else to put it. And it, and I get the impression from you, you mentioned that you know there were there are pits, and I assume um, probably prior uses were auto repair, auto. I mean, it's. You know, in preparation for this application, I had I went back and looked at all the prior uses, and I have yeah. no idea what that was there for. <laughs> okay. All right, um, are there any issues with respect to soils that you know? Are you just going to cap the site basically if, if you move forward? There's no real, obviously, not a residential project. We're not really worried about that issue. Um, soils issues, contamination, anything we should we should know about? I 
so the 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 bottom of the pit is clean. Mm. There's no grease. There's no contamination in it. It it's not drained. So it was. It, it appears to have been used as. as there's a ladder down to it. Right. It appears to have been used as a under. Right. Under access, carriage right. access. Right. Okay. Um, it's been capped, not capped. It's been capped with wood. Right. And I did get a soils report. They did. They did do borings. They did not do testing, but um, we got the recommendations for the slab based on based on the slab based on the um, geotech report. Great. That's all I had. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Junius. Um, I think you've answered the questions that I have, so I'm all set with that. So at this point, we're gonna open it up for public comment and you'll have a few minutes if you need to to respond to anything. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if uh, anybody in the audience here wants to come up to, uh, yes, can you come up to the uh, dais? I mean, to the, to the lectern, whatever we're calling. Uh, yes, and state your name and address for the record. Podium, thank you. Hi, it's I'll late. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I'll be quick. I have three minutes. My name is Christine Scarpino, and I'm here to talk about 90 Gate 5 Road. So um, we've talked a little bit in theory of this property. So it's located to the north of, um, of the proposed building. And um, the two things I just wanted to bring up was the communication that we've received about this project, as well as... Um, uh, the, um, the draft resolutions from the city. Um, I wanted to go over a few of those that I, um, I'm a little surprised at some of the conclusions. So just to give you a quick synopsis, the first, um, we've heard about this project was back in September of 2022. And I'm not here to throw anyone under the bus. I know that the city's had some turnover in, um, the development group, but I had touched base with, with Adam East and um, I told him that I was concerned that we were not notified of this project prior, although the, it was on the record that our, our property was. Um, I also discussed with him um, more of a detailed <clears throat> rendering of height elevation. Sorry, my throat's dry. Of uh, height elevation, just to really understand the neighborhood, the, the um, height changes in relativity to um, neighboring properties. And that was with Adam. Then he left. Uh, I gave Natalie our letter, and that was submitted to her in October. And then um, this recent communication um, where Neil is the planner, he was not aware of our letter that we had received, that the city had received. And his staff report um, doesn't mention that um, any you know neighbors have commented. So I just wanted for the record to say that the communication has been a little jagged from our perspective. Um, I wanted to go over the draft resolutions and I'm learning about what a design permit is. So um, the basis of the design review permit looks like it's a lot of this is in conclusion that the project's design is consistent and in scale with the neighboring properties. And again, I go back to the request of having a drawing of actual grade and scale and height and, and how that compares to the neighboring properties to be able to conclude on some of these points. Um, I don't know where my time is, I'm 30 seconds, but a lot of the points in the re resolution um, conclude that the building is in scale 
with the neighboring properties. And personally, I don't see that. I saw that from the story polls, but if you really walk into, for example, um, 90 Gate 5 Road, the grade is a lot lower. So where the report is saying that the building is tucked, it's actually looming for our, you know, the, 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 um, the view of our property. So anyway, that's, uh, that's it. And I would love to see a more detailed rendering of height within the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you for your comments this evening. Uh, other members of the audience, we also have people on Zoom. Yes, uh, name and address for the record. Thank you. Hi, Chris Kalina. I'm the tenant or the owner of Gate 90 Gate 5 Road, and I have been working down there since 1995, and I've been in the current spot there since 2009 uh, when I purchased the property. Um, my main concern with this project, one, besides the lack of outreach and communication, we never received a letter, um, which was the first I found out about the project last year was from a neighbor who received the letter and asked me about it, and I had didn't get mine. Um, I did reach out to Dan at that time. Uh, he was communicative and, um, you know, told him my concerns. Basically, this building is about eight feet from my property line and borders my backyard. That's the only space on my property that's outdoor space. The rest is either indoor or parking lot. And we use that space for our a break room out there. And we take our, uh, I run a mechanic shop. We take our breaks out there. It's a space, uh, you know, really the only outdoor usable space on the property um, that's not parking. And this building, um, although right up against there, the current building doesn't have any windows. Uh, no one's ever back there. It traditionally has made my backyard secure and um, I don't want to use the word private, but there is a certain amount of privacy back there when uh, you're in the shop working all day and you want to go out and have a break or make a phone call. It's uh, it's our spot. Um, this building with the 12 foot height increase or, or 12 foot plus that they're looking for it would essentially take two hours of morning sun out of the backyard. Uh, when I back in October, when I did this, it was from with I'll get the sun at 8 30 in the morning now and with this building I wouldn't see it until 10 30. Uh, again I'm not it's not residential and I don't expect that I have all these rights to views and this and that but in the usable aspect of my property this is going to be a big impact and the uh, plans and the, the reports so far don't reflect that this is being considered. The floor of my my interior floor on my shop is about four feet lower than the interior floor of the the current interior floor of the existing building now they're talking about going up six to two more feet and it's a six foot difference in grade uh, between buildings that are less than 20 feet from each other and i don't think enough consideration has been given to the impact on my property potential drainage issues uh, you know, and when I spoke with Dan, he was nice and we did agree to some mitigation like frosted windows because, you know, he's putting windows where there never were. And um, I just want to say that more uh, we need to come to a better agreement about what's happening because I want to support his project. I Thank you for your comment. It's what he did with the other building, but this is way out of scale with the other building. Thank you.
Thank you for your comments this evening. Uh, we also have Dan, uh, Don Anderson on Zoom. If Zoom team can un, uh, unmute, please. Thank you to the commissioners. Uh, I'm Don Anderson. I've been across the street, across Gate 5 Road at 247 for 25 years. And um, Dan's daughter and my daughter went to school together when their, when their uh, standpipe burst out and started flooding the road. The teenagers were the ones who were communicating the emergency. And I would like to remind Dan that uh, the previous Owned, the previous occupant of that building that's under question here was Sausalito Mini Storage. So by the applicant's own example, Sausalito Mini Storage is the type of use, type of occupants that puts no burden on the parking or very little burden on the parking. There's a lot of different kinds of occupancies in that neighborhood, some that are in line with the Marin Ship Plan and some that are not. And I 32 foot tall building with the potential to build out a loft or a second story is the kind of density that cannot be supported in a non-conforming property. You can't take somebody's footprint away. You can't take away an existing FAR, but that's not a single story building in the future. That's a, that's a, that's a loaded situation. The building is too big. That building is too tall. That's very obvious from the elevations. And it's not in scale with the neighborhood. Doesn't affect me personally. It's just not right for the neighborhood. I'd like to see the planning commission explore some covenants about the future use of this space so that it could be dedicated to the arts or the marine industries or something with the public good and not just more computers and office space. There's a lot of office space on that site already more than is allowed for in the marine ship plan. And I think that we need to take a good look at all the different non-conforming issues. If it were just one, maybe, maybe the height would be allowed, but there's a lot of non-conforming items and issues on this property. So I don't know that the maximum height allowance is where we should start with this conversation. That the building is too big for the site, it's not in scale with the neighborhood. That's all I have to say. Thank you for your comments this evening. Uh, I'm looking on Zoom. Uh, not uh, Director Phipps, I'm not seeing any additional members, and I'm not seeing any additional people in the audience. Uh, with that, I'm going to close public hearing and bring it back up to the dais. Um, where do we want to start? Uh, Commissioner Graff, thoughts? Okay. Um, well, I would agree with our last comment uh, that the building seems too tall to me. Um, it, it, it just feels too tall. And I'm looking at it at, as a, an apartment with a building that it's sort of married to. Um, it, and, and I'm looking at the the front facade of this building, uh, it's, it's such a radical departure from its partner that uh, I feel there's a real disconnect and that there probably should be a, a, a closer relationship between the two structures. Uh, I 
distance there is the elevation of the primary elevation of this it's uh, it's 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 not industrial it's it's um it's to me it's too fussy um too much going on um so i i just feel like it's out of uh, out of context somehow um and also the part of the height issue is the neighbor uh, and there will definitely be some shadowing there uh, i have seen the next door uh, area out there and <clears throat> that building is right there and the story polls show that it it really would be looming <clears throat> over uh, 90 Bayfire Road. Um, so I really question the site, the, the, the height. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I, re I really kind of question all that glass. Um, and I'm not so sure that that's conducive to the industrial intent of the uh, of the burn ship. Um, um, basically, those are my concerns. Um, I would love to hear from the rest of the uh, commissioners, but, but those are my main uh, issues. Thank you, Commissioner Graf. Commissioner Saad. Um, thank you, um, Chair Luxembourg. Um, yeah, I think I personally don't have an issue with the with the glass um, in terms of the design. I do have an issue with the height as well. Um, I think some of the intentions that have been mentioned are are very interesting for that area, but um, from looking at the story polls uh, and listening to public comment as well and in this scale in relation to the surrounding neighborhood, I would have a hard time at this moment making a finding. Um, I think it's G in the design review um, about adequate light and air. I think um, I think a shadow study would be pertinent overall, just given the concerns um, and, the, and the growth. Um, I now understand better from what the applicant said in terms of the not being able to change the grade across the entire property. So in that context, I can understand what they're trying to achieve, um, but I don't find it to be in scale. And I do think uh, there are quite a few non-conforming requirements. And I agree with Commissioner um, Feller's point about parking. I think it's something worth exploring. There's an opportunity here now that it's on the table. Um, so I wouldn't be comfortable um, with a non-conformity on the parking at this at this time without um, more exploration. Um, that's where I am currently. Chair, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Saad. Commissioner Feller. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, you know, I always look at projects like this um, with the, the form and the function, and and I'm not sure... Uh, there's there's a maximum height that a property owner can build to and they're you know what one inch below that so um all that's fine they they can they can do that um but i always look at the form and the function and so i go back to the industrial use this is this is for industrial use 
and the the roll up door and the ro the height of the roll up door is much lower than the height of the building. So I'm you know and maybe you know you're doing other things in, inside this building, but ultimately whatever is happening inside has to come out the rolling the roll up door. So I'm not really clear this doesn't it's just it's not quite adding up up to me that way and and i recognize that they don't have a tenant um and this is you know just a spec industrial building um which of course they're per, per, perfectly in their right to to do but i think that there are too many questions here and and i'm not even clear and maybe i would have to ask the city attorney about this but what exactly are we approving because we're not even approving something that could have a certificate of occupancy right now i mean with with you know suggestions of where restrooms are and things like that usually we have to deal with a little bit of certainty um and so i'm not really sure if we could even take action on what we see here um because this this you can't achieve a building permit with right now um you know even even in in theory so when we're looking at speculative um no tenant in mind Maybe Sergio, you can help me. I mean, is this something that we could even take action on? It is. Um, I, I don't think that an applicant is necessarily required to submit construction grade drawings in order to, yeah. um, you know, seek approval of design review or a nonconformity permit. But obviously, I think the commission needs to be comfortable that the design is specified with sufficient detail that they know what they are approving. Now, obviously, you know, certain things like the location of specific interior improvements likely are not going to be too uh, relevant to the findings that you have to make, but it might be in certain instances. So obviously, you know, again, if you if you need more specificity in terms of things that impact the findings that you are supposed to be making, I think you can ask for that from the applicant. Okay. But, you know, I, I again, I don't think it's typically necessary or should be necessary for the applicant to have construction grade drawings. And frankly, I don't know that that makes sense from a practical perspective because those cost a lot of money to develop for every applicant. Yeah. And so knowing that they're going to have design review approval first makes sense from their perspective. Yeah, I'm definitely not looking for construction grade drawings. That, that's absolutely not what I'm looking for. But I appreciate the the comments and the and the perspective because I I actually I'm not I don't even think there are restrooms in this existing building now. Um, so I, I want to make sure that we are not replicating the problems that we have now uh, into a new project. So. You know, I'm I'm not as bothered with the height if I understood that there was an a, a purpose for it, um, or that they were you know there was a goal to attract a maritime shipbuilder versus a whiskey distillery. I mean that there's a big difference between the two, um, and I know there's no certainty when you're trying to secure a lease, but it, it'd be interesting to know if there was a target in mind. Um, but I think that, you know, this applicant is also um, has been very clear that he's willing to deed parking spaces from other properties to this. And I think that we should absolutely um, confirm that that is exactly what we're looking for. And that's what we would want to see uh, uh, moving forward. Um, so uh, I'm sensitive to, to the other neighbors. Uh, this isn't an 
industrial area though. I mean, so let's remember that that's the goal here. Um, and um, those are my comments for now. Thank you, Commissioner Fellow, Vice Chair Jr. Thank you, Chair Luxembourg. Um, I mean, I'm very comfortable with the height. I, I, I'm staring at the um, the rendering here that is, I'm not sure we can see this, but the, you know, the top picture here shows those two long um, kind of barn-like buildings at the corner of Gate 5 Road and Coma. And those look like they peak out pretty high as well. So I, I guess I'm just a little stunned that we're talking about a height concern in a 30, for a 32 foot building in an industrial area where there are really no view issues. Um, I, I understand that the adjacent neighbor has a, a, a bit of a concern about some shading, but um, I, I'm just a little stunned because it seems to me that um, in, in Sausalito where we're trying to incentivize industrial uses in an industrialized zoned area um, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a property owner is willing to bring a pretty cool industrially designed building to attract new industrial tenants and is willing to take this chance and invest some money and to build a unique property here, um, admittedly on spec, uh, but uh, yeah, just, um, uh, I'm uh, just a little surprised. Um, I don't see any, I, I don't see anything here that I don't like. I, I certainly, I'm not the architect. I, I you know, I, I mean, I'm sure architectural changes would probably be on the table here if that would, you know, get the basic project through. But um, I just think it's a good project um, that is going to replace a very, apparently a building that needs to be replaced. Um, and I think we should be helping our industrial, you know, property owners to keep the industrial areas of Sausalito evolving and growing and changing in ways that we hope um, are going to be successful, but we can't guarantee success. Um, and it's, you know, it's the property owners, uh, you know, money on the line and, and it's clearly within the planning code. I, I, I think it's an unusual issue with respect to the height and the nonconformity, but I'm comfortable that the staff uh, has, uh, you know, confirmed for the record that um, we can approve this uh, at, at this, um, at this scale and at this height. So, um, I, I would have been <laughs> making a motion to approve, but I'll hold off on that <laughs> at the moment. Um, but I'm very supportive. Uh, thank you, Vice Chair Junius. Um, I have some mixed feelings on this. I, I think some of the issues being raised could be addressed. The, the, you know, the idea that a second floor would be built in a loft I and mean, we could restrict it to not have a second floor. I mean, it's, the nonconformity is for the square footage of the FARs doesn't allow you to build a second floor and we could condition it not to have a second floor. So I think that issue can go away. I think the, um, the upper level windows uh, nobody can get to because nobody's at that height. So that's less of an issue. The, the lower level windows, opaque glass or some sort of thing on that side might be able to address that. Um, uh, I'm a, I have a different view on the parking. I, uh, with the environment and the fair traffic initiative, we don't want to be encouraging more driving. We're going to be encouraging less driving, more bicycles, more other alternative means. And in the uses that are being proposed, don't have a lot of staff involved. And we don't want to, we don't want to create lots of extra parking and then uh, which encourages a use that has lots of lots of employees. I mean, so I think we want to use that uses the industrial nature of this. 
Uh, so I actually am not so worried about deeding parking, but I might not be in the majority on that. Um, I, I think that I like the glass. I think it's, it's a nice concept because you can see in and it, it sort of means that it won't be storage. It's going to be something that can, can utilize that, that glass. I do have a worry if you, uh, to, I think Commissioner Feller's comment, if you put a, if you build a boat in there, you need a bigger door to get it out. I mean, once you built it. So, so you might need to go all the way up, you know, if you're going to build a boat inside. Um, and the whiskey thing, and yes, they need high ceilings. Uh, I'm a little, you know, the, I understand you're building it on specs. So you want to build it as big as you want. Uh, if you knew what the use was and it only needed 30 feet, you'd only need to build it to 30 feet. So this is the chicken and the egg. What comes first? You build, you get your approvals and then you get your tenant. That That's the issue on the height. I mean, I think the height looks a little bit large, but it is an industrial area. There are buildings that are this tall and it is within the zoning. So I have mixed feelings on the height. And obviously if I knew what the use was, I'd feel better about, yeah, you, you go build a boat and you need 30, 32 feet. That seems reasonable, you know? So anyway, so those are some thoughts. I'm gonna look to the rest of the commission for a suggestion on a motion. Here. So, well, I've got another another question to, to throw out with this. I mean, if if we, if we look at this um, to um, to not allow the demo permit until the TI is fully signed off as well, TI the uh, tenant, improvement. tenant improvement. So once we know, because I mean, right now, maybe maybe that's a way to to handle it. I mean, as I as you said, I don't really have a problem with the height except I think there's a form and function issue. I mean, you've got a lot of extra volume here. If you can only, um, you know, if you can only get something that large in, in, inside. So if, if we want to condition an approval um, that a demo permit won't be issued until such time as the uh, tenant improvement is signed off, we could do that. Yeah, but then uh, I understand the concept, but then what that means is they can't build it on spec. They can't build the spec for it. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't be a completed occupiable building anyway. No, but they could construct it and then get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the idea here is that, you know, you, you get a, a, a shell building, you know, warm shell built, and then people can see it and they get excited about it. And then you sign the lease and then you do the tenant permit. And, you know, in a way, it's, it's not that different from building a, an office building, right? right. You build a warm right. shell office building and you wait for the tenants yeah. to come by and look out the windows for the views. And then- But you, typically corn shell includes all the fixtures and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but there's an building. Yeah, I, mean, I know, yeah. I know, I know. I'm just tossing the idea yeah, out to try to move closer to a consensus. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I if I thought a tenant was in, imminent, I, I agree with that concept, but I'm, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, we can ask the applicant. I don't know if they're, uh, I mean, it takes so long to get this thing designed and building permitted and all that, that, you know, um, and they can't really get, it's a chicken and the egg. They can't really get tenants until they have something concrete. And, and so they need some approval from us. And you're saying if we give them an approval to, uh, you know, subject to this condition, but then, they really can't just start. Yeah, so the tenant knows they have an approval pending getting a tenant. 
So. Yeah, but then they also know that they have to wait for the shell to get built, which is going to take X amount of months, and then they lose the tenant. I mean, it's, you know, um, I'm, I understand you're trying to get to a consensus. All right, I'm trying. I'm, yeah, I'm trying. That's what you're trying to do. I want to ask the applicant if that's a. I, yeah, that's I, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah I yeah, wanted I to talk it over with you guys first yeah. to see if this yeah, yeah, is something. I, I, well, it, you know what I mean? I mean, it does. It does seem like a pretty simple building to build. So maybe this is a right. Or maybe this would work in, in your. In yeah. So can we ask the applicant to come? Yeah. To, yeah, to come the back podium, to back to the just podium. Just so you're on the the microphone. Sure. So the question, I'll frame the question. So we're we're saying that if we were to approve this, but not let you, you pull a demo permit until you have your tenant improvement improvement submitted, uh, would that be okay with you? I, I think the amount of time that it would take to design a project, a build, get a building permit, build it, would be. 12 to 18 months. And I don't know if I signed a tenant today, if they would want to wait 18 to 24 months. And secondly, if I don't have something to show them, it's really hard to sell. I mean, these, these pictures are great, but it's not like standing in that, that room and looking out the window and looking at that big glass and imagining what you could put in there. That's, that's, it, it would be tough. I'd, I'd, prefer not to do it that way just because of the amount of time uh, i mean i've been here four years i've been i'm going on five years just to get here no that's that that was my uh my thought too but we're trying to get to a consensus uh, you have a further comment on that yeah I, I just had a comment about i'm hearing a lot about the uncertainty of the use and the height and this this door i mean you haven't said it exactly but the door is not tall enough I think if we make the door taller, it allows for all the possibilities of a taller structure or whatever's being built in there. So if you look at the rendering, we've got this horizontal bar across. It just kind of gives them a lot more flexibility without really changing the design. Uh, thank you. I, I, yeah. I wasn't so worried about the door. I figured you could just make it bigger. I wasn't really worried about that once you know the tenants. So. But you know, the other thing on, on a use, I mean, it very well could be this ends up being a warehouse and there are no tenant improvements other than the bathrooms, which I probably will stub in and build where, where I said. But the other thing is a user that can take a 28-foot building will go into a 32 foot, 31 foot building, but somebody that needs 31 feet won't go into a 28 foot building. Right. right. And I can't play with those numbers how you like, but so I want to build what I can do. The other, I want to build the, big, the highest I can because that's going to appeal to the most tenants. The other thing is 90 gate five road and a lot of the other buildings, if he's four feet lower than me, I'm, I'm already in the floodplain. Those buildings are, ending they're in the fourth quarter their economic life they're going to get knocked down someday and built too and then they're going to have to raise theirs up to be equal to mine and they're going to build a two-story no, building we understand that so, we understand that i mean like i said i don't i don't have a problem with the height i'm just looking Thanks. at form and function like you know let's try to justify what we're doing here i mean he you know there there is a height limit of 32 he's underneath that 32 
he's got every right to build. Um, so I, I'm not, I, that's not the problem I'm having with it. I'm just trying to justify and rectify what we're doing here. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's sort of where, where I fall. But I, 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 and I get your point about the parking, but, you know, you know, one of the things this commission prides itself on is applying the ordinances and municipal codes equally and fairly to everybody. This is a non-conforming site from the parking. We have an opportunity to make it conforming. We should do that. We should do that. I mean, the whole part about bicycles and all that is great. I'm all for that, but we, you know, we have ordinances to follow here. That's my intention. Can I make a, can I make a suggestion about the parking? Uh, he doesn't need parking dedicated for not for use not specified. So what we could do is in the event he comes up with a use that demands more parking at the time of the building permit, then we need that agreement. In other words, he doesn't necessarily need to take the square footage and add arbitrarily whatever the number is, 12, 15 spaces from another property that he has. Unless, if the use he has for this doesn't require that much parking, so whatever the but based, based on whatever, it's not, the, but, but but that's not how it works. It's, yeah, it's not based I mean, on the use. That's a nice thought, but that's not how it works. Right. But he's going to have to come in. I'm just trying to think of a way to do this. So he has to come in to the, with a building permit for a specific tenant fit up. If that tenant fit up is highly intensive, then we could require more parking. But it no. conveys with the property, not a lease. That's right. True. So that's why I'm saying what you're describing doesn't it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I'm just uh, I just so, worried so, about getting all the getting all this concrete yeah. and all this parking all over the place that rather than landscape and greenery and we also have flooding in these areas and so putting more paving in uh, is is not necessarily well. It sounds like it already exists. So, so, so that's that's yeah. the beauty. So, it so already exists. The parking. Yeah. yeah. I think the applicant has said. He's I think okay, he's willing to do it. Right. Accept it, chair. Yeah. He's already said on record. It it is it's that. the opportunity to become compliant. Exactly is the intention. So I think if the property owner is willing. We'd ask you to concede, and I think we can I, 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 we can I, get I, somewhere. I, I'm willing to concede. Okay. I just what what I don't want to do is encourage him to go out and get something no. that requires 50 employees. That we need it now that he has this parking dedicated to the use that came in. Sure. Is, no, we not nothing to do with the lease. What it could have been. So so Neil, I have a question for you uh, as it relates to the drafted. Um, uh, conditions of approval. Um, can you review some of those with us specific to um, this is a single floor, no loft, no additional space, the max, what is it, 3,200 some odd. Yeah. 3,207 square feet, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no loft, no second story. Um, so that's a condition of approval in there. Is that correct? Well, I don't, I don't think my condition is specific to like no loft, no second story, because it, that would be additional floor area, which would then require a building permit. And we know typically you'd go, well, 
wait a minute, you're already maxed out, so you're adding floor area. But if you'd like to add that as a clarification. I'd like to add it as a clarification. Then it's, it sounds like Neil is stating that it's not a condition of approval because it's prohibited by the applicable zoning code already. I, I didn't hear you, Sergio. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, it sounds like uh, Neil is stating that it's not a condition of approval because it's already prohibited by the zoning code. Okay. Yeah, can I clarify something? Just let's step one thing back. I'm looking at the agenda. I'm not seeing the conditions. Are they in the resolution or where where are the conditions? They're attached to the resolution. The resolution. They're attachment two to the resolution. Um, okay. So maybe Vice Chair Junius, you can help me try to craft something here. Anything that would be built here in addition to what's been approved will be illegal. That right. Be okay. On the list of so help, help me craft a, a, a motion I here. I yeah. In that respect. That, fine. I mean, yeah, Let's keep yeah, going then. Yeah. What well, help me craft a condition of approval? Is, is, yeah. Is one we should talk about. So, um, uh, Mr. Morgan, can we, can we talk a little bit about that and, and get, get you on the record and, and try to form something here? So, um, we have a parking deficit of how many spaces, Neil? Uh, 32. I so that's not. 30, uh, about 13. Let me double check that. So the WHA drawing says that there are 23 total parking spaces on site. That's for this building only. Is that correct, sir? For that's for the whole parcel. Yeah, it's for the whole okay. parcel. And I think the okay. parking so, calculations that Neil did were for the whole so parcel. So let's see, Neil, what your calculations are and the deficiency. And as vice chair is saying, Mr. Morgan, if you can confirm what you stated earlier, that you'd be willing to deed parking spaces from other sites to, to this. That's correct. And I'd like to nail down the number before I agree yes, to it. Fair enough. Don't mind. Fair so enough. I'm, I've, in, I've come up with a total parking demand between the office and the two industrial buildings, single story industrials as 32 spaces total. Okay. And then he has and how many do you have on the site? Thing is is 19. He has 19. So that's 13 differential. Do you mind coming to the yeah. microphone? Is Sorry. That, you have is that your plan on number? site. You're required to have 32 by the square footage. What sheet were you looking at where you said? Page uh, four of the staff report. I see that, but I was I on A zero. A zero, okay. Oh, our, that, I was yeah. on this, okay. this one. Is that the data summary? Project information, is, top right. This color. Oh, I see. Twenty-three total spark parking spaces on site. But I think we just have to count and see because um, there is a discrepancy there. Condition staff has to confirm. No. Okay. We Sorry, I have, can't, I can't read it at this scale. We have two, two deeded that no, these guys probably don't know, but we have two spaces deeded from 200 Gate 5 Road to me. And I would, I mean, if we could use the number nine and just say that this 23 is probably right, close, 
without my other two, if we could say nine, I'd just like, if we're going to agree to this, I'd like to have a number and maybe nine is two or three sh short. Maybe it's over. I, I think what, what I would like to suggest is that you work with staff to define the, you know, confirm the deficiency of parking. Uh, we have a range, it seems, what that might be, and that you will deed parking to this project from other parcels to bring it up to a, um, a, a, a code, co code for compliant parking. for parking. I can agree to that. Okay. And we're going to let him use the. He, uh, hold on. He just agreed to it. I want to make sure everyone's clear. I just want to clarify. He had asked before that that he has some spaces that are DDDM from another project. And there were two spaces. Are we going to let him use that? That's what I wanted to make sure of. He says he has. Well, sure. If he controls them, if it, if he controls them and they're deeded, it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. He, he's so that's be why to he's going to work with staff. Yeah. to finalize what that deficiency is and you're going to bring that deficiency up to code compliance by deeding parking from other parcels to this project that, that is correct okay all right can can i uh can i ask a question because this is now putting a whole nother um sort of layer to the project proposal which uh the applicant is agreeing to you i think um and maybe does have the parking spaces um, my concern is I, I've dealt with many situations of moving lot lines, um, uh, you know, doing, doing arrangements and such things as joint use parking. And it's not always as easy as it sounds. The question I'd have for you, Mr. Morgan, are you actually sure we may, this could be whack-a-mole. Um, are you sure you have, you may have parking available because of the uses and the demand that exists, you may not, but as you said, this space seems to function okay. Um, you may not have parking available based on the code requirement, or you may not have as avail much available parking. Do you know, where do you have in mind? Is this even on an adjacent site? Or how, because I don't know the range of your properties. Um, I think the commission is more familiar with, with your properties and operations than I am, but I'm, I'm a bit concerned we're getting into a condition of approval that may not be as feasible as, or practicable, practical as it sounds. So I just want to make sure we have a, that you have an understanding, like, where do you have in mind, if I can ask, <laughs> is this, and where is this? Well, 2650 Bridgeway, 26. Um, 2650 Bridgeway, uh, 20, um, the Oculus, the two Oculus buildings, 475 Coloma and 401 Coloma. I don't know how many spaces I have. And that's, I, 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 that I came, I picked up on that. If I take some from here and put them over here, does that make me non-conforming over there? And I wonder, I wonder if we could, uh, deed restrict them or joint use them because in in pra the practical matter is i have plenty of spaces more even when everybody's working and everybody's there I, there's there's a lot of space so practically with all the different uses that that exist um 
I, I have it. Seeing parking issue in terms of actual demand, but again, to the you know to the staff comment, that it may still be a problem compliance, right? I mean that's so. I mean, we, we, I mean I, I'd like to bring maybe Sergio can come back. You know, we could try to you know, chair, if I might. Um, you know, we could try to just delegate this issue to the staff, and then they can basically get themselves comfortable that shifting these parking spaces around is not going to bring any other properties out of compliance and will satisfy what we're looking for here, which is to bring this property into compliance. I'd be comfortable with that, and I trust the staff to do that. And, but if it, if it doesn't work, then you're kind of stuck coming back here. That, that would be fine, but if we could, instead of making them deeded exclusively to 170 Gate 5 Road, it would be a joint use and they'd have the right to park there. That way we're not yeah, going to... Not and that's, but I, mean, I, I think we're still going to run into a problem if the staff says, you know, your demand, your, the code requires you to have X number of spaces and you, you can't come up with X no matter how many trouble things are. And that, that's really, I think, the concern. I agree. I think you, you probably are. I, I believe you. I think you've got enough spaces to actually satisfy the demand that you're seeing, but that still might not, you know, jive with the code. Uh, and there may be a reason why you're short parking spaces here because maybe there just isn't enough parking around. And again, working the numbers with the staff in terms of what's required by the code, you know, may we may run into a roadblock here. Okay. But well, if you want to take that chance, you can. That's fine. I'd be willing to do that. And then if, if there's an issue, we'll be back. Um, yeah, I think that if the call, if, if, yeah, if we're just uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul, we're not solving anything. Right, right. But, but assuming a couple, I see two avenues. So assuming there's enough parking on his other sites that he doesn't need by code, he, uh, he can allocate them to here. I don't have an issue, but I want to know if commission does of him having joint use. I don't see any reason he has to restrict parking in another place only to the tenants of this place. I think if he has joint use, as long as he's providing a, a way to, to yeah, do it, like, that no, sharing is a good thing. Yeah, but, but you still need the total number to come out right. Yes, yeah, right. So, now, I'm saying assuming okay, the yeah. total number comes out right, yeah. he, he allows for joint use of those spaces. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we, yeah. I'm so, I'm fine with no. vice chair. Yeah. But let me ask the question: If he does not have enough spaces by code, what is the commission's wish? So I we can craft this in some way. I think you got to come back. He's got to come back. Yeah. Can Can I note too that the uh, municipal code under the parking uh, requirements does specify that if the area to be used for parking and the parcel on which the subject land use is located are not the same. And the planning commission shall consider whether a deed restriction is warranted as a condition of approval. A deed restriction would stipulate that the shared parking agreement shall remain in effect for the life of the subject land use. Now, this is a section under joint use, um, which requires a conditional use permit. And I think where I'm going is it would be it would behoove the applicant and staff and probably the commission as well to have the applicant provide um, the more or less the outline or the plan for this joint use as part of this application. 
um, because I just don't, I'm, my concern is whether this is going to be as simple as, mm -hmm. as, uh, as a condition of approval. I'd, I, I'd be happy to get the, you know. I mean, the other option here is that we, we continue this until such time as you you can come back, Neil, um, having gone through the exercise with the applicant. Yeah, we're, we're trying to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the issue I'm having with this is, uh, and I may not be on the prevailing side of this, is if he does not have enough by code, let's say he doesn't have nine spaces, he only has seven spaces. Uh, this is this building is the same size. He's not making it any bigger. We don't know whether the use is more intensive, and um, and the parking is what it is, and it's a non-conforming use. Are we are we saying that he can't use this building without making it compliant by finding spaces somewhere else in South Korea that he doesn't own? No, we're not saying that. Okay, but, but what we're are trying we? to go through this exercise to make to bring it up to code compliant. Yeah, no, I I understand. So, that, that. so we either. Okay. Condition it now, yeah. or we continue. Yes. Okay. So I think, Vice Chair, what other um, conditions can you think of that you'd want to put on this if we're going to make a motion? Well, I mean, based one on, way or the other. Yeah, based on, I'm, I think the one thing we're getting some commonality here on is the parking, mm -hmm. right? I think I'm not sure we need a shadow study. I'm hoping we don't need a shadow study on that, <laughs> given that we'd like to move this along. Um, I, I might still have issues with the finding that I mentioned on light and air, but I, I'll focus on the parking so we can come to some agreement there. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of design design changes, design conditions, did you mention perhaps a building? <clears throat> well, I just, all this parking, I'm sorry. Um, all this parking has got me mm. a little confused. I, I, it's, it's some kind of a, uh, uh, little uh exercise and trade-offs um i'm i'm still not quite happy with the building um as it stands uh and it's yeah the design of the building and the and the and the shade and shadow and i think um i would like to see some changes some improvement there uh, I think the height of this building could be dropped easily three feet and still be a totally functional space. In fact, I think a, a, a 30 foot high or nearly 30 foot high space is really a lot of extra volume that probably would never be used because you can't put a second level in there or lofts because because can't do it, right? They'll get busted. Um, so. It's just hard to imagine uh, what you you wouldn't be put you wouldn't be building a sailboat in there uh, or, or and sailing it out uh, oh. because they, the mast is always separate anyway. So it's like you know I, I just don't know. Uh, I think it's I think it's too big. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you don't have to agree with me. No, <laughs> that's my. <laughs> I know, I know you don't. Um, but that's. Are we going to make a motion? Are we going to? we continue this for a period? I mean, again, I hate. To but, do that. Can, can I ask? Can I ask the applicant on this? Uh, I mean, we could try to craft something tonight, or you could go back and work out with 
the parking issue and look at the design and see if there's a way to drop this in some way uh, and we can continue it or we can try to come up with some compromise tonight, which is probably gonna be taking three feet, four feet out of the height, just arbitrarily and, and, and trying to craft a bunch of conditions on the design. So are you better, do you feel better off trying to think about those issues and work out the parking issue and come back on the design? Or do you want us to attempt to come to a consensus on changes from, from here? I guess that's the question. Feel like I'm a shark tank. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, on the one hand, I'd like to walk out with a, an approval. And if I give on the parking concession, I really don't want to give on anything else. So if there's going to be other conditions, then we'll we'll go ahead and um, continue. That would be my desire, but you ultimately have the decision. So uh, I, I right now, just for giving it back to the to the commission, I think right now there's going to be a consensus to lower the height. No. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I don't. Uh, I'm no, not, I'm not, and then, okay, let me rephrase. I think there's going to be a concession. There's going to be a majority that will lower the height on on this, and there will be uh, and there will be a majority that wants you to reduce the parking. So I think that uh, and that those are different majorities actually right now. So uh, um, I mean, unless did you think I'm wrong? I I, I I I could approve this now with the parking condition. I I think someone should make a motion because you only you need three of us, and we don't all have to agree. I think the parking is something we're trying to assist with, but I think it's fair to make a motion and see if it gets an approval. Uh, okay, we're, we can go try, we can well, try to we can try to yeah. go ahead, Vice Chair. Move to approve. Um, with a condition that requires the applicant to work with the staff to um, uh, work out a compliant parking plan that um, is the term we're using joint parking joint that, that you know that complies with code and would would by designating other parking spaces controlled by the applicant as committed to this project would bring this site into compliance on parking. I think that's kind of convoluted enough, but Sergio, is that? Yeah, so my my one sort of concern is when you say compliant with parking, are you saying that you want this this the site to have um, 32 total parking spaces? No, I think the idea is we want the, the, the um, assemblage of property that the applicant owns in this area to have pointed to an area that has the additional nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 spaces that the staff is going to say that we're short, that the applicant's short, and that those those spaces are now dedicated to this site in a legal compliance sense. Um, and that would technically bring the project into compliance with the, with the parking requirement. Okay, so, so yes, I, I believe staff have identified that uh, you know, based on a mixed industrial and office use, the site would require 32 total uh, parking spaces uh, existing that there are 19 parking spaces in the staff report. And so it sounds like the will of the commission is to direct staff to work with the applicant to develop a joint use or other alternative parking program that would provide for the additional 13 parking spaces that would be accessible to this site. That's, that's right. Correct. And I, and I think if we if that is the condition, and if it and if 
And if the, let, let me, and I, I think what we're getting here for the applicant is we're preserving this, the, you know, with some reservations. I know there's some people here that aren't comfortable with the height, but we're, we're going to approve the, the, the envelope of your building with the height tonight with this parking condition that frankly, from what I'm hearing may result in an additional approval, like a conditional use or something to come back on just the parking issue to figure all that stuff out and, and clarify it in a way that we're not really sure it is needed tonight, but could be needed in the future, but you can get an approval. And then, and then what would come back would be an adjustment of the condition on parking if we needed to do that to clarify all this. It's a little messy, but I think we'd get, you would get, you'd get an approval tonight. I'm fine. Yeah. And the reason I was trying to be more specific is because at least in table 1040-1, there's a number of different parking standards that vary based on land use. So certain land uses require considerably less parking. And since we don't know exactly what sort of tenant. That's what Gerlach said we're going, and I, you know, I appreciate yeah. that. But at this so, point, yeah. we, have a, we have a number that we're trying to hit. And yeah. if we walk out of this room with a plan to hit that number, as a condition of approval with working with, with the applicant, working with the staff, I think that works for us. It's 30, the number's 32. Well, the yeah, 32. But also the, those spaces can will be dedicated to this project and not allowed for joint use well, or allowed for joint I, I think that's, Yeah, I think that's, that, that's what Neil was saying. Okay. Yeah. And if I can clarify, the joint use parking, the, the conditions outlined in the code, pretty standard, um, has percentages of sites, uh, percentages of parking areas that can be joint use, and then percentages of those parking spaces that have to be daytime, excuse me, daytime versus nighttime or week, weekday versus weekend. So it's a, it's typically done through a conditional use permit process to really identify how that is going to function. Um, so the simpler approach would be just just identify if they have reserved parking spaces yeah. and yeah, then deed fine. them for this property. That's, I think what we're saying, yeah. yes. So because joint use becomes kind of a... Get away without having to come back with a conditional use, but if it doesn't, then at least you got the building approved with a need to come back and fix this yeah. with a conditional use. I mean, that would be like your worst case scenario. You so, so Vice Chair, I will, I'll second your motion with um, one proposed addition if if you would entertain it, and that is any any additional design changes on the exterior expression also come back to the planning commission i, I support that okay so uh i'm going to complicate it here i'm going to uh request an amendment to the motion that uh two two things we can take them separately one that there be opaque glass on the first level for the lower part of the back side to address the concern with the neighbors uh, and the second one is that we reduce the height to 28 feet. Is there a second? I'll, I'll accept the first, yeah, but not the second. Was it, well, it's arbitrary. First, no, no, it's not. I know. I understand it's arbitrary, but we're being forced into this scenario because of the way we're doing this. But uh, the there's an amendment. I'm suggesting an amendment to. Well, let's deal with the height first. 28 feet. Is there a second to the amendment? That's how you do it. Okay, so the amendment is now on the floor and we can vote on the amendment. I'm not asking for requests, this is Robert Rules. I'm not asking for you to change your motion. I'm asking for this. So uh, I will now take roll call on the amendment to the motion. 
Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Saad? Yes. Commissioner Graff? Yes. Commissioner Feller? No. Vice Chair Junius? No. Chair Luxembourg? Yes. Motion passes. Okay. And now we have the motion as amended. Uh, and I'm going to withdraw the motion at this point because not I, I'm not. This isn't the way to yeah. do it. I'm not comfortable with that. This I, isn't the yeah. way to do it. No, I, I'll make a motion to continue this. Um, this uh, this isn't the way to do it. So. So there's a, a motion on the uh, uh, the motion has been withdrawn and there's a motion to continue. Uh, discussion on the motion to continue. For a second. A second to a motion to continue. I'll second. Okay. Uh, further discussion on the motion to continue that's to a date uncertain, is it? Well, I think we that we should ask the applicant that. Okay. So applicant can come back up. So uh, as I was suggesting earlier, there were two issues. One is parking and one is height. And uh in and whether you you preferred to move ahead tonight with a potentially you wanted one or the other, but you you're you're going to lose both uh, if you do it tonight. And then you can go back and think about the height, and you can resolve the parking and come back to a, either a date certain or a date uncertain. I think I'm willing to come back uh, at a date in uh, second meeting in April. Second meeting in April. Okay. That would be April 26th, Chair. Okay, April 26th. So I'll amend my motion to continue this to a date certain of April 26th. Will you second that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Motion sure. uh, seconded uh, for a date certain to April 26th. Further discussion on the motion? Well, I would again just like to, I think we should try to tell the applicant what we're asking for. I, I personally don't support any reduction in the height here. I think, uh, I think a small reduction of height just is it, it doesn't do anything for anybody except make the project less viable for the applicant um so i really really strongly disagree with that approach um, i, I kind of thought we were trying to solve the parking problem as a way to deal one one issue that there's a concern if you're in compromise on the height but i i'm really uncomfortable going forward i mean we'll be back i suppose in, in april but i'm uncomfortable ha having the applicant have to give up on both these things. May I say something? I am not a proponent of the height, but you do not need a 5-0 vote here. And I think this applicant was about to get an approval and the amendment potentially ruined that. I am not going to vote yes with this height, but that doesn't change anybody else's opinion. I would recommend, because it won't be me, someone put back a motion to approve this project as you all had conditioned it with the parking and skip the amendment that chair luxembourg that you that you made and and try it again why don't you withdraw the motion to continue i'll withdraw the motion to continue i second that and it's gone so all right i'm gonna again i'm gonna move to approve the existing the plan with the condition on the parking, um, we're gonna call it the parking solution, the parking investigation that the staff is gonna work on to bring this project, this site into compliance with the planning code through either a collection of parking spaces that are controlled by the applicant 
or through a later conditional use conditional use application that will allow for joint parking that would come back here but we are we are what's on the floor now is to approve the building at the height and with the basic design um, that's been proposed and I'll second that again with the added condition that any any future design changes on the exterior have to come back to us there's a motion on the floor and a second uh, uh, Director Phipps, please call the roll. Commissioner Saad? No. Commissioner Graff? No. Commissioner Feller? Yes. Vice Chair Junius? Yes. Chair Luxembourg? No. Motion does not pass. Yeah. I, okay. I'd like to make a motion to continue this to a date certain of April 26th. I'll second that. Okay. Uh, uh, any further comments, anybody? I would just want to make sure the applicant's clear what the direction is from this commission. Thank you. I'm Mr. clear. Morgan. You're clear. I'm okay. clear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Director Phipps, take roll. Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Saad? Yes. Commissioner Graff? Yes. Commissioner Feller? Yes. Vice Chair Junius? Chair Luxembourg? Yes. Motion passes. Okay. Motion to adjourn. Second. Second. All in favor? Yeah. Aye. Aye.